Oh, yeah. Smoking in the Boys Room by Motley Crue from 1985. Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druff and Friends show. This is being broadcast live from the Rio in Las Vegas. No no secret location crap this time. I'm just I'm being upfront and honest. Where I am right now is the Rio in Las Vegas uh, at the World Series of Poker. Don't try to call my room because I took the phone off the hook. It's not going to work this time. You, you guys get me every time. You track me down. And then you call the room phone, and you make it ring in the background of the show. I'm wise to it this time. The phone's already off the hook. You can try if you want. Anyway, the time right now, 8.48 p.m. It's June 14th, 2017. Before we get going, we have a free roll that started eight minutes ago. But you have until 9.05, that's 17 minutes from now, to get in. It is a 50 plus $5 free roll. The plus five is not a buy-in, and the plus five is a bounty on CalWatt. So the prizes are as follows. First place gets $25. Second place gets $12. Third place gets eight. Fourth place gets fifth, and or sorry, fourth place gets $5, and $5 also goes to whoever knocks out CalWatt. And this is as good a time as any to put CalWatt on this show, Calwatt, hello. Calwatt, I think I hear you. Do you hear me? Oh, I, th- I thought I fixed the Skype issues here, but uh, now I don't know. Who's... Wow, Druff, I can barely hear you. you. You can barely hear me. That's yeah. a, that's a problem here. They, uh, I think the chat room is okay, but see, so you're saying you can barely. I'm going to call you right back. Yeah, the radio is fine. Okay, I'm going to call you right back. I thought I fixed these, but I'll, tr- I'll try calling All right. you right back. All right. I, I hear him okay, but he barely hears me. Let me let me see what I can do with the settings here. So you remember last week we had some Skype issues. Oh, yeah, I see this. For whatever reason, Skype is, is getting my microphone very low. Let me see something here. Yeah, this is weird. Um, this is really weird. If I put it on stereo mix, it comes in very loud. If I put it on microphone, it comes out very soft. You guys can't hear it. It seems normal to you guys. This is really weird. Well, I thought I had something fixed, but I guess not. We can put CalWatt on, and he'll be able to hear me better, but now he won't be able to hear the sound effects. I'll explain this in a second, what's going on here. Okay, so I bet you can hear me now. I can definitely hear you Yeah, now. you're not going to believe this here. Skype came up with a way they thought to deal with this problem where you can't hear the sound effects. And the way they did that is by putting something of play system sounds. So this way, uh, it's share system sounds. So if I put that on, then you're supposed to be able to hear whatever my computer plays, which is great. That's exactly what we need. Unfortunately, it only seems to work if uh, this is on microphone mode rather than stereo mix mode. So I thought, okay, that's a little bit weird. I mean, the whole point of stereo mix is so you can hear what's on my computer. But okay, fine. I'll just do microphone. Well, for whatever reason, if I just do microphone, it comes through to you really, really soft. And I could see the levels that way. It comes to the radio fine, but to you it's very soft. So then if I put it back to stereo mix, then you can hear me as normal. But I bet that you will not be able to hear the sound effects. We're going to test this here. I know I know everybody we should do this before the show, but uh, you, know, you, you guys know how the show works. So I'm going to play a sound effect to you. Tell me if you can hear this. Zero point zero. Did you hear it? 
No, I don't hear anything. Exactly. Exactly. So no, no, no. I'm kidding. I heard it. Oh, I heard you, it fine. What, what was zero point zero? Oh, so it works. Okay. When I tested this before, work. when I tested this before on stereo mix, it didn't work. Okay. I, I think we're good. I think I think it's amazing, but it works. All right. Yay. Very good. I, I'm not holding my breath. It may change at any point. That's that's Skype for you. In fact, I was reading a lot of discussions about Skype this week on message forums, and uh, basically, oh, riveting. Basically, the conclusion from everybody was that Microsoft just doesn't give a crap about Skype, that they've pretty much ruined the product and that they are very poor with fixing bugs, with uh, listening to support requests and bug fix requests, and they've just completely mangled it badly. So They probably have one intern who works on it part-time. That's kind of what it seems like. (laughs) So. No, I'm not even kidding. I think that probably is really what's happened. You know, it's weird how this happens with large companies when they either take over something or have a product that they don't care as much about anymore. Like, like Yahoo Chat was like that. Despite Yahoo being a huge company and having so much money, there were simple issues in their chat that really made it uh, difficult to use. A lot of people to exploit it and screw with it. Could have been fixed really easily with like like a less than a day's worth of programming, and they just never did it. They they never took the time to do it, the very minimal time and effort to do it. And I always wondered, how did that happen? How are they uh, this uh, It's close? real easy. I mean, I can tell you because I've been involved with some of these companies. They have their, their sprint meetings where they – sorry, sprint meetings where they plan, you know, the work that's going to be done on. And anything that's low priority always just falls off. And yeah. especially at tech companies, you're never at a loss for – products or things that need to be worked on you know yesterday so the the stuff that is no longer uh you know the new hotness it just never gets on the list yeah, of but, stuff that to be worked on but you know when I, when I when i worked at uh software companies in the 90s um i i always when it was something that was small and easy to fix uh especially a long-standing problem uh i i would try to get to it, and I would try to uh, encourage my my supervisors or managers to allow me to get to it and take this short time. And they they were actually very willing to do that uh, because these things were not uh, big efforts. But I, I guess at very large companies, this can be a problem. So anyway, I don't want to get into a long discussion about that. But uh, good news: the Skype is working. So the free roll tonight. It's on the No Fraud Online Poker Room as always. Make sure you. Did, call... I hear that, did I hear right? There's a bounty on me again. Yes, yes. That's uh, and I'll tell you in a second who put it on. But it's on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. The free roll, totally free. Does not requ- even require play chips. Pokerfraudalert.com/slash/free roll. You need to read so you understand the eligibility requirements for the free money. Pokerfraudalert.com/slash/free roll. All lowercase, all one word. Make sure you understand the rules. There was someone who. Uh, Won, I think it was fifth place last week, and uh, I wasn't convinced this person qualified, and I'm still not convinced. Mm-hmm. I haven't paid them yet. I'm still discussing it with them because the, the and they emailed me to collect the money, and it wasn't a lot of money. I think it was like five bucks or eight bucks. You know, they finished fifth, but a lot of money in Belarus, man. <laughs> but uh, they they were totally unaware that there were any even requirements of this, which makes me wonder how could they have listened to this show for three weeks, like they claim, and not be aware of that, because I say this every time. So it makes me a little skeptical. I, I haven't paid them yet. Hey, I got a uh, something I, I don't think I even told you. Hmm. Um, so I am in a secure, secret location tonight. 
You did mention and, you're at a hotel. I didn't know where you are, though. Oh, I did tell you that? Yeah, I'm yeah. at a hotel, and uh, I'm actually in the middle of the lobby. <laughs> so You're in a lobby doing this show? Yeah, so... Oh, I it's know not a very is... busy hotel. Okay, but so... if it ends up that there's you know any kind of background noise or, or they kick me out for the horrible things that I'm saying or you know whatever, uh, I'll just move to the business center. I was going to suggest the business center. Yeah, that's uh, that would be uh, a good. Yeah, but the, uh, this is uh, this lounge is actually a lot more comfortable than yeah, the business I, center. I, I know the business centers are kind of like small cramped rooms usually. Yeah, so... they got like a 1990s computer sitting in there, and they tell you don't use the computer for more than. <laughs> 30 minutes or whatever i'm like don't worry about it i'm not going to <laughs> so so are you in these these locations outside the hotel room because there's people sleeping in the hotel room you got it well, i i admire your dedication uh to... wife is in room, one room kids are in the other they're in their glory oh you got you got two rooms see uh yeah i used to pressure l- l- listen man <laughs> listen there's just no way Hey, that I'm gonna stay a week in the same room with the the kids there. I mean, for obvious reasons, right? Yeah, I, I I need some time to detox. Love my kids, but you know, need some time to detox from that. Need some uh, sexy time, possible with the wifey. I mean, all that kind of right. stuff. Right. So you know? When I when I take long trips, I I try to have at least some of the time in suites where we can like, have a bedroom and close the door. So, so that can be exactly. Done. Otherwise, like the whole trip. That's the way to do it. This hotel just didn't have that. Yeah. Other, otherwise, you just can't uh, <laughs> the whole time of the trip if it's just one big room. If you have kids there. So, anyway, I, I do admire your dedication to the show, to coming down to the lobby and maybe the uh, stuffy business center to do this. And uh, so far, it sounds good, though. And I want to warn everybody: since this is being broadcast in the Rio. Last night, I was having a very difficult time with the Rio Internet. It was just going in and out. Today, that hasn't happened, but it might. It can happen any time, and this is the Internet I have to use. Uh, there's no more expensive package or anything I could get. This is, this is it. So uh, hopefully the whole thing will work. If not, just have patience, and I'll try to put it back online. I guess there's a chance it could just knock me off completely. But last night, it was only disappearing for you know 10 minutes at a time. So hopefully that does not happen Tonight, but just understand that I'm at a hotel and you have to make do with what you have. So, uh, the donations for the free roll tonight came from uh, a few different people. $21.36 came from Matt the Rat, and that's because he won last week. He donated that back, which is very nice of him. I'm sure I'll see him this year at the World Series. $20 came from... uh, Mr. Smith 9999, who also gave the $5 Calwatt bounty. He's from Norway, Mr. Smith, and he mm. he enjoys this I show. I got people from Norway gunning for me now? Right, right. He says uh, $5 on Calwatt's head is the way he wrote it. So I thank mm. Mr. Smith, longtime listener to this show, who has been donating a few times recently. And uh, $7 came from I Am Greek. So you math geniuses out there might add all this up. 20, 21, 36, and 7, and say, wait a minute, that doesn't add up to, to 50. Well, I reached into my Jew wallet, and I said, I'm not going to have a $48.36 free roll. I'm just not going to do it. So I'm not even going to give myself credit. Well, I guess I am right now, but I threw in the other dollar sixty-four to, to even it out to 50. I didn't even post that. I was embarrassed to even post that on the thread that I donated to dollar sixty-four. So just, just in case you OCD people calculate it and go, wait a minute, that's not 50. Uh, that, well, actually, you know what? We may have more. Hang on. Let me, let me check something here because SMI Florida 
No, he didn't respond. SMI Florida wanted to donate to the free roll, but I didn't send him my Bitcoin address fast enough for him to receive it. So I don't think he sent it yet. So whatever he sends, I guess we're going to have to do for next week. But he, he's very nice. He, he's donating to the free roll many different weeks of this show. And I know he listens to the show and really enjoys it. So thank you, SMI Florida. So this is week two of the World Series of Poker. And I've played one event so far. Very painful event. And that's been the theme recently at the World Series for me. Is I, uh, I've been having very frustrating and painful situations. This is no different. So uh, here's the agenda tonight. First of all, before we begin the World Series talk, I'm going to announce that 2 Plus 2 and Poker Fraud Alert, which have been embroiled in a legal issue mm-hmm. over the last three weeks, have come to terms. I'll tell you guys what terms we've come to, how I feel about it, all that good stuff. World Series of Poker Week 2 stories. I was the bubble boy, the stone bubble boy at my first World Series event of this year. The 1500 limit hold'em. They paid 93 spots. I went out 94th. Did not feel good. Did not feel good to have that happen. So I'll talk a bit about that. In that same event, two things I want to mention. First of all, I got into a big argument with Phil Helmuth at the table. Big argument. He was very angry at me, but I I did not relent. I'll tell you what that controversy, that argument was about. Did you happen to videotape it? No. I'll tell you why I didn't Ah. do it. No, I'll tell you why I didn't do it. That's technically against the World Series rules to do, and I just I don't want to invite that trouble. I've got I've got to follow the World Series rules. So I, gotcha. I, what about what if you just did an audio tape of it? Would they allow that? I probably not. I've got you know I've got to, I just don't want to put any of that stuff in jeopardy. I'm, so I, I I've got to stick to the World Series of Poker rules. I, I really wanted to believe me, <laughs> but, but uh, um, it's too bad it wasn't at, like a tournament I didn't care about. So then then I would have done it. But no, I don't want to break World Series rules, so I'm not going to videotape it. But I'll tell you guys what happened. Uh, and also, I played with. The youngest person ever to play live high-stakes poker in the world, I believe. Someone who, at the age of 12, played 400-800 Limit Hold'em in my game. He obviously isn't 12 anymore, but when he was 12, he played that and he was at my table this year. I'll tell you a bit about that. Hashtag King, Solomon Ponte, we've had him on this show before. I've actually gotten to uh, kind of enjoy his antics. I, I've just, I kind of understand him somewhat. I'm not saying I agree with everything he does, and definitely he causes a lot of his own problems, or all of his own problems. But uh, in a way, he, I, I kind of find him entertaining in, in a mostly harmless sort of way. But uh, he does live. He does leave a trail of self damage behind with his antics, and he has been banned from Caesar's properties, meaning he can't play at the World Series. He attempted to get back in the World Series, and he was denied by none other than Seth Polanski. I'll read you his email to them and Seth's long response. I'll give Seth credit. He really gives uh, detailed responses to people, myself included. Two Matt Glantz stories. First one was from last week, I think two days after our last radio show. Sam Tuil, who's a known scammer and angle shooter, 
took a brutal angle shot at Matt, Matt Glantz at the 10K Dealer's Choice event and got away with it. We'll talk about what happened. Terrible. Well, terrible. It was, it terrible, was, it was terrible, terrible ruling. It was terrible. The, the angle shot and terrible ruling. I agree. And then Matt Glantz also is boycotting the 10K horse due to the poor quality of playing cards they're using at the World Series. And we're going to try to have Matt on here. I have his phone number. We're going to try to – and he's agreed to come on. Try to have him on here to explain what his gripes are with the cards and why he's going as far as boycotting a 10K event that otherwise he really likes to play. Now, if he's at some high-stakes game, and there's some big fish like that Kings Club guy who's just donking money off, he's probably not not coming on. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's that's. Oh, Trader is ready. Yeah, I see that. He's like, let me let me try to put him on. Here. All right. Now, this will be a test. This will be a new test for Skype for this new version of Skype. Can we put him on and be able to hear him? Hopefully, the answer is yes. Let's see if we can reach him. He's not even answering yet, which isn't a good sign. Can you still hear me, Calwatt? I can still hear you. Trader Risky, hello. How's it going? Yep, we're here. We hear you. Holy shit. So far, so good. I was afraid to call in. I didn't know if that would lead to, uh, you know, break, disconnecting everybody. So. I was, yeah, the spit and glue is going to come apart. Yeah, this is, this is not the most robust setup. I'll admit that. So... Anyway, uh, we're going to have Matt on here, hopefully, as you said, unless he has a, a massive fish and a cash game with him, then we'll forgive his unwillingness to leave it. But uh, otherwise, he'll probably come on. I mean, I wouldn't leave. Yeah. You know? No, I wouldn't either. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you something. Um, I once had a tough situation. Now, this, this is not with the current girl, but the previous girl was uh, feeling... Uh, it's like she was having some kind of health issue, but I, I thought she was taking it more seriously than it deserved. I didn't think it was a serious issue she did. I was in a great 150-300 limit hold'em cash game at the Bellagio with a mega fish who had just seemed seemingly like unlimited reload power. I mean, the guy just kept reloading, reloading, and this guy was so bad he didn't even understand things like the counterfeit. Like he'd have a A6 on an A6 King King eight board. And he thinks it's six plays. So then I'd, I'd have ace ten, and he would think he won the hand. So, like that's 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 the way he would play. So, I mean, he, this guy was unbelievably bad, and he seemed to have unlimited reload power. And he was making huge sports bets too. So that was the main thing he cared about was whether his sports bets won or not. And then he goes, "Oh yeah, I just won." Yeah, I and this guy must have had so much money. He was totally unemotional about when he'd win his sports bets. He, you know. He, he, oh, yeah, yeah, I just won 30K in that game, he'd tell me. <laughs> so I know you were dating her, but be be objective, like uh, number one out of ten. How good looking was this girl? Oh, I'm not going to go into that, but... Uh, well, it's important, No, though, I, I was with her. For, it, I was, it would I was with her my decision. <laughs> no, no, I was with her. It was a long-term relationship, a very long-term relationship. Okay. I was with her a long time, so I, I, I liked her a lot, but it's, we've been together a long time at that point. It wasn't a new relationship. And she was 300 miles away in Los Angeles. And she wanted me to just leave this cash game and drive home and to go see her. And I, I said to her two things. I said, number one, uh, and this is many, year, many, many years ago, but I said, number one, uh, I'm too tired to leave right now. So she says, well, how, how can you be too tired? You're, you're playing poker. I said, there's a difference between be able to function at a poker table and be able to function a 300-mile drive in the dark. And, and, and number two, uh, this is like such an unusually good game. I'll never see this again. 
because the guy was just unbelievably bad, and I had position on him. And oh, and he also uh, he was like constantly showing me his cards if I folded, so like I oh, never had to wonder. Yeah, I mean, you know, especially because it was a long term relationship. I'd be like, I'll see, I'll see you back at the hotel room. But that's that's you know? what I no. Well, she was she was in L.A. and I was in Vegas. But I said, I'll you know, I'll see. I said when this game is done, whenever this guy quits, then you know I'll sleep and then I'll drive back and see you. But I I can't do it. I said if you really feel you're in danger, go to the emergency room. But I I can't you know or have your mom come with you. But I I can't do it. And she got very mad at me. But I I, I held firm. I just couldn't do it. And uh, and it turned out she was fine. There was nothing really wrong. But right. uh, I I just couldn't leave it because that game was so. Unusual. Well, and it, and also the fact that you didn't think it was actually that big of a deal with her. Right, right. right? No, if I thought she was really having like major health problems, I'd leave. But, yeah. but you know, it was it was. Uh, I, I think I won like twenty three thousand in that game, so it was that was a good game to be in. And I was not going <laughs> to. And believe it or not, some of these Bellagio regulars were so like so risk averse that these were like eighty one sixty regulars that won in the game that played every single day at Bellagio Vegas locals. That, like, left the game to go play a regular eighty-one sixty. It was bumped up from eighty-one sixty to one to one fifty-three, and some people were unhappy about this, so they started their own eighty-one sixty game without this guy. And are I'm you thinking, kidding? Yes, me. I, I couldn't believe it. I said, "Are you? How could you do this?" It's, it's not like we went from eighty-one sixty to four hundred, eight hundred, and people are like, "Okay, that that's five times I can't afford." This is less than double. With, with Why a, did Mason quit that game? <laughs> with with a mega fish, so I, I I couldn't. But I was happy to see them gone. The, the fewer of them there, the more the you know, the game shorthanded. The more money I win from this guy. So anyway, that that was uh, I forgot what brought that up. Oh, why, why I wouldn't leave a game if to, for something like that. So anyway, hey Druff, by, by the way, so you know, slight tangent, but you know how much crap we've been giving uh, Poker Go. Yeah, and I think deservedly so for. A lot of the choices they made. I got to be honest; like uh, they haven't been covering that much, but the the coverage that I've seen, I mean, the production quality has been really good. Oh, okay. Well, they finally um, did, did something right. Yeah. That's good to hear. Well, no, they. I mean, it, you know, it makes sense. It's Maury and Poker Productions. I mean, they know what they're doing in terms of producing product, and you know, the the commentary is a, a mixed bag. Lon Lon does a really good job as always, but he's not. You know, he's not. So much a real-time commentator, but they usually have uh, at least one, and sometimes two other people uh, that are in there with them. And uh, you know, I mean, we can give them crap about the business model and the the lack of events that they're covering and everything. But what they what they are covering, I think they're doing a pretty good job with, okay. for what it's worth. That's good to hear. So I, said, I don't want it to seem like you know we're just shitting all over them for no reason. Yeah, you know? it's, it's the, uh, the the fair and balanced model here. We we got to give all sides. So that's well, good. I mean, I just you know I, I call it as I see no, it. That's what I'm saying. You know? that's, that's that's what we should do. I I always say that about the yeah. World Series. I say I'm I'm going to criticize the World Series when it deserves criticism, and I will praise the World Series when they deserve praise. And and I'm not uh, I'm not going to be biased either way. Uh, so anyway, the, the um, yeah. And- I mean, if you do get a chance, check it out. I mean, it definitely does feel uh, kind of empty compared to last year because last year they were streaming absolutely everything. Yeah. You know. Um. But the you know what stuff they they do produce is pretty good. I still don't think I am going to pay any money uh, to be able to watch it. But yeah, you know. I, I I will check it out. So. Uh, here's something at the World Series which is getting controversy, and uh, I, I think there is some validity to this complaint. 
Luke Vrabel claims that a floor man was very rude to him and used profanity with him because he was complaining that uh, this is at a final table for the Colossus that uh, fellow final tableist Matt Affleck had his girlfriend and yeah he had his friends there on the rail just really really heckling and hassling him and that when he complained to the Did floor man they wear man, rape t-shirts <laughs> and when he complained to the floor man the floor man got very nasty with him and at one point uh, used profanity with him so we'll talk about that complaint that uh, Luke made uh, a small controversy during the millionaire maker event there was a long hand for hand process when it came down to the money. 22 before the money, they started uh, a hand-for-hand process on day two. Uh, People warned about uh, how it was going to eat up the clock, and it did. And some people were angry that the World Series did not listen to advice from certain pros on how to handle it. So I'll talk a bit about what occurred there. Poker fraud alert. I like to think we have influence on things. I like to think that we actually cause change in the positive way when we complain about things that was the case last week brandon came on this show and complained about two things that were occurring at the world series neither of which were directly the world series fault but they were still happening at the world series and these involved vendors vendors who are very obnoxious massage girls are actually tapping people on the shoulder during events trying to sell massages I listened to Brandon's complaints. Even though I had not been to the World Series yet, I was outraged to hear this. And I wrote to Seth Polanski, a manager at the World Series, gave my suggestion, and action was taken. So I'll tell you about that. I'll read you the letter that I sent, and I'll tell you what the result was from my observation here. Final World Series topic a review of the King's Lounge at the World Series of Poker. There's been some talk of the King's Lounge. What is it? And is it any good? I will tell you. Oh, and a bonus story that's not listed in the World Series stories, but maybe we'll talk about this first. Legionnaire's disease hit the Rio. And that came out a day before I checked into the Rio. So I'll tell you about the Legionnaire's disease story and how that affected me with my check-in and my decision to stay at the Rio anyway. Finally, two non-World Series topics we'll end with. Uh, I want you guys to be aware of two status match opportunities involving the total rewards program at Caesars. Two uh, status matches you should be aware of. One involves uh, getting total rewards diamond, and the other one is a two-way match where you can actually get a status at a certain hotel chain based on your total rewards card or if you have a high status at that chain you can get a as high as a diamond total rewards card for free by doing nothing so you guys should be aware of this either way and i'll tell you how to go about getting these status messages status matches not messages Finally, you may have heard something about skill-based gaming at casinos. Now, we're not talking about poker. We're not talking about counting cards in blackjack. We're not talking about that. I'm talking about machines that casinos have recently put in that have a skill element to them, but you're also gambling. Uh, I thought it was going to be midget tossing. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised There's if that's skill involved. introduced next. They're, they're trying There's to appeal to, to millennials who just don't seem to like the mind-numbing slot machines and just don't seem to be all that into machines in general, not that into video poker, not that into slot machines. They're trying to 
appeal to the millennials who might they think might like these skill-based games. So this, of course, makes you wonder, well, if they're skill-based and if it's you versus the casino and if you're doing better at the game wins you more money, is it possible to beat these games if you get good enough? So we will yeah, talk about because it can be skill based in terms of the outcome, but you can still be minus EV. Right. Well, that's that's you very know? possible too. So we're <laughs> gonna we're gonna talk about what the answer is to this one, and also how the skill based games are doing since their introduction to some Caesar's properties on the East Coast. So those are our topics tonight. Free roll has already started and already closed late registration. If you're not in, you're not going to get in. So if you're in, I would say good luck to everybody, but that's stupid. Because everybody can't have good luck in a tournament. In a tournament, there will always be those that had good luck and those that had terrible luck. And I guess some that had uh, decent luck but still played poorly and are out anyway. So, Hey, Druff, just real quick. Uh, do you know who Bryce uh, Yockey is? Yes, I do. Oh, you do know him? Yes. Okay. So uh, he just finished fifth in the, the Millionaire Maker. Yeah, I saw he was doing really well. Yeah, I know he's an L.A. guy. He used to play a lot at the Hustler Casino. I know he's a good tournament player. And, yeah. and uh, he, he just tweeted out. So he cashed for uh, $317,554. Yeah. And he tweeted out that he's buying three hundred k worth of Ethereum. Wow. The cryptocurrency. It, it's interesting. Now, <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, well, it's Go interesting ahead. because I actually had a recent interaction with him involving cryptocurrency. I was looking to buy... Bitcoin. Yep. And and he responded, or someone alerted him to me, and we talked a little bit about this. And I, I knew him before this, by the way. We weren't, we weren't friends. We were never enemies. We just he was just kind of someone you know I knew in poker, and he knew me. But so I, I said, okay, you know, uh, what are you willing to sell? And he said, okay, well, you know, I'd like to sell five k. And I said, okay, let, let's do it. And so I said, well, let's talk about the price, though. So I started talking about the price, and then then he wanted. Uh, he wanted some kind of markup, and I said, "Forget it. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not doing this. I, I, that, the, the whole point of me doing this here is because, uh, you know, if you want to sell, you can do it without paying any fees, and this way I can get it right. without having to wait. But I'm not paying markup." So he said, "He said, well, that, that's what I'm willing to do it for." I said, "Okay, that's your right to do, but uh, see you later. <laughs> goodbye." Like, yeah, I wasn't mad at him. He's a right. He has a right to ask what he wants for it, but uh, he doesn't owe me uh, Bitcoin without markup. But I. Yeah, because if you went to Coinbase, you would have to pay for the transaction, but you wouldn't be getting markup on yeah, it. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It wouldn't be that. I mean, yes, it's instant, but still, I'm not. I'm not. Doing, I'm not letting people take advantage of me that way. If they, uh, if, right. I, I see me buying people's Bitcoin as uh, something that should benefit both parties, where they they get the money immediately, and they know that uh, you know they know I'm not going to roll them in any way, and and they don't pay any fees. And then I don't pay any fees, and I get it immediately. So it helps both sides. But if they're, if they're going to try to hit me with markup, forget it. Anyway, I, I met him originally many years ago because he was friends through The Hustler with one of my childhood friends who now also plays poker. This guy's not really a poker pro, but he you know he, he plays uh, kind of recreationally. And he knew Bryce from The Hustler, and he uh, introduced me to Bryce one time. And in fact, when this guy had his 40th birthday party, which was a number of years ago now, but... Uh, Bryce was there too, so that, that's how I know. Him. And and this is really random, but there's a, a a woman that is in you know the same kind of tech business that I'm in, and uh, we're we're talking about projects we're working on and stuff. And she ended up telling talking to me about a uh, uh, a guy that she went to school with that played poker. 
for a living because we're talking about some poker related projects that I'd worked on. And she's like, "Yeah, his name is uh, Bryce Yoki. Do you know who that is?" Ah. I'm like, "Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I know who that is." That's funny. This is really random. But two, two things about that tweet. So one, that assumes that he had a hundred percent of himself in the Millionaire Maker, which I don't know that that's accurate. I mean, it could be, but might not be because otherwise he wouldn't have. 300k to, mm-hmm. to buy of it right yeah and the other thing is and and maybe this was just a mistake but I, he spelled ethereum wrong <laughs> so <laughs> i mean it could be just a typo but that kind of thing makes me wonder you know does he really know what he's getting himself into yeah you know? I, I'd be and af- may, maybe he does and it's just a typo i don't know i would be afraid to do uh, ethereum has been so volatile i mean i had this major run up here but uh, it, it just had a little run down I, i'd be afraid at this point to go throw 300k into it but yeah good good luck to him have you looked into uh what ethereum is all about uh, not not really i just know it's actually it. pretty it's actually pretty interesting it is not yet another uh cryptocurrency um that is not what uh ethereum is about but uh whatever we'll, we'll talk about that some other time yeah so anyway let's uh let me get to the whole thing of the, the two plus two and then hopefully we can put this behind us and Never speak of it again, but uh, it had a good result. It had a good result, and I think you guys, when you hear, if you haven't already read uh, my statement about it. And by the way, so- someone's trying to call in right now, and I'm, I'm not going to take calls just yet. But a- after this segment, you guys can call. I'll, I'll open up the phones. You guys can call in before we get to the World Series. What if it's, what if it's Glance? I, I see. I I just want to finish. It's not Glance, but I, I even if it is Glance, I just, right. Uh, right. I, just I just don't want to take any calls right now. So... Okay, anyway, an agreement was reached between myself slash Poker Fraud Alert, which is pretty much the same thing, and Mason Malamuth of 2 Plus 2. Now, we've talked about this for the past two weeks on this show. I got an email. It was sent to me on March 31st, but I didn't see it till May 26th because it was sent to an account I rarely use. And the email was demanding that I remove what they call 2 plus 2 content. And what they were really referring to were posts that third parties made on 2 plus 2 that I was sometimes copying and pasting over to Poker Fraud Alert. And these were always posts about scams or scandals or frauds in poker. And so what I would do is I'd I'd take the post on 2 plus 2, usually just the main original post about whatever's going on, copy and paste it over to Poker Fraud Alert, put a backlink to 2 plus 2 so people could go read the 2 plus 2 thread if they wanted. And uh, and then I would give my analysis and discussion, usually a pretty long analysis, on, on that situation. So, what what happened was they were demanding that I stop doing that, and they were demanding that our users stop doing that. And at first, I was like, "Oh no, a lawyer!" You know, this is lawyer sending me the email, so I was like, "Oh no, like a, a lawyer from a big law firm here." Is uh, it, yeah, they're taking this pretty seriously, and do I really want to say, "F you, I'm going to do it anyway." F you, this is my right to do, and and invite a lawsuit. So at first, I said, "Well, this isn't worth fighting. This isn't something that goes on very often anyway." So fine, whatever. I don't think I should have to, and I made an offer to uh, going forward to do that. Uh, then I, I thought better of it. Uh, some of some of it was from being on this show with with Calwatt, and he was saying, you know, you, you should you should look into this again. Maybe you shouldn't. And you know, a lot of people were giving me a hard time for 
saying that I'll do that. And I thought about it myself, and I thought, you know what? This just isn't fair to Poker Fraud Alert, because the whole reason we're doing this is not to steal 2 plus 2's content. Uh, we're not doing – and we aren't stealing their content. This is stuff posted by third parties who want to get out the word about being scammed. But uh, but the whole reason we're doing this is just to bring more discussion about frauds and scams in poker. And the more discussion of this on the internet when these things happen, the better. And I thought, why should... I mean, yes, I can just post a link to the original 2 plus 2 thread and have people click that and read it there and then come back to Poker Fraud Alert to read my analysis and, and the rest of the discussion. But why should we have to? Why should we have to? So... Um, I decided that uh, I, I wasn't happy with that. And in fact, the offer I made wasn't even accepted. So I said, you know, I'm just taking this off the table. We've, we've got to rethink this one. We've got to come up with something else. I wasn't outright refusing to come up with something that uh, could make both sides satisfied. I, I wasn't trying to be stubborn. wasn't trying to be a jerk. But at the same time, I wanted something that was fair to Poker Fraud Alert, and fair to 2 Plus 2. I understood their concerns. I understand they, they you know, as far as, far as Mason saw it, that uh, stuff being posted on his site was being copy and pasted elsewhere. You know, how, how can this be? How can that be right? And so I understood what he was concerned about, but at the same time, I felt that it was very important for these posts to be, uh, at least the main posts in these threads, to be brought over to Poker Fraud Alert so we could also shed light upon these scams and these frauds in poker so more and more people would see them and, and understand them and I, I thought this was something for the good of poker and that shouldn't be prevented so I, I started to feel very strongly about that and so I entered negotiations with their attorney this is all between me and the attorney all these discussions and uh, as, as I basically uh, gave my position and I, and I was very clear that I'm not looking for a fight. I'm not looking for a lawsuit. I'm not looking for uh, I'm not looking to be stubborn or to be a jerk or to to have a battle that you know, I'm not looking to win battles or anything. I said, I just really want to be able to uh, do this with with copy and pasting scam and fraud posts by third parties over on the 2 plus 2 forums and, and bring them over here and then start a separate discussion on this site about these scams and frauds and do my own analysis and everything like that. Otherwise, otherwise it's not good for the reader. It's not good for the reader to start a topic and just say, well, first go to this site and read and come back. Like It, it just doesn't play well. P- people don't feel like doing that. That's a, it kind of disrupts the whole flow for the reader. So... So we, uh, we got in a, a negotiation about this and it took a little time, but uh, it, it was it was never hostile. There was there was never a point where you know the lawyer was threatening me or I was threatening him back. It, it was never like that. We were uh, we were trying to come up with something that was satisfactory to all sides. And I'm happy to announce that we have reached an agreement that I think is fair, that I think is equitable, that I think uh, really protects the interests of both sides. And, uh, and and I don't even feel like anyone won or lost with this. I think just everybody uh, at the end used common sense and uh, answered the other side's concerns. And uh, and I think there's actually a net win from the whole thing, as, as you'll hear, because uh, some good actually came out of this when it was all done. So, can I can I still make fun of Mason? You you can say what you want because uh, and that that's that's part of it too. Is I I also did not want anything that involved interfering with the free speech environment of this site. And there's only there's only one person 
who owns and operates this site. There's, there's, there's only one employee of PokerFraudAlert.com, and that's me. That's it. There, and uh, there, there's people who are, are friends of PokerFraudAlert. Well, it's, it's not even a legal entity, is it? No, but uh, well, yeah. It, it, so well, there's no um, no employees. Well, it, it, it well, it could be considered a legal entity in some ways. It's a, I mean, the closest thing it would be is like a DBA. You yeah, know? yeah. But but uh, but anyway, there the, the only person who's considered as part of uh, poker fraud alert ownership or management is me. That's it. There's nobody else. So there's people who are friends of the site, such as Cal Watts, such as uh, Brandon, and uh, and many, Belly Buster, and many others, but. Uh, we, uh, the only person who's actually involved in the management and ownership of, of Poker Fraud Alert is me. So as, as far as everybody else is concerned, uh, I didn't want to restrict anyone's speech because that's not what the site's about. In fact, on this site, people make fun of me all the time. So I, I, I would never want, and, and just to be fair, they never asked me to do this, but I, I thought this coming in and I said this coming in. I, sa- I said, uh, I'm not going to restrict anyone's speech in case that's what you're looking for, they, they, again, they didn't ask me to do this, so I don't want anyone to think that's what the request was because it wasn't. But uh, just in case, I said, I, I'm never going to restrict anyone's free speech over here. And also it's very important to me that it, we can copy and paste these scam-related posts on Poker Fraud Alert to make the community aware of these poker scams. I think that's something that's good for poker. So after a long uh, discussion and uh, back and forth about this, we came up to uh, what I feel is a very good agreement. So here's the agreement. 2 plus 2 will no longer object to copying and pasting single posts to Poker Fraud Alert, provided that those posts are ones involving scams, scandals, or frauds in poker. So that means if there's something just funny posted over there or something just of, of interest that doesn't have to do with scams, then you'll have to just post a link or, or like one or two sentences with a link. And, and you can't reproduce it over on Poker Fraud Alert. But th- that's hardly ever done anyway. The, what, the main stuff that was being copied and pasted over here was, was stuff having to do with scandals and scams, which is why almost all of that was on the scam, scandals, and shadiness portion of our site here. So th- basically they're saying if this is a, someone posts about a scam or a fraud in poker, that yes, it's okay if I copy and paste it over to Poker Fraud Alert, or if users of Poker Fraud Alert copy and paste it, Provided that there's like a backlink to, to, to the thread on 2 plus 2, which I always do anyway. Poker Fraudler did agree not to reproduce entire 2 plus 2 threads, which we've never done, but I agree to that anyway. And uh, back and forth conversations between posters. So if there's like two people going back and forth about a scam, that uh, there's not going to be eight different posts reproduced over on Poker Fraud Alert uh, to show what the people are saying to one another. Uh, basically, it'll just be the first post of interest and then a link saying you want to go read the rest, go over there and read it. So uh, that hardly has been an issue. Like that, that's only happened, I don't know, one or two times over on Poker Fraud Alert anyway. So very little is changing involving that. But I, I understood why they didn't want that because then then it starts to look more like, uh, you know, it, it's, it's starting to copy conversations rather than just uh, individual posts by third parties. So I said, okay, that, that's something I'll concede. That's fine. We, we won't do that anymore. The main thing that's important to me is that we take the relevant single post about the scam or the scandal and, and post it up there. And uh, and then uh, if, if people want to read more, then they can click the link. But uh, I, I wanted to at least open up the threads over here, if it's something that I first saw over there, with a copy and paste so people could see what the whole thing's about without having to uh, 
click to other sites to even understand what I'm talking about. But of course, there, there will be a link to click to them if they wish to see more of that thread. So uh, then 2 plus 2 made the same agreement with Poker Fraud Alert as far as our content, that Poker Fraud Alert posts, including my posts, can be copied and pasted to 2 plus 2, but only, again, if it's about scams, scandals, or frauds in poker, and they can't contain back-and-forth conversations from our site, and if they do this, that a link will have to be posted back to the Poker Fraud Alert thread. So basically what's good for the goose is good for the gander, where uh, we have the same agreement uh, on both sides. And this only involves posts going forward, meaning posts that have already been made on Poker Fraud Alert in the past, do not have to, we don't have to edit those. Anything already done is done. We're not going to touch those. It's only things that are made going forward on both sides. So I, I can't ask them to edit things uh, involving Poker Fraud Alert, and they can't add, ask me to edit things involving their site from posts that were already done, only from stuff uh, now and in the future. So, so that's the, the basic agreement, and I, I think it's very reasonable. And this way we can still do what I, I thought was very important, that is to copy and paste those scam-related posts and start a separate discussion over here. And now they're okay with it. And I, I fully plan upon sticking to this agreement. And I, I strongly ask everybody who does use the forum to follow that agreement as well, because if you don't, I'll have to edit your post and to pay in the ass for me. So uh, I, I want everybody to respect that. And I, I think that uh, this is something very fair. This is where we, we still can do this. And they're no longer objecting to it. Just, uh, just you know, don't post uh, long conversations, and and also make sure to put a link back if you do copy and paste a scam-related post on two plus two. Uh, put a link back to the original thread, which I've always done anyway. Now, in addition, while we were making these discussions, uh, the topic came up of why why have Mason and I been uh, feuding for so long? What was this all about in the first place? And without getting into details, we, we came to the conclusion that these issues are several years old, and uh, it's really not worth continuing this animosity and grudge we have towards one another. It's just, uh, you know, we don't have to love each other. We don't have to become uh, best buddies, and we're, not, we're, we're never going to be. But uh, to have this long grudge over uh, things from several years ago that uh, really weren't a very big deal in the first place, is it's not healthy for either side so we said okay it's it's uh, it's time to end this, that all that nonsense and uh we you know we recognize we have some common ground both sites frequently expose and discuss scams in poker so in that uh both sites are instrumental in that two plus two and poker fraud alert so you know they should work together in that or at the very least not hinder one another and that's uh that's really the spirit of this agreement and uh and it was also acknowledged that when I was the poster on 2 Plus 2, that I was contributing valuable input to the discussions there, mainly about stuff like lock poker and other scandals. But I, I, used to, I was posting there uh, during uh, about a year period of time when I, my account was uh, re-enabled there before I got banned again. And uh, they acknowledged that my posts were very good and that people really liked them there for the most part. So with all that in mind... Mason and I have agreed to put our differences behind us, and I will be unbanned on 2 plus 2. And we will treat each other... I give it two months. (laughs) We will treat each other respectfully going forward. Now, this stuff is not related to the other stuff. So even if this goes south in some way, uh, that's not going to invalidate the other agreements. And that was also mentioned that uh, 
that these are kind of two se- separate things. That the, the first thing was the important stuff. Then secondarily, um, you know, as far as me coming back to 2 plus 2, uh, and we put, put our personal animosity aside, the, the, these are just things that are nice to have happen but are not uh, essential. So, you know, if, if for whatever reason this goes south and I get banned from 2 plus 2, even if I don't agree with the reason for the ban, uh, I'm not going to say, okay, well, screw everything then. You know, I'm going back on everything. I'm just not going to – either way, we're going to keep to this agreement that uh, as far as the third-party posts on 2 plus 2 being reproduced here and vice versa. So, so that's the way it is, and I, I believe that uh, this will work. I think that I'm not going to feel very hindered by this. Not very much is changing, and I, I, th- I feel that uh, on Mason's side, I think I think he can feel better now about what our intentions are, what we're doing. That we're only copying, pasting a certain type of post for basically a public service, and that we're not going to reproduce entire threads or conversations. But basically, we're just trying to discuss scams brought up over there over here which is good for everyone except for the scammer so that's that's what's happening i want to make one other comment about the tennis charity because there was some controversy about mason's tennis charity uh it was found by some poker fraud alert users that on mason's uh tax forms for that charity it showed a certain amount donated to the charity which i believe all came from mason but then zero dollars in charitable disbursements which of course, uh, amused and concerned many critics of Mason Malmuth and 2 Plus 2, and, and rightfully so. It, it was kind of weird. So, when it was brought up on 2 Plus 2 last month, it had actually been brought up twice, but it was brought up again by Larry Laffer last month, and uh, when it was brought up again, Mason gave an answer for the first time. He said that, uh, yes, they really have dispersed all that money, but that his accountant made 10 years' worth of errors on their tax returns, which is pretty egregious, but nevertheless, he, he said that uh, that was what happened, that they, they didn't try any kind of charity scam, and it's, you know, that the charity is exactly as he says it is, it's just uh, the paperwork they filed with the IRS was incorrect, and they've got to go back and correct that. So uh, I told you I believed him. I know, and, yeah. I, and I said that last week, too. I, I actually believe that's true for several reasons. Number one... I've criticized Mason for many things over the years. There's been many things he's done and said that I have not liked or agreed with, and vice versa. But one thing I never said about him was that he was a scammer or a dishonest person. That, that's not; Those were not the reasons I ever criticized him, because I didn't believe either of those things to be true. So it simply wouldn't make sense to me for Mason, who I believe is, is pretty well off, to set up a phony charity and then break federal law simply to save a few thousand dollars a year in taxes, which is what he would have saved if this was all BS. I mean, it just there, it, aside from it not really being in, in his character from what I've seen, uh, it wouldn't even be worth it from a risk standpoint to me. It just wouldn't have made sense. So really the... Yeah, it's such a small amount of money. Yeah, it's not very much money. It wouldn't make any sense for him to jeopardize you know, what, what he has there uh, to save a few thousand a year in taxes. It would make no sense. And he doesn't have any history doing things like this. So I have not investigated this. I'm not going to investigate this. But in my personal opinion, and Cal Watt's personal opinion apparently, uh, Mason's tennis charity is legitimate. And uh, the entire controversy was spawned by these incorrectly filed uh, tax returns, which I understand why you guys were concerned. I understand why you guys brought it up. It was... It was an interesting discussion, and uh, I, I don't... He should, th- he should thank Larry. Well, that's how I, I, I kind of <coughs> think that, too. Can you imagine this went on for, like, another 15 years? <laughs> yeah, if and some then, people... All, I mean, the thing about the IRS is that, you know, if you pay 
the the back taxes are no big deal, but it's the penalties that can accrue and build up over time. That he, I mean, it actually could amount to a real amount of money. Yeah, I mean, it's good. He, it is good for him that this was discovered. Yeah, and uh, maybe he should get a new accountant. But uh, nevertheless, I, I don't think anything shady is going on. And I, I, some of you may be thinking, oh, he's just saying this because this must be part of the agreement. No. Uh, I would I was never ask you if this was a sponsored post. No, no, no. See, I would ne- <laughs> I would never come out here and say something like that. I, I don't actually believe. I would never come out and do that. No matter what people want, or even if they attach something to an agreement. Okay, come out and say such and such. Uh, otherwise, we're uh, not you agreeing. said it. You said it last week. Yeah, and I said it last week. Right, anyway. right. Like I, I would never come out and and uh, say, oh, I don't think something's shady when I really think it's shady. I wouldn't do that because uh, I, I wouldn't feel good about doing that. I, I would. Uh, so I, I'm saying here, I understand why it looked that way. It was his fault why it looked that way, but it was uh, it, it was incorrect tax returns that made it look like something that it wasn't, in my opinion. I have not verified this, but I'd be surprised if that were not the case. So It would be ridiculous if it was not it, it the It would case. be ridiculous. It just wouldn't make no sense. <laughs> it would make no sense. It was, it was funny to laugh about. It was funny to troll about, but it, was, it, it wouldn't make any sense. So that's, that's my honest opinion of the situation, and I wanted to get that out as well since that's been something that I've uh, – even I had made some comments about it over time, and uh, you know. So since since we're in the whole spirit of making peace and, and and putting everything behind us, I just I wanted to clarify that as well, so people don't uh, you know, believe that he's scamming with a tennis charity. I, I don't believe he's doing that at all. So, so that, Bruff, as yeah. as a effective reflectionist, <laughs> how do you how do you look back on this? And what have you learned from it? <laughs> well, okay. what, what, is, what is the big takeaway from all well, of this? Well, I think the big takeaway is actually sometimes some uh, short-term pain can actually result in something that's good. And what's good here is that... Wrong! Uh, wrong! Okay. Wrong. Well, uh, wrong, wrong, wrong. I'm going to do the Lyman impersonation. Wrong, Todd! You're wrong! <laughs> <laughs> okay? The big takeaway here is that when a lawyer contacts you, do not just agree to what they ask you to do because it's always a negotiation and it's always a discussion. So if any, anyone else out there, you know, it, it runs into a situation like this, understand that when a lawyer contacts you, they're going to demand the moon. They're going to demand everything that they possibly can from their client. And their attitude is if he accepts, great. But it it is almost always the start of a negotiation to come to a settlement. Yeah, that's true. And and, and in my own defense, I didn't agree to everything that was asked of me at first. And, and also, secondarily, in my own defense, a short time later, I thought better of it and uh, and took it off the table and said, "Wait, wait, wait, I, we've got we've got to we've got to look at this again." Because I, I, what I at first I said, remember I was, you're you're like now now that I talk about it, I'm getting mad. Yeah, so. <laughs> I remember. So, so I think this is... But and, this is, and don't get mad, because all it does with lawyers is they make a fortune, you have to hire a lawyer, right. and it can quickly escalate. Yeah. So so right. anyway, pe- people... Who, and some people wanted the escalation. Some people wanted to see a big epic court case between me and Mason. So those people are... Gonna you, be, actually, that's a really good point, Trader Ruski, because... So, so uh, Druff, you said you were talking to his lawyer, right? Yeah. Okay. So Mason was paying hourly for this, and you were just blabbing on the phone. <laughs> I wondered about that. I didn't even want to mention that, but exactly. He's well, the one who paid in the end. Well, I, Trump, you should, all of you this should call really... his lawyer back up and be like, you know what? Uh, I want to talk to you a little more. <laughs> and just like talk about like just random stuff. Well, look, uh, he, I, obviously I don't know what they – this guy has been – this guy and this firm has been 
involved with Mason for over a decade. So it's possible right. that because of their relationship, they did this as a favor and didn't charge him or charge him a discount. No. I, I, no, I, no, no, no. There's no way. First of all, if they've been involved that long, the they're on a retainer. So they're paying him, you know, X amount of money per month, you know, regardless, just to retain his services. But I guarantee you that he, that he that he's also getting billed by the hour. Well, it, it, there's it, no it, shot. It, it's possible. That he's not. It's None. possible. But uh, you know, this is not. So I uh, hope you were very loquacious when you talked to them. <laughs> did, Look, you, did you? I mean, was it like a marathon PFA show? Were you on for like nine hours? No, but there, there was there was uh, you know there there were hours of work involved in this for sure, Call- but. Uh, but look, call them at four thirty their time, and then talk for the next three hours because that'll roll right over into the uh, the overtime billing. <laughs> look, <laughs> look the, the truth is that this none of this was was my concern. This was uh, you know if if Mason wanted to pay a lawyer to to speak, I would have dealt with Mason directly. I mean, I, I would have done that if he wanted his lawyer to speak for him. He wanted to pay a lawyer to speak for him. That's fine. I I decided I'm going to speak for myself and save the money because I'm right. a cheap. Jew. I realize that, but we have to we have to. Look at our little victories in life, right? And this is definitely a little victory. <laughs> well, it's a victory for the attorney, not for me. I didn't get anything out of it. I, I just, no, from the point of view that that he's getting charged and you're and you're just well, but see that, that, but I'm, I, I wasn't looking at it that way. I'm not looking to to you know cost him money or anything. Now, if money ended up in my pocket, it's a different story. But I, I I was just looking here for for the for the goals of of getting. Uh, of still being able to copy and paste these these scam posts uh, d- d- and then you know, discuss it on Poker Fraud Alert and not to uh, not not to have to restrict anyone's uh, speech over here again that wasn't asked for but that that was never going to be on the table and then the other stuff about going back on two plus two that was something that uh, was kind of talked about afterwards after we agreed to the first part and and that was talked about afterwards and uh, had that not gone through. That would have been fine. That was just kind of an extra thing that if it worked, it worked. If it didn't, it Taking didn't. Taking all my fun away. Yeah. Well, that's uh, – <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I know I, I know a lot of people were, were looking to you know, take the popcorn out and, and watch this whole thing play out. I'm sure – No, I didn't, I didn't want to see a big lawsuit. No, I know you like didn't. That. But I think that would be counterproductive for everybody. But I, but I do get some kind of uh, – what, what the Germans call it, schadenfreude yeah, yeah. or whatever, out yeah. of the fact that Mason's – Paying him hourly, and you're just kind of talking on the phone with them. <laughs> yeah. I, I just hope you were very verbose. You know? <laughs> well, I well I'm always that, that happens. That happens naturally. So I, I didn't have That's to try to make saying. that happen. I, I didn't try to waste. I didn't try to waste time on the phone with a lawyer, but I wasn't. Uh, you know, I wasn't trying to be brief. I was just being myself. The, I was just, the lawyer on the other end has got you on speakerphone, and he's got the he's got the mute button pressed, and he's just rolling. He's, he's looking up at the ceiling. Going, <laughs> Thank God, I'm getting paid by the hour for this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, anyway, it's done here. And all right. Well, wait. Well, wait, Truff. So the important question is: You're walking down the hallway, going to your WSOP event. Oh yeah. There's no vendors getting in your way. Mason turns the corner. Is coming at you. It's just the two of you. Is there a fist bump? A hug? No. A no. No. A there, hug, no. No. Hug. No. <laughs> There's not. Now, this agreement uh, this, this has nothing to do with Mason and I becoming friends. I don't believe that's ever going to happen. But it, it's probably just about, would say Mason or something, right? It's, it's just I, I think we probably just wouldn't say anything to each other. But that's fine. You wouldn't say anything? No, I. I, I it's like we haven't become like Why friends now. We just no. I we, I just walk by. I wouldn't do anything well, hostile. Be like, where, where are the vendors when you need them? You know? <laughs> no, I would. Uh, to be honest, if this like if this happened tomorrow, I would just walk by. I wouldn't. Uh, I, I wouldn't uh, be all like friendly and sweet, but I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't give an angry face. I wouldn't. Uh, you know, I, w- I wouldn't 
make any gestures. I wouldn't, uh, not, nothing hostile, but, but nothing came friendly. up to you and he, was, and he was like, Whittles, Whittles, I'm glad we worked that out. Well, okay, then, then I'd say, okay, I'm glad too. I wouldn't, I wouldn't refuse to talk to him. I just wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't initiate a conversation. But if he, if he went up to me and, and said, I'm glad we worked this out, I'd say, yeah, I'm glad too. I wouldn't refuse to respond. So, mm-hmm. anyway, I, I think everybody understands here and we, uh, we can move on. So, Talk about some World Series topics. First, uh, let me get into the Legionnaires thing, because that was so weird. A day before I was to check into the Rio, I read an unfortunate news story that became actually front-page news in most uh, major news outlets. So of all the hotels in the country, it happens to be the Rio, where Legionnaires' disease was discovered in the water supply. Legionnaire's disease is basically a type of pneumonia. Yeah, so Legionnaire's disease is kind of weird in that you can get it but show no symptoms. And then you never know you have it, and it's not contagious. So it's not even like you can get it and transmit it to other people. Uh, you'll get it, you'll show no symptoms, and uh, and that's pretty much that. However, uh, Druff, I'm looking up a page here, though. You're in big trouble. How? You said you decided to say at the Rio anyway. It says, most people exposed to the bacteria do not become sick. You are more likely to get sick, and they list a few reasons, and one of them is have a weak immune system. No, but I don't have a weak immune system. We've, we've talked about that before. I mean, the, the, the history of uh, your sickness is, kind of begs to differ. No, I think I just ran bad there. And anyway, right. the, so the, the point is here, uh, with Legionnaire's disease, most people don't show symptoms. Uh, those that do are usually ones that are in poor overall health. And I don't mean you, you had a cold, you've had a few colds recently. I mean, like, uh, you're very old, uh, you, you've been very sick recently, uh, you've had major immune system issues, things like that. And that, that puts you in a higher risk category. And yes, if you show symptoms, then you're in danger. In fact, someone got Legionnaires at the Luxor in, I think it was December 2016, and died. I think I I don't know how old they were, but uh, that's uncommon though. If you think so they about had a slot machine, <laughs> if you think about it, there there have been two cases of Legionnaires at the Rio since March where people showed symptoms. One in March, one in April. Think of all the people that have been to the Rio between March and uh, the middle of June, and only two showed symptoms. So those odds are pretty good for you, first of all. Second, they treated the, the the water system here. Actually, on the day I or the day before I arrived, so the the treatment was was done. In fact, like less than twenty four hours before I got there, so I, I felt pretty good about it. Now, it is true that I read another article that it takes two weeks for them to be able to analyze it well enough to make sure the treatment was effective. So it's possible they treated oh, it and it wasn't effective. That, that, I found that after I checked in. but uh, So that that is one problem. But they did treat it. But untreated, for three months, there were only two cases of everybody that stayed there. So I think that, uh, that right there is pretty good odds. And I'm not in a high-risk group as far as someone who is likely to show symptoms. So that's why I chose to stay at the Rio anyway. And in fact, Legionnaires may have helped me in one way. Can you guess how Legionnaires may have helped me? Discount on the discount. room. Discount. No, there's no discount. The room's comped. Good guess, though. 
Any other guess? They're paying you to stay there. No, I wish. No. <laughs> uh, the the answer is that. Oh, I'll bet you got a better room. Well, close. I I got uh, my choice of room much more easily than usual. Where usually I have to kind of uh, battle with them and go back and forth, and they tell me, "Oh, we can't reserve such and such," and I say, "Oh, yes, you can," and I go through this whole like Jewish negotiation process where. I, I just won't back down until they block off and will not let anyone take uh, a certain group of rooms. It can be one of any certain group of rooms with certain requirements. I, I'm not talking about like a suite or anything that's baller. I'm in a very standard room. But there's certain rooms on, on the, the property that I want for various reasons. And I want to be in your ruck, lucky room number, right? Yeah, I, I want one of those. So. Uh, it, it varies. Sometimes they're okay with doing that, and sometimes they give me static, or sometimes they even tell me crap like, well, we'll put notes there, or we'll, we'll reserve it right now, but if someone can take it before you show up, but I got them to actually lock it to know where I can get it. But this time was easier than ever. This time I, I requested it, and without me even having to – usually I request all these uh, details. Then I call up. I say, okay, what room was I assigned to? And it, it, it's something that does not meet all these requirements. This time they assigned a perfect room right away on the first shot. So even if I had said, after I put that request in, even if I had said nothing further, I would have arrived and gotten the correct room. So th- that's like the first time that ever happened where I didn't have to go back and, and have them change what, what I was assigned to and go through this whole debate. This time, just bang, right there. And I'm pretty convinced that's because this was in the tower where it happened. This is the Ipanema Tower. The Ipanema <laughs> Tower is where it happened. So I think that a bunch of people ditched the Ipanema Tower and like, okay, bring me to the other tower without the Legionnaires. And I'm like, yeah, uh, the one with Legionnaires, yeah, I want the tower. Give me the Legionnaires. I want the I want the Legionnaires Tower, please. They they probably couldn't believe it. That, that's really what I did. Like they, the the day after they treated all the rooms, I'm like, yeah, you know the one with Legionnaires. Uh, I'd like that. Don't give me that other. Yeah, the one. girl the girl probably looked at the other girl sideways and was like, mm, I guess he doesn't know. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mentioned it too. I meant, I'm like, you finished treating it, right? Okay, good. Yeah, I want it. No. Oh. Well, like, that's probably why you got the room. Right. Right. They're, probably, They're like he knows. Like every everyone else can't uh, can't wait to get out of the uh, the Ipanema Tower, and I'm like, yeah, let, let me come right in here. This is this is what I want. Uh, I, I don't want the I don't want the clean tower. I want the tower with Legionnaires, please. It says it's bacteria that is uh, spread from mist, right? Like it, from it, hot tubs, showers, or AC units. Yes, it seems it's very common. Buildings, it, so. Right, very common in large buildings, right? Especially AC units, and and in this case, it was the water system. So it wasn't even mist here. It was actually in the water system somehow. Did you have all sorts of shit on your shower one time? Your your shower curtain? Well, there was it was mold on the shower curtain. That was just them not maintaining the room. Maybe it was well. just piles of Legionnaires disease. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, I like that story too because they were so dismissive of me when I called up about the shower. They thought I was just this like petty neat freak. Oh, the shower curtain needs to be replaced. Oh, like they, I could totally tell that they were they had disdain for this request. And even the guy who came in to do it was like, Okay, I'm here with your shower curtain. And I could just tell they didn't say it out loud, but I could tell they just thought, "What an asshole for asking for this." And then the guy gets in the, in the bathroom. He's like, "Whoa, okay, that really did need to be replaced." Like that was his immediate out loud reaction, which revealed that he thought that it probably didn't have to, and I was just being a jerk. But then when he saw it, he couldn't believe it. And it's like, "Wow, this this, this really did need a replacement. This, this really does look pretty bad." And like, I, I I'm not going to call up to replace a shower curtain if it's got like if it's not perfect, like if it has a little bit of mold at the bottom or if it's a little bit dirty. I'm not going to bother with it, but this one was like full of mold. It was it was nasty. Not not this. I room. still think it was Legionnaires' disease. <laughs> By the way, I had it was a con- just a, it was like a super colony of Legionnaires. I had a contest here 
and a contest which almost netted someone a minimum of $22 and perhaps as much as uh, $1,700-something. I had a contest to guess what problem my Rio room would have, and the winner would get a 1% stake in the 1500 Limit Hold'em event for free. And the way this contest worked is it's interesting the way I, I set this up, if I must say so myself. Uh, I, I had a, a voting question where you, you pick one of ten categories of possible things that, I, that could be wrong with the room. So there were nine different things you could pick plus a catch-all. The catch-all was either there's no problems at all or it's something not listed here. So, in fact, let me get to the... Uh, what I listed here for the different things you could pick. So you could pick either the AC isn't ice cold, sink doesn't work right or won't drain, shower doesn't work right or won't drain, shower curtain is excessively moldy or dirty, lock on door does not work properly, room phone does not work, refrigerator does not work properly, in-room safe is broken or defective, TV or remote control does not work, and then if you don't want to pick any of those, you pick no issues or an issue not listed above. So the way it would work is you vote on one of these, then whichever ones apply, it could be multiple ones, but whichever ones apply, I put all the people who voted for whatever applied into a pool and then use the site random.org to choose a random number to, and I put them in alphabetical order, to choose a random number to select which person wins. So it turned out this room was pretty good. It only had one problem, and that was the sink did not drain well. So that was the winner. Only six people picked that. We had 85 votes. Only six people picked that one. So out of those six people, I, I did the random.org thing, and uh, 442XX won 1%. He actually bought uh, a piece of my World Series anyway. So he got an extra 1%, and I came, and this is a good segue, I came within one person of actually making him money there. Because I was the bubble boy at the $1,500 Limit Hold'em event at the World Series of Poker. And it was painful. It's, it's, it never feels good to be the bubble boy because you, you get the realization that you have had the absolute worst possible result. You spent the maximum time playing for zero return. So it's always very demoralizing to be the one on the bubble, to know if you just survive one spot further, you get the difference between being paid zero and being getting a min cash. The min cash in this case was like $2,200-something. So it wasn't a large sum of money, but it's still $2,200. And it's also, then I get a cash out of the way, then I've, I've cashed for my uh, 13th consecutive World Series. Now I, I have that monkey still on my back. I got a cash once here. Last year I got it out of the way on the first event. This year I almost got it out of the way on the first event, but I did not. I missed it by one. But I think what was most frustrating to me was how hard I had to work to even get there. If you followed my progress in the $1,500 Limit Hold'em event, I was never doing well. At the very beginning, yeah, I, I won a few pots and I got a little bit above average. That was it. After that, I fell below average. I never got back to average. The entire time I was chasing average, the entire time I was... Short-stacked or semi-short-stacked. And yet I survived all the way down to the final 94 players out of 616. And that wasn't easy to do. I was not consistently winning hands. I was constantly 
playing short stacked. I couldn't relax at any point. I, I, I constantly felt like I was just about to bust. Kept battling back. And, and then I just started losing every hand. Then I got extremely card dead and, and the bubble was coming up. And uh, with a very short stack, I got in with eights against Ray Henson's ace four suited and another guy's queen ten offsuit. And the flop came ace high and I did not get better after that. And that was that. I was gone. And what's so frustrating when you bubble also is that at some of these tournaments, people cheer when they announce that hand for hand is over and that everyone's cashed. So as soon as I bust, I hear, yeah, like the whole room bursts into applause. It is brutal. And like, this is a $1,500 limit hold'em event. I understand it's the main event where everybody bursts into cheers, but come on. Did you really have to do that, guys? And and so I I knew this was coming. So as, as soon as I busted, first of all, here's what sucks is because it was hand for hand at this point, just to make sure that nobody else busts at the same time, and w- in which case we'd have a tied for 93rd and each get half the, pay- the payout, I had to wait until they turned over all the hands. You know, I, they, they didn't turn over all the other hands yet. So I had to just stand, 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 even though I knew I was losing by the way the betting went down. I wasn't 100% sure, but the way Ray Hansen was betting, it looked like he had an ace, which he did. So I had to wait... Then no, nobody else busted, and they turned over my eight. Uh, they turned over Ray Hans's ace four or pair of aces, and I was gone. But as soon as that happened, I like quickly looked around the room to make sure nobody else busted. No one did. I grabbed my backpack and I tried to bolt out of there, not out of bitterness or frustration, but I wanted to not hear that damn cheering. And I didn't quite make it in time. It wasn't quite quick enough. He's as I was right at the door, I heard "Yay!" I go, "No, I don't want to hear this." No. So I got uh, to hear the freaking cheering, and uh, and that was that. I was gone. Uh, so you had to wait around, <laughs> like knowing from the action that you're completely fucked. Yes. <laughs> and then they cheer you on the way out. Yes. and That's so rough. And also what's rough is the hand before a guy was all in and won. So uh, if he had lost that, I would have also won uh, minimum cash. So... <laughs> So that was irritating, yeah. and I'm sure it's irritating for my backers, including yourself, uh, who, who had a uh, mm. piece of me. And yeah, that I was, was kind of fun to sweat you, though. Yeah, yeah well, and some interesting thing happened at, at, at that uh, event, which I'll talk about. Uh, the less of the two interesting things was that I got to see again the record holder for the youngest high-stakes live poker player ever. On the 2006 Party Poker Cruise, which was a, an infamous epic cruise, there was a 12-year-old who was there with his father. His father was named David G. He's a uh, Limit Hold'em player from Commerce. I played with him before. And uh, David G. had his 12-year-old son with him on the cruise. And we were playing 400-800 Limit Hold'em and there was a mega fish in the game, by the way. This Japanese guy who had like unlimited reload power. He just kept, he just kept signing for racks and racks of chips. It was amazing. But anyway, at uh, at this four hundred eight hundred game, uh, I guess David's son was over there, and they weren't enforcing this on the cruise ship as far as kids being in the casino and all that. So it was all very lax over there. So someone came up with the idea at some point of, hey, let, let's put his son in the game. And there was a seat open, so they actually... I, th- I think that he took over uh, David's seat. I think that's what happened. David had to go for a little bit. 
So uh, he took over David's seat, and it was actually agreed, a few people at the table agreed to stake the kid like 2K, which is just about nothing for 400, 800, but they, they agreed to stake him 2K. I think David even put a little bit into it. And, and this kid actually made the 2K last for a while. Yes, he busted, but the, he made the 2K last, and what was the funniest thing was that... How do you feel when you bust a 12-year-old? <laughs> well, here, there, I, mean, I remember one really funny hand where he had ace-king. The flop came as like a really dry ace-xx board. Ace King totally looks good. And the kid goes, check call, check call, check call. And the other guy turns over a flop two pair. And everybody's like, what? (laughs) Like every single pro at the table would have lost way more on that hand. And somehow the 12-year-old knew to check call that he was behind the whole way with Ace King top pair. So everyone laughed at it. It turned out that he just didn't really know what he was doing. But it was just funny. It just seemed like he was this... uh, Twelve-year-old prodigy who just who just knew he just knew he was behind. He never never put in a bet after the flop. He, I think he raised pre-flop and then just checked as soon as he saw the ace on the flop. So he never explained why he did it, but everyone just got a really good laugh out of that. But a, another funny thing that happened was that this poker dealer, you know, it switched dealers, and the new dealer came in, and she she absolutely was not having this. She says, "I'm not going to do this. This is wrong. I'm not going to deal a game like this." So we kept trying to talk her into it. You know, don't worry about it. The kid's father's here. We're just, you know, they're just messing around. Anyway, she would not do it. She, she had a moral Don't worry about she, it. The kid's a beast. She, she wouldn't do it. <laughs> and anyway, she calls the floor over and says, I'm going to put an end to this. Calls the floor over, and I, th- I thought the jig was up. The floor comes over, and she says, yeah, I, I don't want to deal to them here because there's, there's a kid playing, and you know, I'm not dealing to this little kid. And everybody goes, what? The kid's not playing. We were just joking around. He wasn't playing. Go, no, no. And they the whole table backed the story that the kid wasn't really playing. And the dealer's like, no, I'm telling you he was. They're trying to get me to. Like, no, no, no. She doesn't understand. He didn't get the joke. So so what happened was uh, the kid just you know, sat out of the game. We played without him. And as soon as the dealer left, he came right back in. And the next oh dealer was fine God. with him. So th- this is such a degenerate <laughs> cruise. Anyway, uh, that kid, that 12-year-old, was at this Limit Hold'em event. Now 23 or 24 years old. This this cruise took place. Last name is G E E, right? Yes, yes. And his, his this kid's name is Brandon G, and mm-hmm. he is now twenty three or twenty four. And apparently, he's also a poker player. And is he, he any better? He had yeah. Well, he had a lot. Of, he, he was you know his typical good, like good young Asian kid, and he he had chips in this event, and of all things, he got moved to his dad's old seat, and on the second day after his dad busted, mm-hmm. and who busted his dad? That would be me. That was one of my oh, few good hands on day two where uh, I, I flopped a flush draw, check called it, hit the flush on the turn, check raised. He, he three bet me all in because he had a top pair with the, the king high one card flush draw. Obviously, mm-hmm. I was very happy to get the rest in, and uh, he was drawing dead. So that was the end of David G. But uh, they moved his son into his seat. So I didn't know what his son looked like anymore since you know he looked a lot different than when he was a 12-year-old. But uh, then a short time after this, yeah, young Asian kid moves to the table. This is this is yesterday. Uh, I see David come over and talk to him. Like, oh wait a minute, that's that's got to be this is this has got to be the twelve year old now <laughs> because I knew he was in the field. I saw his name there, and <coughs> so I said, you know, I I think I remember you. I, I remember you from the party poker cruise. You were a twelve year old who played four hundred eight hundred limits. So he said, yeah, that's me. And he <laughs> so we talked about it, and then everyone was was uh, amused by this story. So. Uh, Anyway, he had a lot of chips when I busted. I know he didn't make it really, really deep because I, I, I was watching who was making it deep, partially because Reggie Mann, who used to be a frequent poster in this community, in fact, was one of the owners on Donkdown, he was the chip leader after uh, day one, 
And uh, for most of day two, he finished fourth in chips on day two. Unfortunately for him, he went out 14th. So mm. that was kind of brutal for him. When you, you go out between... Like, I, I gave a terrible, unintentional needle to Bart. Really? So he, he, he posted uh, in the uh, Crush Light post. Poker slack that he busted fifteenth in the ten uh, k Raz, mm-hmm. and I, and I said, "Oh, congratulations on the cash, though, Bart." <laughs> and it turns out like the top uh, thirteen or something uh. like that paid. Whoops! <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> I had someone do that to me on purpose five years ago. I finished nineteen uh. in the five k limit hold'em, and they paid eighteen. And it was a brutal way I busted too. Unlike this, unlike this event where I was short the whole time, the, I was doing well in the five k limit hold'em, and then I just lost four hands. In a row, right? And 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 that was that. And I was out nineteenth when I, I could have easily folded to the money, and I didn't. I, I played because I wanted to. I wasn't playing crazy. I played four good hands, but uh, it's not like I. It, these are like I think it was like like ace queen, pocket nines, uh, ace ten suited, and ace king. So those are the four I played and lost all four. And I lost the minimum on them, but I, I played them all very well too. That's what I was so frustrated about. Like I played these hands perfectly. In fact, sometimes better than I usually play them. And and uh, yeah, I still busted. So I was really frustrated when I went out, and that was just like this year for my first event of the year. And this asshole who used to post on Neverwin Poker and Dogtown named named Scotty No tweeted to me, "19th, uh, that's a very respectable finish. You should feel good." <laughs> Total dickhead needle to me. So anyway, uh, but yeah, you did. I guess you did the same to Bart, but not intentionally. I didn't. I didn't mean it. So. Uh, so, getting back to the other interesting thing that happened there, I had a run-in with Phil Helmuth. He got moved to my table in uh, kind of the middle of the day, of day one. And I shouldn't say he got moved. He, he got placed at my table. He always comes late on purpose. So, which I think is a mistake in these, uh, like, 1500 limit hold'em events. You don't start with enough chips, and the blinds start high enough to where you... Yeah, the first, like, two hours are meaningless, but you don't want to miss the third and fourth hour. Because then you're, you're really missing... What you need to chip up. I saw a lot of pros like show up at fifth level, sixth level, and and they come in short stacked. So you, you don't want. I mean, I guess if you really just don't care about the money at all, but there you really have to win the first hand, or you're or you're busting. So anyway, Phil Helmuth was one of these that showed up late. I think the fifth or sixth level, and they placed him in an open seat two to my left. He didn't come in on no chariot or anything, did he? No, no. He, but he was very antisocial at this particular event. He he had head, headphones on. Now, this is the day that the Golden State Warriors uh, defeated the, the Cleveland Cavaliers to win this year's NBA championship. And, in fact, the game was on during the event. So the game had just ended. So I think Phil had just watched the game from somewhere in Vegas. I had wondered if he had just been in Oakland watching it and then quickly got on like a private jet and flew back to Vegas. But that, that wasn't what happened. He was actually in Vegas. But he had his same Golden State gear on that he had actually worn to the game when he went there in an earlier game of the series. He actually had like a front row, like excellent seat. People found him on TV. But uh, for this game five, he was in Vegas. But he had all his, his uh, Warriors gear on. And he had headphones and he was basically ignoring everyone. And that played into what happened with the controversy. Now, I hadn't said a word to him yet. Back in 2009, I started up with Helmuth at a televised main event final table. You can still find this final table on YouTube if you enter 
Todd Butella's Phil Helmuth 2009 on YouTube, you'll find a video of Phil Helmuth busting me with Queen Deuce suited from under the gun, where he flopped a flush draw, I flopped a set, and then he hit the flush on the turn and slow rolled me. So that was an 09. But in, what they don't show is that I needled him about UB, and not only did they cut that out of the broadcast, but I was warned by a Phil Helmuth fan, fanboy floor man that if I do this again, I'm going to get a penalty, which essentially would have busted me because I was short-stacked. Incidentally, can you imagine if the roles were reversed and you busted him with Queen Deuce suited under Oh, the I know, I know. And he had a set? I mean, he would have just lost it. Yeah, shit. exactly. So, uh, well, actually, this, this plays into it a little bit. His demeanor at the table in general played into what I did. So, Phil was so detached from everybody uh, at the table, and he didn't even want to uh, take off the headphones or, or have to even listen to anyone. Uh, he was dealt uh, a strong hand under the gun, and I was in the big blind. I guess he was under the gun plus one, but... Uh, uh, we were playing uh, 25500 So that meant a raise and limit hold'em would be 1K. So he does a thumbs-up motion. Remember Humberto Brenes in those uh, World Series broadcasts and he did the thumbs-up to mean raise? But, uh, but it was, the jock! The, the difference is that... The hum- jock! The difference was that Humberto didn't just do the thumbs-up. He'd do the thumbs-up but then actually do other things that would constitute a raise anyway. Like he'd push out the right amount of chips or, or he'd say the amount as he's pushing right. it out. But, but here, Helmet just does thumbs up and throws a 1K chip. Well, That's uh, a call. So, so the dealer then announces, raise. So everyone goes, fold, 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 back to me. I'm big blind. Well, I wasn't trying to angle the other people, but it was like right when it got back to me, I thought to myself, wait a minute. That may not be a raise. That may not yeah. be a raise. So, so I, I, I said, is that a raise? I said, What's, what are the rules here? I, I honestly want to know the rules. I had 7-4 spades, by the way, so I was happy to see this for, for no raise. I was probably going to call it anyway, but uh, I, I was happy to see it uh, if, if, if it wasn't a raise. Now, what if this was a recreational player who made that mistake? Would I, would I have uh, demanded that it's just a call? No, I wouldn't have. Never. Uh, what if it was a... Uh, a pro who you know, wasn't my friend, but has always been, yeah, you know, that I, I just was neutral with and had no issue with. No, I don't like being like a, a stickler for rules in these cases. And unless the guy's in a wheelchair. <laughs> so I, in with most people, if this happened, even if I could have gotten a ruling that it's a call, I probably would have let it go. But with Phil Helmuth, it was a different story for a few reasons. Uh, first of all, and the main reason is this is a guy who profited heavily from UB. He owned part of UB. He continued promoting UB. He was the face of UB for years after the cheating scandal. Now, he bailed out of it shortly before, like a few months before Black Friday hit, and uh, and it turned out UB had stolen all the money, but he was promoting it after the cheating scandal while they were stealing everyone's money a second time. So uh, he made no effort to... uh, do any kind of uh, investigation of his own to make sure that nothing shady was still going on while he was still promoting it. In fact, stuff was going on that was shady. He didn't try to get himself... probably like, I'm still getting a paycheck. Everything must be fine. He didn't try to sell his part of it or whatever. You know, he didn't get out of the sponsorship until like 
over two years later. So he was happy to continue promoting UB and leading the lambs to the slaughter. He didn't give a crap what happened to anyone. I don't believe Phil directly cheated anyone. I don't believe he knew about the cheating as it was happening, but he just didn't care. And even after the cheating was found out and admitted to, he continued promoting the site that was run by the same owners that lied about not being the same owners. He was happy to still promote them all that time. And I have a big problem with that, and that's something very wrong that he did. And uh, I, I thought that was extremely selfish of him, and it, and it hurt a lot of poker players. And furthermore... A lot of those poker players paid for his fucking seats at that game. Yes. Right? And furthermore, Phil does not treat people well at the table. And he, the people he berates, these aren't just other pros. He berates recreational players and amateurs all the time. In fact, guess what? It happened at this table shortly after our incident. But he... So I thought this is someone who, if anyone deserves me to be a stickler for rules and and get get a, a free look at the flop in this case, because Phil technically did something wrong as far as how he was raising, it's Phil. And of course, Phil, being the super experienced tournament player who's been playing tournaments for three decades, uh, he definitely should have known not to do this. So it's not even like I'm, I'm picking on someone who just doesn't understand the rules or something. This is someone who should understand the rules better than anyone. So... I asked, what's the rule about this? That's, I said, that's just what I want to know. I said, I, I don't know what the rule is, but I'd like to find out. So the dealer said, I don't know. She called the floor over. It was explained, and the floor said, it's a call. <laughs> so amazingly, I actually won a ruling against Helmuth, which I, I was afraid the floor, even if I was right, would... Uh, that is a call, though. I mean, yeah. You know? I, I was afraid that, that... Well, there's been some debate about this, but I, I still think I was right. And someone dug up the TDA rules. A, a listener to this show uh, dug up the TDA rules... And the TDA, that's not used. Those are standardized rules for tournaments, but they're not. They don't have to be used by tournaments. Each tournament can make up its own rules, and the World Series has its own set of rules. I don't know what the World Series official rules are about this, but the TDA rules do back what uh, the decision was, and that is basically that gestures don't count as raises. That you have to annou- clearly announce your raise or put out the amount of chips. You can't just you can't make gestures. You can't make ambiguous statements. Like for example, uh, if if uh, the blinds are hundred two hundred and you throw out a five thousand dollar chip and say five, that that doesn't mean what does five mean? Does it mean five hundred? Does it mean five thousand? Uh, that's ambiguous. Uh, that, that you, yeah, because you can angle this shit out of people with gestures. Yeah, that, if yeah, I mean, uh, right, right. You, that would be terrible. You, you can exactly. You could you could say, oh, I was just giving a thumbs up because you know I, I saw my friend out there I was giving a thumbs up that I that I'm I'm in this tournament and I'm enjoying it. Like exactly. So so that's why thumbs up does not mean raise. Now people say, well, what about the dealer announcing raise? Well, the dealer can say anything. The dealer doesn't. Uh, they they don't. Uh, dictate what the action is. They're just uh, repeating what they think they see. Now, I, again, I wasn't trying... People said, well, what about the other people who folded? You kind of screwed them over because had they thought it was only a call, they may have come in. Well, I really didn't think about this till it got to my hand. And let me tell you the way it generally goes whenever there's some kind of mistake. Usually when there's some kind of mistake, like let's say the button was wrong, which actually also happened in this tournament on day two, but which happens yeah, a lot in poker. They forget to move the button or whatever. They move the button too much. If the button is wrong and there's what's known as significant action before it's discovered, then it's, it, it just stands the way it is. For example, if the button is wrong, but then under the gun raises and then two players later, three bets, at that point it's considered significant action. And even if someone says, wait a minute, the button's wrong, they, they don't back out the hand at that point. It continues as it was. However, 
if it's going fold, 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 and someone stops, wait, 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 hold on, the button's wrong, then they back it up and everyone throws their cards back in and they move the button to the right place and start it over. So the difference is significant action. And usually what significant action is considered to be is action where one person puts, where two people voluntarily put chips in the pot. Not talking about the blinds here, but where someone either raises and gets re-raised pre-flop or someone raises and calls pre-flop or two limps pre-flop, something where two people put in action voluntarily. Is considered, and the reason for this is because folding pre-flop is something that people usually do anyway. So there doesn't have to be action in front of you because you can't check pre-flop unless you're the big blind. You always have to either raise, call, or fold. There's no checking. So usually, when you have a hand pre-flop, you're folding. Most people are not playing fifty uh, percent of hands pre-flop in a full table of game. So. There's so many folds that those are not considered significant action. So in this case, even though this wasn't about the button being wrong, in this case, when it got to me, there still was not significant action. Nobody had put money in the pot voluntarily except for Phil, and I actually didn't think about this being wrong until it got to me. Now, let's say someone brought up the question, not at the table, someone brought up on the forum, what if Phil raised and then three people cold called his raise and it came back to me? Well, then I wouldn't have said anything because at that point there was significant action and it was my fault for not saying something earlier. Right. But but since there had not been significant action, people just folded. First of all, that's their fault for not questioning whether this is a raise or not. But second, they may have all folded anyway because they weren't going to call because they, they their hand wasn't good enough to, to play for one bit. So either way, right. they, they made the mistake, these people, for folding and not questioning this. And uh, I, at that point, I still had the opportunity to question it because there had not been significant action yet. And that's why they told me it just, it just uh, checked. Now, the funny thing was I ended up winning this hand, too. He had kings, it turned out. But the flop came <laughs> five of spades, eight of spades, and, and some small card that wasn't spades. So this is a great flop. for I, I had the straight flush draw. So I actually check-raised him. Mm-hmm. Then the ten of spades came on the turn. I bet my flush, he called, blank on the river. Bet call, bet call. Right, and, and then he, he flashed the kings. And then, so anyway, how did Phil take this? Well, first of all, when I called the floor about it, he, he sat there seething for a second without saying anything, and then he says, <laughs> I, I hope you're proud of yourself for wasting all these people's time. I, I, I hope you're proud of that. And I said, no, I'm not wasting anyone's time. It's going to be fast. The floor man's going to come here and make, make a ruling. This has to be done. And he says, you, you, you think anyone else here... Would have done this? I said, I don't know what anyone else here would do. I, I don't know them. <laughs> he's a, so he's do you a, know who I am? He's, but he, kept, he had this weird reasoning <laughs> that I'm the only one that would have done this. And I said, you don't know any of these people. How, how do you know what they would have done? Right. Like, no one stated what they would have done. And it was funny. The other people at the table were on neither side, or if they were, they didn't want to say it. So like, no one took right. either side of this. They just uh, They were kind of amused by it, but no one was backing him or backing me. And they were probably hoping he was going to blow up and tilt. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> you know? uh, so he's sitting here telling me, he's, I'll bet $10,000 that everybody at this table would have not done this except you. I bet if we asked uh, them all, what they'd a say, douche. I, I hate so, it when people do that. So I said, I said, well, that's pretty dumb. How do you know I don't have a buddy at this table who's going to say they wouldn't have done it just so I can win 10K off you? So, <laughs> anyway, so then that kind of died, the, the talk of the bet. But he, he kept insisting. He so he says you wouldn't last one day in my game doing this. So I said, actually, I have been in your game before and I have lasted. Then I said, well, not on UB. So mm. so dun, dun, dun. yeah, but 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 he didn't respond to that. But then he starts going off about how this is unethical that I'm taking an angle shot that ethical players don't do this. I said, ethical players don't do this. Uh. Do I said, do you really want to go there about ethics? 
Is that where you want to go here about uh, who's the ethical player? So I brought up the UB thing, of course. And he says, uh, so he says, yeah, well, they, they there was an investigation into this, and I was cleared of any wrongdoing. I said, really? So you were cleared of, uh, of being the face of the site after they cheated everyone the first time by looking at their whole cards, and then while you were the face of the site that they stole everyone's money? That you think that's ethical? So, so, we were, so he says, oh, so he says, he says, I put it, you know, you should read my book. It's coming out tomorrow. It explains everything. I said, well, maybe I will. But, uh, from what I could see, that wasn't read ethical. my book. I'd ask for a free, free copy. I almost did. I almost said, can you give me a free copy? <laughs> I totally would. I'd be like, I'm not, I'm not giving you any money, but he said, so, give me a free copy. So, so he, he was, uh, he kept repeating about how, yeah, I've been playing poker for 25 years, which isn't even true. He won, he won the main event in 89. So how's that 25 years? I've been playing for 25 years. I've never seen once where thumbs up is not a raise. I've never seen it once. Never once. This is the first time. This is the first time. So he kept going on and on and on. This is the first time in 25 years. And, uh, you know, in his game, this, this doesn't happen. Blah, blah, blah. So his game. Yeah. So he, he was so, pissed and uh, so he kept muttering about this even so he at some point he says okay well i've wasted enough time uh, arguing about this with you I'm, I'm i'm done i'm not talking about it. so he goes quiet for a few minutes then he starts going off about it again especially because people at the table start having fun with it at this point and every time they're raising they like do a thumbs up and raise <laughs> <laughs> so so uh so, oh my god that's beautiful so, so people so this keep, this keeps coming back up and, and he keeps complaining about how unethical oh. this is like it start it keeps starting up all over but then the whole table is trolling him yeah so so then <laughs> then he has aces and he raises and uh, and and someone three bets him and I, I didn't watch the whole action pre but anyway he bets the flop which is not not a very good flop for aces kind of like like eight nine eight nine jack or something and the guy raises that's a terrible flop yeah so so he calls the turns a blank check call the rivers a ten check call the guy shows ace queen. And so you can imagine how, how Phil went off here. The guy, had oh, not, yeah. the guy had, was drawing dead to a freaking 10 and gets the 10 after all that action. The other guy should have just smiled and held up his thumbs. So, so <laughs> Phil, Phil's already, he's already so wound up about what happened with me. And this is probably like 15 or 20 minutes later. So he says, this is, this is what happens. This is how I always go out of limit hold'em tournaments. They, they get their money in bad, and then they get there. That's always how I go out. That's always how I go out. This is what happens. He's, he's, what do you think I have? I've shown down two. I've done two hands so far early position. One's aces, one's kings. What, what did you think I had there in early position where you thought your ace queen was good? Well, what do you think I had? He's yelling at this guy. So, so, oh, the, so the guy says back to him, look, yeah, no, I got lucky. He goes, yeah, you, yeah. It's, you, you, what, what do you think I had? This is, this is what happens. They get their money in bad every time and get there. That's what happens. So he's, he's berating this player about it. Even when the guy uh, concedes, oh, I got lucky, he still keeps going on. So then I feel even better about what I did because, uh, you know, yeah, this, this, oh, is, this, yeah. Is, this is exactly why I was doing it because he's, yeah, he berates players at the table and, and he did this UB crap. I said, if there's anyone who deserves me to, like, be a stickler for rules and get to see a flop for free because he raised stupidly and didn't uh, raise the right way to where it's a call, it was Phil. So, uh, I was proud of myself for that, and then he busted shortly thereafter, and nice. shortly after that, Ace's hand, and uh, that was that. And he just got up and left. He didn't say anything further to me. So uh, <laughs> the good thing is, Phil is so, so when I busted when I busted uh, 
as the bubble boy. I'm like, oh, I hope Phil doesn't see this. Or he's gonna, oh, yeah. But, but I'm like, you know what? He's so self he's so self absorbed that there's no way he went back to go look at this. There's no way he went no, back yeah. to go see who was the bubble. So he'll never know, which is good. Well, and, if he's not on a list, why look at it? Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly right? why he would not look at it. So, yeah. so, oh, and one other thing, he threatened at one one point to take a picture of me and post it on his Twitter so everyone can be aware that uh, I'm an angle shooter who does this sort of thing. <laughs> he, he he didn't do it, but he was threatening to take a picture of me and post Did it. Just play Twitter. a sound effect. Yeah. All right, we didn't hear it. Ah, damn it! Let, let me try. Sorry one. to ruin your mood. Hold on. <laughs> I'm going to try something here. Let's try one more time. It's weird how you heard it the first time. I knew this would yep. break. I knew this was too good to be true. Okay, tell me now if you can hear it. <laughs> now anything? we got it. You got it? Okay. I I guess when we added Trader Ruski, it killed the share system sound, so I had to do it again. So, okay, very good. So, uh, so that happened. And I have to say, now that it's all over... I'm proud of myself for doing it. Like I don't even it's not like oh, I regret yeah. it. I don't regret it one bit. I posted about this to Real Grinders, the Facebook group run by Ray Davis and it was split over there. There was like a, almost like split 50-50. Like half the people were applauding me for this and half the people were were Phil Helmuth fanboys. Yeah, I was going to say half the people had played with him and were applauding you, and the other half had never played with him in their, their lives <laughs> yeah. and don't realize. Or just, or just don't know the whole UB story. Yeah, well, there was not some. To, not to mention all the money he made when Greg Pearson cheated everybody. I'm sure he had a piece of iOvation. Well, yeah, that's. So he made more money off of that. Right, and that, there's that too. Like he and Greg Pearson, who, who's definitely a big time cheater in this uh, whole UB thing. He's remained great friends with him. He goes to Greg Pearson's parties at his house. And they're great friends. So it's not even like uh, Phil was outraged by this and said, I want nothing to do with these people anymore. He, they're still great friends to this day. So uh, anyway. The, he doesn't – He like you said, man, he's so self-absorbed. He, he doesn't give Yeah, he just doesn't care. Right. He really doesn't. Yeah. The, the, the extent to which he cares about anything is however it would affect his image. Right. And, and it, you know – if he's cleared of any wrongdoing, you know, whoever the hell cleared him, I, I mean, that's all he cares about. I, I, I still remember this story from when he won his ninth bracelet, and this this is so Phil Helmuth. When he won his ninth bracelet, which at the time I think was either tied or, or set a record, he showed up to the Bellagio that night and did laps around the Bellagio over and over and over again just so people would see him and congratulate him. And we watched him. We watched him doing these laps around the Bellagio, and he'd go into the poker room, out of the poker room, around the Bellagio, and back, you know, back to the poker room. Over and over and over, pointless laps, just so people would stop and go, hey, Phil, you won your ninth bracelet. Congratulations. Like, he actually went to the Bellagio to repeatedly walk around so people would congratulate him. Like, who does that? Well, he probably felt like he was going there to mingle with the, the commoners, you know? <laughs> it's such a bad beat for poker that the, the guy who has the most uh, bracelets is just ends up being just such a dick, you know. Yeah, <laughs> brutal. So anyway, that that happened there. So I got to ha- I got my little uh, altercation with Phil Helmuth, which was entertaining. So at least at least I got something out of that event, despite bubbling. Man, that's uh, a very annoying way to start. And my my next uh, uh, Grenada Roger asking in chat first Malmuth now then Helmuth, which arch poker villains are next to Howard and Annie? <laughs> well, maybe I will get. You know what? You may get your wish. I don't know about Annie, but Howard is very likely to play the 10K limit hold'em 
on Monday. Oh. So there's, and this is not a big field. It usually gets like 125 players. So there's a very decent chance that either Howard Letterer or Chris Ferguson, both of whom I think will play, will end up at my table at some point. So if either of them end up at the table, I'm going to say something to them. So we'll, I may have a new story next week about uh, what I say. Hey, to them. You know what? Larry Laffer made a really good point. The, the people that you've had, had uh, kind of kerfluffles with, both of their names end in Muth. Yeah, I know. That's, that's a good point. But, but Malmuth, how, Nation Malmuth. What, what's going on here, Drew? I don't know. Letter or Ferguson, if I have something with them on Monday, it won't, they'll break the pattern. So, I, uh, I, I mean, not even for just for drama's sake, but because they deserve it. I mean, I hope there is something. <laughs> you know? I, I hope that I like, really Howard do. Letterer raises the wrong way so I can do the same thing to him. That'd be great if I could yeah. just, like if I could just like keep like using rules at the World Series against these uh, these poker scumbags who. When you when you got to get up to go to the bathroom, you should take like a wad of cash and and throw it at uh, Letterer and be like, "Can you hold on to this for me for a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> can you can you put this? Can you segregate these funds while I use the bathroom?" Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so we'll see what happens on Monday. Last year they were both in the event, but they were not at my table. So we will see if I get them at any point. Last year I got a brutal table, though. Oh my god! I, got, I I hope I don't get the starting table this year like I had last year. Last year there were seven bracelet winners at the table who had won bracelets at Limit Hold'em. Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> seven. These are not just like no limit bracelet winners who suck at limit. These are seven people who won Limit Hold'em bracelets at the table, and a lot a lot of these oh. guys the names you associate with with you know Limit Hold'em like uh, yeah. Uh, David Chu and Brock Parker and, and uh, Eric Seidel and uh, I mean it just yeah like not even like guys who luck boxed into a limit hold and bracelet that actually aren't that good these were like all but the field the field is pretty small though right it is pretty small I know but but I've never gotten a table like that I've actually gotten a number of times in that event where there's a surprising number of fish at the table it always seems like we still get like one fish or so that just uh, you know some some guy you just don't know probably some rich guy who just has no clue what he's doing and just shoots it all off. And then you get you get some of these no limit players that have no clue what they're doing, who are, you know, are good at the no limit events but suck at limit hold'em. So yeah, a, ta- a table full of people that know what they're doing at limit hold'em is the worst. It's it like is. a meat grinder. It is. It's terrible <laughs> because I mean, no one's going to make any huge mistakes, and it's just going to suck. Well, and the worst thing was last year. I, <laughs> I despite that awful table, I ran up to the top stack. I was the top stack, yeah. and the, not not the, the table, the whole damn event, and then I chunked it all off, just like I had in the other limit event. So, did everyone at the table think you were the fish? That when I chunked it off, they probably. You know what? I wonder <laughs> if they thought I was tilting because I kept having to fold the river without showing, and, and uh-huh. hand after hand after hand, and or uh, other many uh, other times I was I would call down, and then they'd show their hand, and I'd muck, so they didn't see what I had. But I, I had right. very good hands here. Like I'd have, I'd lose ace ten to ace ace ten suited to ace queen with an ace high flop, and and like I actually was playing them correctly too. Like I would the fl- the flop would come ace high, and I'd have been three bet by a player I think is is pretty tight, and I and I actually would just go check call check call check call, and he'd show ace queen, and I'd lose. <laughs> so so uh, you know to him it probably looks like I just called down with some crap, but in reality I flopped the top pair, and right. uh, and just uh, check called it down, which if, you know limit hold him, uh, you don't always do. So, but anyway, I, I probably did look. I tilted off, and of course, I had to bust with a bad beat too. I, I I was up against aces all in for a huge pot because I flopped two pair, and of course, I could counterfeit it on the river. Mm. So and that was how I busted. But anyway, 
I will be at uh, that event on Monday. On Friday, this will be interesting. I'm playing a uh, the Mixed Omaha event, which features uh, Omaha Eater Better Limit, uh, a PLO8 event, uh, part of that. And then there's also a Big O, which is a five-card version of Omaha, which is also Pot Limit. So fortunately, I don't have the experience in those games like I do in Limit Hold'em. I, mean, I, have, I have a fair amount of experience in, in uh, Limit 08 by this point, but uh, the other two know. But uh, fortunately, I know somebody who does have experience in these uh, in these games, and uh, and I had some discussions with this person the, regarding strategy today, and that would be our own Calwat, who is uh, yeah. exper- very experienced in these games, and uh, I thought we had. And a- I was actually rollerblading while I was giving you advice. Really, it didn't seem like it. Yeah, you're so good with the multitasking. Yeah. But yeah, you know, he gave <laughs> me a lot of uh, good advice, and in fact, even some of the advice he gave of things that I had already uh, read myself when doing research about these games, it kind of. Uh, Affirmed that as well, and also some new things he told me that I uh, hadn't really thought about. So, uh, the good thing about these this event, though, is you're going to have a lot of people that, that, that are clueless, especially in the PLO8 and Big O oh, segments. Yeah, yeah. So oh yeah. That that's where you can even without being uh, an expert in those games, as long as you have the basics down of, of what to do and what not to do, uh, that already gives you a big edge on a lot of the field in those games. It's not like uh, it's not yeah. like No Limit Hold'em these days where everyone's an expert. So. This is a and, and this is something that I uh, I posed a, a question to Bart actually, and I'll ask you the same question. So, do you think there is more of a difference between No Limit Hold'em and PLO, or PLO and PLO eight? Uh, so No Limit Hold'em, we know we get two cards. PLO, yeah. we get four cards. PLO eight. We get four cards, but it's a split pot game. Is there more of a difference between No Limit Hold'em and PLO, or between PLO and PLO Eight? Um, yeah, I, I see. I see what point you're trying to give here. Is one is a it's the high game in both cases, and the other one, uh, the, but but it's two and four cards, and the other one it's uh, both four cards, mm-hmm. but it's a, it's about uh, right. the high versus high low. Uh, so which which do you think uh, which where do you think there's more of a difference? I, I still think there's more of a difference between No Limit and uh, PLO be, just because uh, it, it, PLO could just be so it, it's kind of a lot more. There, there's such a major strategy difference between that and No Limit Hold'em as far as uh, the strength of hands. All right. So I got bad news for everybody who invested in Druff's package. <laughs> <laughs> So Bart, Bart and I both agreed that there is, and it's not even close, more of a difference between PLO and PLO 8. Because, and I, I know what you're saying, it's about PLO, you get four cards and, you know, different strategies and all that. But PLO 8, uh, I mean, it, it's an entirely different approach that you have to take to that game compared to PLO. Whereas No Limit Hold'em and PLO, I mean, you're still, you know, whatever. You're playing... you're playing your card combos and you're playing your draws harder and all that kind of fun stuff but you're still ultimately playing you know show me two cards at the end that win you know um and i think that the more that you play uh plo the uh, sorry the more that you play plo and plo8 i think you'll start to come around around to agree with us okay well that's my opinion we'll see what happens for, fortunately i don't have to uh write an essay about the differences i just have to 
win hands against hopefully, <laughs> hopefully a lot of fish. So that that'll be on Friday, and then on on uh, on Saturday if I uh, brick that and don't make day two, I will play my first no limit hold'em event of the year. Nice. And then on Monday will be that will be the big one, the 10k limit hold'em, where I can avenge my bubble finish at the 1500 limit hold'em. Avenge, yeah, avenge. That's the one I want you to bracelet in. Event. I've wanted to bracelet one that one for a long time. So I was so irritated when I got the fifth four years ago because I I was the chip leader with the final twelve, and I, I know final twelve is still a lot of distance to go. But I it, it was one of these things four years ago where in that event day two I was just owning everyone silly, and I, I felt so good, and I felt like just everything was going perfectly, and I felt like if that day continued, I was going to win. But when I came back for day three. I immediately took a bad beat. Then I just missed the next few hands. And I just felt like it's not going to happen today. You wearing your lucky shirt? I don't have one. but uh, uh, You should have asked for a shuffle. <laughs> I, I just, watch the deck, dealer. I, dealer, watch the deck. I just felt like it wasn't going to happen. I just felt like I was I was not going to completely get it done. I tried to put it out of my head, but I just it just kind of felt like it just felt different than the day before, right? I just felt like I was going to just kill it, so... I finished fifth, and I, I've, uh, but I've really wanted to win that event, and I, I hope, uh, hopefully, I can avenge both my chunking off of the chip lead last year and not cashing, and my uh, bubble finish this year at the fifteen hundred limit hold'em, and hopefully, I get a better table draw than seven bracelet winners at limit hold'em. And we will see. That'll be Monday, but I'm looking right now at the mixed Omaha event for Friday. So, but enough about me. Let's talk about. Uh, other World Series stories that don't involve me. Hashtag King has been denied the ability to come back to the World Series after being banned from Caesars Properties. So here's what happened. Uh, Hashtag King has really wanted to play the World Series, but he has gotten banned from Caesars Properties. He's been banned from tons of properties. And he attempted to write an email to get clarification on where they currently are in the decision process. So he had uh, written a letter, before, an email before, and uh, they told him to review his case. So he wrote an uh, email to them, I think it was yesterday, uh, and said, Hi guys, I wanted to know, were you, were you able to review my case? I really want to play the main event. I wanted to follow up as Mitch Garber told me to speak to you guys. And Mitch Garber is the the, yeah, the head of that whole unit of Caesars that runs the World Series. He doesn't actively get involved with running it. That's Ty Stewart's the one in charge of that. But uh, Mitch Garber is Ty Stewart's boss. So he says, I know I was rude to the employee at the front desk, and that was the reason why I got banned. But I want to let you guys know that I spent a month in sober living for my gambling problem and have learned to control my emotions in situations where uh, I'm losing a lot of money. <laughs> that, that's that's not a good way to start off. That's not a good way to say, "Hey, I just got out of a, a home for people with gambling problems. Can I come back and gamble?" That's that's not. I mean, I know where he thought where he thought he was going with this, but that's already not making a good case for himself. He goes on to say, "Please give me another opportunity to prove that I can act appropriately on your properties. I really want to play the main event at the World Series of Poker, and I promise to behave and follow the rules." Now, here's my favorite part. Just ask Matt Glantz, the producer from Poker Night in America. 
if I followed his rules. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess, but he was, I mean, he, he, he was in a lot of controversy over that one. It's not like he was a, an angel on Poker Night in America. There's a lot of controversy on how he uh, talked to Sean Deeb there. So not that I feel bad for Sean Deeb, but uh, this is not a good example of good behavior. If that's, the, if that's the best example of how he didn't cause a disruption, then that's not very convincing. Yeah, if they review that tape, yeah. that's not going to help his right, case. I was going to say, they probably Googled it. <laughs> oh, let's, oh, he did? Oh, okay, let's see what, how he behaved. Yeah. Yeah, they go, look at it, they go, oh, my God, this is his example? <laughs> this is the best he can be? What the hell? So he says, I think... So I go. Uh, I, says, I didn't even break one of his rules, and he said that publicly on Twitter. You can check. Please let me know. Thanks, Solomon Ponte, CPA, CA, BCom. I don't even know what all that stuff is. I know what CPA is, but I don't know what CA and BCom are. <coughs> so uh, this is what he got back from Seth Polanski, the one of the VPs at uh, Caesars, the. One of the managers of the World Series, as I've said many times before, the top manager of the World Series is Ty Stewart, and then right under him are uh, Jack Effel, the tournament can director. I, and can so- I write this email for Seth? <laughs> it, it's just in. It would be LOL GTFO. Yeah, well, that's that's, what I, that's what I thought it would be. Like that's, uh, that's it. That's, that's all it would. That's what you'd expect. You'd, you'd, right, you'd expect Seth to send like a brief two letter, uh, two sentence replies, basically denying him, and that's it. But <laughs> but that's not what happened. He actually wrote this this long response. Hi, Salomon. Appreciate you reaching out, but unfortunately you have several factors working against you that won't allow you to play the main event this year. One, timing. Your event is too recent and not a long enough period of time has passed. Two, your other bands from various casinos. We are well aware of the issues you've had at multiple other properties. I'm not sure if you're aware, but casinos do share information, and your repeated behavior proves that you didn't have one isolated incident, but instead a consistent pattern of trouble that seems to follow you. So, oh so the World Series, they're quite, they're quite aware of, of his past here, recent past. Uh, we commend you for seeking some help in this area. What is most important is you are healthy and have a sound mind to ensure you don't continue to make mistakes to hurt yourself and our guests and our staff. But since a lot of these events have occurred in 2017, it is dangerous for you to be put into situations that may cause you to relapse. We don't want to see that. So, so oh. they're, they're acting like they're concerned about his, uh, his relapsing. And in reality, they're just saying, look, this just happened a short time ago. We think it's going to happen again. You haven't proven that you're any different yet. That's, that's what he's really saying. So then he went on to say, the third issue relates to problem gambling. Some of what has come to light relates to what we would consider responsible gaming. You even admit some of this below. We hope you continue to seek help. We encourage you to visit this site to get more information. And they posted some you know, website related to problem gambling. Uh, and, and to really take a hard look in the mirror. There are experts available to help you. We would not be looking out for your best interests if we allowed you to gamble at our properties. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, your social media campaigns. They are being watched as well and factor into any decision making we may take in the future. <laughs> Yeah, I like how the World Series managers are like watching. It's a lifetime ban then if they're following the social media. I love this. The managers of the World Series are following. uh, They're watching all his uh, videos. If you guys don't remember, what what he does is every time he gets kicked out of somewhere, uh, he makes a whole scene and then uh, records the whole thing on his phone and then posts it to social media. So he doesn't just like kind of quietly get kicked out. He he makes a huge scene about it and then 
makes entertainment out of it for his social media. So he's saying that they're being watched and they factor into their decision making. He says, those are your accounts and you're free to do as you wish, but your messaging continues to blame others and it is harassing to our executives and companies that you continue to tag in your posts. Now, what he's referring to there is Hashtag King loves to send out tweets and Facebook messages where he tags like everyone he can think of that might want to see it. And I get those all yeah. the time. I'm constantly getting stuff from him where he's tagging me. And and I, I just I don't even look at most of it. But but uh, I, I guess he's doing this also to Caesar's executives and uh, and managers, and they're tired of being tagged. They constantly. love it. <laughs> so, so he says, if you continue this in vain, do so knowing that it is hurting your cause, both for, for our properties and I'm sure others that you're banned from. You must take note that we exist on private property. Just like you can invite and keep out anyone you want from your home, Caesars Properties has the same rights. Our guest enjoyment and our staff safety is paramount to our operations. Please take all of the above as constructive criticism as it's intended. We have nothing personal against you. We recognize some patterns here that we've seen before. You need to get better self-control and make better decisions. This will benefit you the most. So... That that's that was a long email. That was a long, detailed email, and he could have just said no, goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> he could have just said no, denied, sorry. Uh, like that was a very. Or he could have just clicked delete. Yeah, yeah, he could have done that too. Right? So, you know? but he wrote this long thing. I can't argue with these points. These are all good points he's raising here. Uh, and, and basically, what he's saying, uh, in a more polite way, is you're a ticking time bomb. If we allow you back, it's only a matter of time before we have to kick you out again, and you video the whole thing while bashing us on social media. So uh, no thanks. <laughs> you can you can stay away. And and I think what he's the only door he's leaving open here is if we see for a really long time that you're a changed man, maybe at that point you can come back, but not right. like months after the last incident. So uh, I, yeah, I don't think he's not only is he not coming back this year, but I don't think they're going to let him come back in 2018. Nor do I think this. Hashtag King is going to behave until 2018. So I think this is just somewhere that he's out of luck. And, and just to put in writing the problem gambling and that now they officially know about it. Yeah. And then they're going to let him in. And now they're like, lie, you know, you can probably come back and say, the letter I said. Right. Right. That was a, that was a huge mistake. Exactly. Because they, you know, this could actually make them liable if they let a known problem gambler who admits he's a problem gambler come back and gamble. So now they now they have an additional level that they have to be especially convinced he's not a problem gambler anymore on top of all the other problems. So th- this is the problem with what hashtag King does. He may think it's entertaining, but uh, then when casinos don't find it very funny and ban him, then to get unbanned is not trivial. Uh, they, they just decide you're not worth it and they want to keep you out. So uh, much like I did not want to videotape Phil Helmuth at the table going off on me as funny as it would have been, because they didn't want to break any kind of rules as far as recording at the table there. You know, it's like, I, I don't want to have problem. I don't want to be seen as a rule breaker or somebody who's, who, who causes issues there. I, uh, uh, I try to follow what I know to be the rules I, I'm not afraid to ever criticize the world series on this show or elsewhere, but I'm not, you know, I'm not going to, if they have rules set forth that I obviously agree to by playing there, I'm not going to break them. So the problem with, with knowingly breaking these rules and being obnoxious while you do it, even if it's entertaining, is that then there's consequences later. And then when you want to come back, you can't. So uh, that... This gets back to our don't be a dick rule, yeah. right? Like, I mean, you know, I know, I know Hashtag King and what he's trying to do and get attention 
all that kind of stuff. But, you know, go figure. If you piss enough people off, eventually they're going to say don't come back. Yeah. Know? Yeah. There's, there's consequences to all these actions. That's that's the problem. That's a, That is the problem with everything he does. I think he doesn't always think about the long-term and even the short, medium-term consequences of, of all these things. So there's only so many casinos he can keep going to before he's kicked out of them all. He, he and the Iceman can have a competition for who gets kicked out of the most casinos. <laughs> That'd be a, t- uh, a tough competition, actually. Yeah. So talk about something else involving uh, controversy of the World Series. And uh, it's actually being compared to this a little bit because people are complaining that Seth wrote this very detailed letter to Hashtag King. Which the only reason we've seen this is Hashtag King posts everything. So he posted yeah. this. That's, that's, how we got, that's how we got this. We didn't, we didn't hack the Caesars computers to get this. Uh, we didn't have Russians hacking computers on our behalf. We, you know, he posted this publicly on Twitter. But uh, a player named Luke Vrabel, that's V-R-A-B-E-L, and he posts on Twitter as Slay America. Uh, he's kind of a controversial player, very outspoken. A lot of people don't like him. A lot of people think he's a douchebag, et cetera, et cetera. So he, he's not a very sympathetic character. But uh, he got into some uh, controversy at the Colossus final table, which he made. So he, he made the final table of the Colossus event, this huge field Colossal event with 18,000 entrants. As did Matt Affleck, who just always seems to do really well in these events. In fact, Matt Affleck, after this, he made it like 30th in the Millionaire Maker. I mean, this guy, wow. I, I want to know what this guy is doing, because this guy just this guy just owns in these big field uh, MTTs. It's amazing. Doing something, right? Yeah, I, I want to see what he's doing, because I, I want to do it. But anyway, Matt Affleck was there at the table, so it was Luke Vrabel. And Luke Vrabel is claiming that at one point the floor man called him an asshole. He also said the floor man refused to prevent people on the rail who were cheering for Matt Affleck from brutally heckling him constantly. Uh, Now, again, Vrabel is well known for difficult behavior himself. So this is not a sweet guy that uh, has been victimized and everyone feels sorry for. There's there's mixed opinions on this because this is someone that some people kind of wanted to see something like this happen to. So, but but he actually wrote an open letter to tournament uh, director Jack Effel about how disgusted he was with this. So th- Basically, what what he claims happened, and I, I don't know for sure what happened here, but it, I, I think his account is probably not too far from the truth. He said that Matt Affleck's girlfriend, who I, I, I haven't found a picture of, I didn't really look very hard. Someone looked for a picture of Matt Affleck's girlfriend. Matt Affleck, uh, yeah, to be honest here, he's not a uh, traditionally good-looking guy. So I've, I've wondered what his girlfriend looks like. Druff-nosed, good-looking guys. No, I'm just saying, I, like, like he's not someone you'd see in the hallway and expect to have a hot girlfriend, but at the same time, uh, you know, he is a successful poker player. So I don't, I don't know what she looks like, so I'm just, uh, I, I am curious as to what his girlfriend looks like. But anyway, his girlfriend was on the rail at the final table, and some of his friends were there as well. And apparently, I, if for some reason, they were really aiming their vitriol at Luke. 
and uh, he said that he was receiving quote constant abuse. And uh, actually, I'm sorry. The, the the open letter was not from Luke. It was actually from a uh, a spectator. That uh, and here, let me let me read uh, what this guy posted. This is a spectator. This is not from Luke himself. I'm having trouble finding this. Okay, I'm having trouble finding the actual letter. But he he uh, here's some quotes from it. He said. Uh, there is a very loud a group of very loud players on the rail to my left and located directly across from the seven seat, Luke Rabel. There were six to ten people, and a few of them were drinking, and most of them were making comments to one player at the table, Vrabel and the seven seat. They were loud, they were rude, they were obnoxious. They were mere feet away, I couldn't believe it. These guys were in a high-profile final table, and people four to five feet away were taunting one of the players. So... Luke himself decided to go off about this, especially because of a floor man there named Jason. And he made a long Facebook post, and he he entitled it, I am quitting the World Series of Poker, and here is why. And I'm not sure if he really quit. I haven't looked to see if he actually played since, but he claimed he's quitting because of this. So he said, floor man Jason B. berated me. And was was combative with me with ten left playing for a million dollars. That was the top prize for the uh, Colossus event, which is a five hundred sixty-five dollar buy-in. The guarantee was one million dollars. So he said with ten left that uh, Jason B berated him and was combative with him. This is floor man Jason B. That Jason B told him to. He said, "Put your headphones on if it's bothering you." When I complained about being distracted when I have 80% hearing loss in my left ear. <laughs> I, I don't see why that even really matters. I mean, even if you don't have any hearing loss, that's if that really is what he was told to do. That's uh, unreasonable. Uh, it said, allowed players to heckle me from the rail and called security on me for objecting, even referring to me as that guy's an asshole after I'd been a gentleman to him the entire day. He said, Matt Affleck and his girlfriend personally tried to angle and tilt me by continuing to talk at me. I asked security to tell her to stop speaking to me, and they told me to sit down or risk a penalty. So I guess he must have stood up and uh, um, went to security and said, will you stop? Yeah, make him stop, make him stop. And that, uh, you know, at one point the floor man said, sit back down, stop getting it from the table, you're going to get a penalty, he claims. Sit down, son. Sit down and shut up. Uh I will no longer play there because I was abused and mistreated. And then uh, the uh, this guy who, uh, who who wrote the open letter to Jack Effel, who's named Daniel Dandrio, who's not a uh, pro poker player. He's an amateur who just uh, plays at the World Series. He, he described this as, uh, on each side of him, uh, that, that, that there is... Uh, that security then got by Vrabel and, and they got on each side of him, imposing over him, intimidating him. Nothing was said to the crowd. Their position w- was one that they were uh, poised to eject seven, the seventh seat from the event. So this spectator was outraged by this, that they – and I see there's a picture of it where there's two security guards. One is a uh, – a female, it looks like, I think it's a female, that's uh, in a yellow security shirt, and the other one is uh, in kind of one of the rent-a-cop uh, blue 
security outfits, and they were both standing right over him, <laughs> and no, nobody else. They're just standing right over him. And then the, in this open letter, the you know it continued the one by this Dandrio guy he says. The World Series of Poker failed to protect this player, and this kid was damaged. He was publicly ridiculed and bullied and intimidated by your staff. I call on you as an executive to clear this up. It's not an easy situation, but I'm confident you will do the right thing. So there has been no official comment, to my knowledge, by the World Series. And some people criticize them. Okay, how can you write this long letter to the hashtag king, but not make any public comment about this. Now, to be fair, they didn't make a public comment about Hashtag King. Hashtag King just went and made it public. He just uh, right. uh, posted a letter for everyone. But uh, but they haven't made a public comment as far as uh, I can tell. And Luke Vrabel was claiming that he's quitting the World Series because of this. Now, if this really happened as described, and the reason I think I believe this is because of this third party who doesn't seem to be associated with Vrabel wrote this uh, open letter to Jack Effel. So unless the guy is secretly a friend of Luke Vrabel, why would he write this? But it looks like that an observer, who I'm not sure who he was there to observe or why he was there, but uh, he was outraged by watching this. And I, I don't even understand, unless they had some kind of history with Luke Vrabel, who, I, you know, again, has been difficult and has been controversial himself, why why weren't why were they angry at him for complaining about the way the rail was treating him unless they were just seeing this as everyone has a right to cheer for the person they're here to cheer for and he's just being overly sensitive and they got tired of him bitching but but the truth is if so if they're really going after one person they, they shouldn't the, the the rail should never be bashing any player or heckling any player. They, they they can cheer for the one they like. They can give positive support every time someone wins a pot that uh, they like. It's a little obnoxious, but they can do it. But negative commentary towards opponents, I think, shouldn't be allowed from the rail. And if that really was happening, I don't understand why they were focusing on Luke Vrabel for complaining about it. And it's, you know, why weren't they focusing on the ones doing it? Just say, hey, knock this off. If you want to cheer for Matt, go ahead, but don't don't bash other players at the table. Right. So this is weird unless there is some history, but even if there was some history, this shouldn't happen. So I, I just have to imagine that it was from the comment of put your headphones on, if it's bothering you for whatever reason, the floor man thought that it was just cheering. And this guy just can't take hearing someone else cheered for, but it sounds like it's a lot more than that. And the fact that they posed two security guards in front of him, and the fact there's a third party who was complaining about this really makes me think that this is probably true. I don't have any proof that it's probably true, but I think it was probably true. So I, I think the guy has a point. And I think what should have been done at that point is he should have demanded that Jack Effel or one of the other high managers of the World Series is brought over to handle this situation. Because I, I don't think if they brought Jack Effel over, Jack would have said, oh yeah, that's cool, you know, it's okay, keep keep berating him. Okay, Matt Affleck's girlfriend, you can do what you want. <laughs> Maybe if she was really hot, he would have said that, I don't know. But no, I, I, I think Jack would not have put up with this. I think he would have come up with... Uh, 
something more fair in this situation is my guess. I, I, I can't, I've had issues with Jack Effel's decisions at some points, but I, I can't see him affirming the rails right to bash a particular player at the table. I couldn't see that or Seth Polanski or any of the managers, any of the high managers of the world series. I couldn't see them backing this sort of behavior if this is really what was happening. So that, if anybody here is ever in that situation where a floor man is treating you unfairly, especially in a very important situation such as the Colossus final table, go over their heads. Ask for somebody to uh, hire up. I'm getting a message here, by the way, from one of our listeners. Uh, he said uh, he did ask for Jack, and this is according to Luke. He did ask for Jack. That Jason guy, the floor man, laughed and said, you think Jack would be here? Oh, and he's claiming that uh, Luke will call in? Sure. This is to the uh, the person who messaged me here. If you Give the number 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. I realize that I, in the haste to get this show going, we did not give all the phone numbers out or anything, which you guys probably know because we do it every week. In fact, you guys are probably happy with a shorter intro. But yeah, <laughs> which is 775-FRAUD-55 is the phone number to this show. You can also call, call the Mount Charleston line, which is only 45 minutes away by car from where I am right now. Well, here's, a, here's a call. I, I bet it's someone who's going to pr- pretend to be him. But that's, yeah, that's par for the course on this show. Let's put the call on. Caller, you're on the air. Caller, hello. Oh, God damn it. If we're having this problem again. Yeah, caller, I can't hear you, and I think it's on our end. So, <laughs> this is pissing me off. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna, ter- I'm gonna try a test here. I, I just feel so frustrated with Skype now because we had like the same problem we had last week where we just couldn't hear them. Oh boy! I'm, I'm gonna call into the show myself with my cell phone, and I'm gonna test this because I'm just pissed off about this. I mean, this is freaking frustrating. Someone tried to call in from the three four seven area code. I don't know who it was, but could have been Luke Vrabel for all I know. Let me try this. Okay, answer my own call. <laughs> yeah, this isn't working. I'm blowing into the phone, <laughs> and it's not coming out the other end. This is pissing me off. Okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to um, message. I'm going to have to fix. I, I thought I fixed this. But the funny thing was, I was messing around with this uh, when I was working on Skype last week after the show, and I actually was able to take. A second call, like I, I connected to something and then I made a second call in, and it worked. So I said, "Okay, it must be fixed." Well, no, we've got the same stupid problem. What a freaking joke! Okay, so uh, if Luke is willing to come on this show to this person who's in contact with him, get his number, message it to me, and I will call him because I, I think that will work. And then after the show, I'm going to try to go to work on Skype again and see how we can <laughs> take these damn incoming calls. What a jo- Like, I can take the call, but then we can't hear them, which is a weird problem. Such a weird problem. So, anyway. I do hope he calls in so we can hear more about this. And uh, 
If they yeah. do give you some BS about, oh, Jack wouldn't be, we'll say, okay, get him here. Call him up. They can reach him all the time. Believe They have a way to reach Jack at all times during the tournament because this, this is his tournament. He runs it. So he wants to be reachable if there is a major problem. Yeah, the, the caller from 347, I can't take your call because of the, uh, here, I'll call you, caller from 347. I'll call you in the meantime. I can't take your call because of our technical issues, but I see your number. I will put you on here. We'll see who you are. Apologies to you for our issues here with our phones. Ground. Caller, you're on the air. Oh, closing door. Yes, one step. Are you on the subway? Yeah, I want to give you a call back in time. Okay. Boom, boom. What the fuck? So he calls to call <laughs> to tell us he's going to call back. That's great. I'm glad I put out the effort to make that call. That was radio gold right there, Drew. Well, at least we got to hear the subway. Boom, boom. <laughs> Doors closing. Boom, boom. Benjamin loved the subway, by the way. That was that was very fascinating to him. So, by the way, our text number is also 775-372-8355. Here's some texts we got. Uh, this is <laughs> this is a lovely text. Uh, Brandon talked about how he was with one Filipina girl and that she had uh, the purple genitals, basically. So th- this is from the Northern California guy who used to sometimes co-host this show. Who's volunteered, by the way, Cal Watt, if you can't come on from your Asian trip, he said he will take your place uh, temporarily. So, uh, Northern California guy texted this. Hey, tell Brandon he's not the only one who experienced the Filipina purple before. (laughs) Met Met one at the end of last year. Turned out to be crazy as fuck. Morning after we met, I saw someone looking exactly like her in the booking log, but with a different name than I knew her. Turns out she got arrested for DUI and falsely impersonated her sister. Then a month later, got in a crash on the highway and fled the scene on foot in the middle of the night. They found her body a week later floating down in the marsh. Weird. So you're telling me you slept with a girl who had murdered or something? Or it's Weird. Huh. That's a weird story. I, I Some of the girls I've, I've slept with before are not alive anymore. They died of like natural causes, but I I've never been with a girl who got murdered or who died in kind of like an unnatural way. Um, th- this is from uh, a listener in 412. I know who he is, but he says, are you a pussy scared to take my call on the air? Tearful Todd, quote me on the air coward. You are scared to answer because you'll know I'll ask you about your sensitive reaction to bubbling. Very soft, tearful Todd. Now this guy actually loves this show as much as he sounds like a troll. He actually loves this show, but uh, oh, it's not Scotty. No, 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 it's not going. Well, look, I, I didn't take your call. I was telling everybody that we're, we're in the middle of doing a segment, and calling me like a hundred times in a row is not going to make you t- take your call anymore. Like a, this guy just banged the calls like a hundred times in a row, and I didn't want to do that. Okay, so I see a call coming. Yeah, from it's seven. like that girl in high school when you keep keep dialing and redialing her number. Every time you do it, she wants to talk to you less, man. Yeah. Okay, I, I'm taking another call here. We, I bet we can't hear this guy either. Caller, can you hear me? Can I hear you? Answer is no. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, call this guy back. Let's see if I can do it this way. See if we can call him back this way. And uh, someone from seven. Yeah, Yeah, caller, you're on the air. Yeah, this is the Prince of the Degenerates. 
So th- this is uh, Luke? This is the, yes, the Prince of the, no, no, that's my old name. Okay. Hello, yes, this is Luke. What's okay, up? all right, very good. I, my boy told me to call. Yep, he did. Okay, so I, I hope this is really you. I'll take your word for it. Uh, uh, it is 100% me. Ask me anything. Okay. I, penis I, length, whatever you want to know. Oh, well, you might as well tell us what what, what is the length. <laughs> be, be honest, though. It's good. Let me tell you that. Let's okay. go. Let's roll. Okay, let's what roll. What do you guys want to know? So what I want to know here is... Uh, First of all, what were they saying on the rail that was uh, so frustrating to you? What, what was happening specifically on the rail? What was being all right, said? Let me just, all right, you know what? Question thing. Let's, let me just let it rip. I'll just let it rip. Okay, go that? ahead. Let, let it rip. Go Do ahead. it. I'll just tell the whole fucking story, you know, because yeah, it's a bunch ahead. of bullshit and everyone needs to hear it. I'm sorry for the swears, but no, no, you can. The only way to describe you, it. You can swear here. It's fine. Men here. Go ahead. Okay. I'll tell the more the swears, the better, man. I am literally walking from the Venetia to the wind. I'm drunk as fuck, and I'm going to tell this story. Um, so there's 10 left in the friggin' closet, and I'm crushing. I have, you know, I'm having the friggin' time of my life, obviously, like anyone would be, you know? Yeah. And uh, a rail starts to amass, and it's very close to the table. Keep in mind that it is directly next to the table. It's, like, preposterous how close these people are to us. Like, they're literally on top of us. There's pictures of it you can see. Um so the bubble starts getting a little hectic because nobody's busting out. So shit's real serious now. You know what I mean? I've been playing 10 years of the World Series. I never made a World Series final table the whole time. And I'm a good player. So think about the big moment. Anyways, everyone's pumped up. So these guys are getting a little rowdy on the rail. McBotto, whoever the hell else, Tyler Patterson, um, his girlfriend, whatever. They're getting a little rowdy. It's no big deal. It happens. Even though, you know, shouldn't be, but it happens. So I say to him, I go to this floor man, Jason Bolsaw. You got this guy? Jason Boz? Um, got I, that part of the story? Yeah, well, you called him Jason okay. B, but okay, you can name him. That's fine. Okay, so floor man Jason Bolsaw, he goes over to the guys. He's like, hey, uh, you know, why don't you quiet down? And one of them immediately says to me, I think it was Tyler, he goes, well, you know, Slayer, you're pretty freaking loud. And I go, yeah, I'm also 80% deaf in my left ear. And I'm playing in the freaking tournament. So he goes, you're right, you're right, move on. So we move on, and I think it's over with. Five minutes later, they're making noise again. I say to the guys, myself this time, I say, would you guys please be quiet? And they start popping jokes. They're making jokes, and it's just like, they're trying to fuck with me. And like, Matt Affleck's being a prick. Like, it's the usual suspect. Anyways, um, so after that, I'm like, this is ridiculous. Can we, like, do something about this? There's a third time after the floor finally tells us to be quiet where I go, hey, man, I'm really distracted. Can you please shut, can you please remove these people? They won't stop fucking with me. They start talking about, like, strippers and Spearman Rhino. I don't know. My ex-wife was a stripper from Spearman Rhino. Maybe they were talking about her. I have no idea. Anyways, I digress. But, um, so finally, this fucking floor man has the nerve to say to me, why don't you just put your headphones on if they're distracting you? So at this point, I'm enraged. I'm like, put my headphones on? What are you talking about? I'm not putting my headphones on. I'm playing for a million dollars. Get me Jack Effel. Get me Seth Polanski. And you know what this Jason Bolsaw guy said to me? I quote word for word. He said, do you think Jack's here for this? He literally said that, mocking us, all of us that have entered that tournament eight times, you know? Yeah. Frank Sinatra's singing right now, by the way. It's a glorious night out here in Vegas. Um <laughs> Where was I? What was I talking about? Well, you're talking about you. You were told that uh, you think Jack Effel would be here for this and, and, and mocked you. Yes, yes, yes. 
And he goes, they're not doing anything wrong. You need to deal with the noise. Okay, so before... The guy says that to me. So I say, no, that's not the way this works. You know, like... And he proceeds to tell me that he's calling security on me and telling me to sit down while McMato's lame-ass girlfriend won't shut her fucking mouth. And I'm sorry, I'm not going to be freaking obscene here. I love women. But if you're at a final table, keep your fucking bitch quiet. I'm sorry. Straight up. Straight up. Don't be talking to me. I ask, I say, please don't have this woman talk to me. And he sends a freaking team of security to surround me to protect her. He says, don't speak to her and sit down in your seat or you're going to risk a penalty. On the break, I'm like really angry. He refers to me as an asshole to the rest of the rail and then shows his cell phone to live-handed players. In the middle of a hand, he showed his cell phone to a player and said, someone's texting me and telling me to stop being mean to this guy or some bullshit he said like that. Like, who's texting me from the rail, he asked. He was having, like, a big party. It was like in high school where they all pick on the freaking wild kid and they think they're freaking, they think they're cool all of a sudden because I can't fucking fuck back. <laughs> and at the end of the night, I go up to him and I go, sir... Did you call me an asshole man-to-man? Like, did you call me an asshole or not? And he straight up lied about it. And he, would, and he told me if I spoke to him again, he would give me a penalty for the final table. We show up the next day for the final table, and they don't even have seating for anybody's rail. It's just a complete disrespect to all poker players that pony up their rates every year to pay these freaking guys' salaries, and they can't even be there when I'm playing for a million bucks to protect me from some sick floor man who's got a complex because I'm a fucking ill-ass dude, and he's lame as fuck. Let's be real here. Anyways, that's about the story that I can remember. I'm sure I left out some parts. You guys can read the thread. Okay, I'm okay. done. Well, wait, well, so let me ask you a few questions, though. The, what I'm still unclear sure. about is what, what was being said to you from the rail? Was it, was it just loudness there cheering for Matt, or were no, they saying they things were directly to directly you? directly addressing me. This guy goes, you're funny. You're funny like a clown. You make me laugh. So I said to him, like, you know, like, I don't know. Anyways, the point is, he said to me, you're funny, you make me laugh, you're like a clown. They're generally trying to antagonize me. His girlfriend repeatedly antagonized me. I don't even remember the dumb shit that woman said, but I could get you ten people who do. She was just genuinely trying to fuck with me. But what, what, kind, what, what, what kind of stuff? Free what, reign to do. No, I, I, I think I believe you, but, but what, what type of stuff was he... What, no, was there's she, no believing me or not. That's what happened, my friend. If you don't believe me, I don't want to be on your show. No, I'm not saying. I, I said I think I do believe you. So I, I wasn't Thank there. But for, Thank you. When, when I when I hear this, uh, when I hear these stories, they have to. I, unless I'm there myself, the only way I can be sure is uh, you know either hearing it from someone I really trust or seeing it myself. But I also have to just come to a judgment whether something's true or not true. I think this is probably you true. Read the two plus two. So I, I think this is mostly true. But what, what I'm asking here is... It's 100% true. What, what, type of, what type of stuff was... Uh, you said you don't they remember the exact thing. They were talking shit, dude. I don't have direct quotes for you. I was freaking playing for a million bucks. Ask somebody else. I don't remember. Okay. stupid shit. No, I'm just trying to get an idea for the listeners. I'm trying to get an idea for the listeners here. Okay, so, so they, and were, they, uh, were they bothering anyone else at the table or only you? <laughs> um, I don't know if they were bothering anybody else. But I know that every person who was there said that I was treated unfairly. So where are the people telling me that I was out of line? I didn't raise my voice. I didn't say anything wrong to anyone. 
And and uh, <laughs> do you know why they picked you to to give a hard time to as opposed to the other players at the table? Yeah, because I'm me. Because people don't like how I wear my heart on my sleeve, and I say what's on my mind, and I say what they think, but they're too scared to say. So, so, so you think from the, from the start they they just didn't like you, and wanted to give you a hard time? Uh... Honestly, I think the guy was just an asshole. That's all I think. I really don't think it was about me. I think he was just in a bad mood, and he was on his freaking time of the month, and he decided to hurt people's feelings, and he decided to take it into his own hands to have a nice little bully fest with me. I was humiliated. He had two security guards flanking me. Well, no, no, I, I was talking like, about what's going on here. I, I was talking about the the rail, the of, of why they why the rail chose you to mess with as opposed it's to the. Not others. about the rail. It's about the floor, man. No, no, why I understand that. On the rail. No, no, I, I, I'm just wondering. Like the rail picked someone out of that the whole rail group. Was 100 percent out of line. Do you know the rules? We no, no, no. no I, I agree. I agree. They were the out of line. Table bubble. I agree. They were out of line. But I'm wondering. There, there were several others at the table. Don't question me. I hate these people trying to tell me it was my fault. I'm not telling you that. I'm not telling you that, though. Hang on. The food on my child's plate. Okay, but I'm not. I'm not telling you that. I'm just trying to ask a question. Allowed to say a word to me. If I ask for them removed, they're out. No, I listen. I I agree with you. I agree with you that the rail shouldn't get out of line. I'm just asking. The rail chose you to mess with, as opposed to the other players, for a reason. It may not have been a good reason, but they chose. Okay, fine. So so, I'm freaking not going to take shit from anybody. But you didn't. You didn't have any history with. Okay, so I should have handled it better. I played amazing. I didn't make one mistake. No, no, I'm not saying I that. I, I, I'm not it's saying not you should. How I I'm not talking about how. I'm, it affect me. I'm oh, not, yeah, they singled me out. I know that for sure. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just wondering why. That's all. Are. I'm just wondering they, why. They, they don't s- care about fish. They don't care about losers. I played 10 years in WSB. I'm down like a million bucks, and they treat me like that. Can you imagine how they'll treat some random amateur when it's him? Wait, where, where are you when down? He's got a few, when he's playing for a million and having the time of his life, and he's getting a little loud. Like, so fucking what? What, you're, you're down a million bucks in buy-ins at the World Series? Yeah, in my life, about that, mm. probably. Maybe wow. no, maybe not down a million. I'm probably down like a good four or $500,000, yes. Mm. Now, wh- what place did you finish in that event? Ninth place. Ninth place, okay, that's too bad. So what, what did that pay, like like uh, 80000 or so? Yeah, I'm thrilled. I got mad money. I'm out here on the strip just giving random people money because <laughs> I feel like I can help my people. No, I've always I've I always found it people. I've always found it the Colossus that's frustrating. You you get past you gotta like, keep it one hundred all the time. That's what this guy just said to me. Some random guy. I gave him ten bucks. He, gave, he said that to me. So always remember that. All these people, the fish, they're saying that they don't want to rattle the cage. They don't want to speak bad about the World Series. They don't want to stick up for me because they don't want the fish to show up. Well, if you treat the fish like they're worthless, that's when they're not going to show up, and no one will get my back. Because either they're paid by somebody or they think that they're so superior to these quote-unquote fish that they could just steal money and rob them right in front of everyone, right in the open air, and nobody's going to do anything about it. Well, we're, we're, we're covering this issue they here. They treated we're, everyone in Colossus like garbage. We're, we're, ask we're, Ralph Massey. Ask Taylor Black. Ask any of those guys. Ask Jabra Kadata, whatever that guy's name is. They were they treated us like complete garbage in that tournament. Okay, well that we're we're we're, we're not shilling We're not shilling for anyone here. Right. We we don't uh, we're not kissing the World Series good. ass. We we criticize good. them all the time if I'll necessary. Tell you a good, I'll tell you a funny nugget of info right now if you want. Go ahead. Uh, so the poker news chick, what's her name? Sarah. Yes, yeah, Sarah. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. She wanted to do a podcast with me, so I wanted to do a little test, you know, just to see how that would work out. Yeah, and I just posted like 
how much you guys want to bet that the poker news won't let me uh, interview you, right? And I'm like, I post it right on my Twitter. And then she gets back to me. She's like, damn, why'd you post that? Why'd you post that? She's like, my boss isn't too big on putting you on anymore. <laughs> they just want to silence it. And they got this guy working tournaments, Will Foxen, another great player, a guy who needs to get a big live score just like I do because for some reason we ran like dick in live poker for 10 years. Um, he told me that today the floor man was extremely combative with someone in the PLO tournament. And he posted it right on Twitter. If you look at my Twitter, it's all there. Anyways, I got to get a drink. I'm flipping the fuck out. Okay. I just wanted to lay that down. I know you think I'm crazy. No, 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 no. I'm look, look, I, I, I understand everything you're saying. And, and the reason we had you on here is to let you get your story, Adam. We don't kiss anybody's ass. We just always want the truth to get out here. And we're not one of the organizations that covers up anything. We actually want the truth to always get out, whether it's a good truth or bad truth. We want the, the, the truth to get out and to where everybody can, uh, can hear and to understand the situation as it really happened. So that, that's what we do over here. And he, he just hung up. <laughs> Drunk people are great, aren't they? Yeah. Well, but, uh, I, I think he he was he, he was, was I thought he almost wanted to fight you. Yeah, he, he was. He thought I was. <laughs> he thought I was against him. I kept trying to say, "No, we're giving you a chance here. We're not, we're not against you here." I mean, I would. I don't know. Yeah, he, I think he. What, what are the odds that this guy gets in a fist fight tonight? <laughs> At least he gave someone ten dollars. I, I, I think it's probably pretty decent. He's got the right level of drunkenness, and it seems like he's, uh, you know, a little pugnacious. Yeah. Well, I, I was, I was, I tried to get it across what uh, we weren't against him here. I, I think what I was trying to understand, and he, he, he obviously wasn't, he wasn't uh, probably because of the drunkenness, wasn't understanding what we were trying to get to here. But why were you berating the guy? Why were you <laughs> against him? I, I don't understand. I, I want the listeners to, to know. The whole story and, and the things that were left out to me were why they chose him as opposed to anyone else at the table to give a hard time to. And the, I, I'm, it may have been a crappy reason. They may have just decided they just didn't like him, but uh, uh, why they chose him and also why the floor man decided uh, he didn't want to put a stop to that. And I, to be honest, we didn't really get much of an answer to that. But you, know, you guys can draw your own conclusions here. I, I do think... That something wrong happened there. I do think that, uh, and this sounds to me like the floor man believed that this was just uh, good-natured cheering. He felt this was distracting and that they were personally going after him on the rail. And then the floor man would not assist him with calming down the rail. But the truth is, the priority should always go to the players in the event. If a player is disturbed by a loud rail, then... They should take a very hard look at the rail, and if there's something even resembling inappropriate behavior from the rail, they should tell them to stop. They, they, take off the rape T-shirts. Yeah, <laughs> they, 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 the rails shouldn't have the same rights as the players do in these spots. And I think well, it's like that way in a lot of sports too, right? I mean, I've seen some really, really rambunctious fans at uh, some of the uh, footy matches in Europe. I mean, they. <laughs> They they make uh, what happens at football games here look uh, pretty tame by comparison. Yeah, you know? but what's even worse in this situation is you have the rail right behind you, whereas in these uh, footy matches in Europe and everything else, they they're a good distance away from the players most of the time. So, but, I, and, and the other thing is that in in uh, 
poker so far, we don't get as many streakers. Because that's a big thing, too. They, the guys try to strip naked and run onto the field. Yeah, so... That'd be pretty funny, actually. <laughs> Someone just decided to just do a naked streak across the WSOP table. <laughs> yeah, I wonder when we'll first see that. <laughs> okay. You know, they got these live streams. They got the 30-minute delay, but I don't think they can censor it in real time, can they? Yeah. I don't I, think so. I, I was just sent uh, two pictures here uh, of, of the situation. Uh, one was uh, Rabel looking very unhappy at, at the table. And two, with the uh, the girlfriend is a picture. The girlfriend, it's a kind of a blurry picture, but she looks decent actually. It's not a, he doesn't have a bad looking girlfriend, Matt Affleck. Give him that. But uh, there's a picture of uh, where she is, where Vrabel is, and where uh, Matt Affleck is. And, uh, um, so the rail, it was actually a real. It wasn't like a receding, like like at a televised final table. This is like just a regular table, and there's an actual rail there where people stand behind one of those uh, uh, you know those strips that uh, attach to poles that uh, stop you from from crossing and uh, so they're just kind of standing they really are like like behind like a rail and she is standing Almost right behind Luke Vrabel. In fact, she is closest to him of any player at the table. However, it could be explained. There's no gaps here where people are standing, so it could just be where she happened to be. It's not like she. It's not like she purposely stood behind Vrabel and there's a bunch of space after that. She. She. There's kind of like a line, and she happens to be directly behind him. However, that that doesn't mean that she was not saying or shouting inappropriate things to him. Uh, I. If I had to guess what happened, this is this would be my guess of what happened here. I think Matt Affleck had a very loud and vocal rail uh, in this. And this is ten-handed before they uh, one person busted and they went to the final table. So th- that's the reason this wasn't uh, a typical setup for a televised rail. Or even a, even a, the semi-televised rail where they have it on streaming. This, this was not a final table type thing. This is just everybody at one table, ten people at one table trying to get one to bust. Uh, it is true that she was not standing directly behind her boyfriend. I guess you know, this is only a two-dimensional picture I'm looking at, so um, you don't see what's behind the table on the other side. So it is a question, why was she not directly behind him? But I guess the answer could also be she had a better view of him directly this way instead of standing behind him. So it could still be said that she stood where she thought she had the best view. But even if that's said, if she's choosing to heckle the player she happens to be closest to, and just unfortunately for Luke Rabel, it happens to be him, uh, that could be a problem. But what I think probably happened, this is just my guess from everything I've heard about this so far. My guess is that he had a very loud and obnoxious rail, Matt Affleck, who was cheering for him. And that Luke Rabel was the one who was just most bothered by the fact that the rail was loud. So then he went to the floor man and said, hey, can you quiet them down? And at that point, I think they probably hated him for going to the floor man to try to quiet them down, like he was a tattletale. So at that point, they directed their wrath onto him, and that's when the whole, and then the floor man uh, must have not agreed that they were directing their wrath onto him and just thought that they were cheering and didn't feel like shutting the rail up, and then it became a power struggle, and I, th- I bet that's what happened, if... Like, what's your take on this from the limited information you have have on this so far? 
I mean, it sounds accurate to me, and it's also not usually a coincidence when a guy who is, uh, you know, pretty outspoken and willing to to fight is involved uh, involved in lots of controversies, you know. So it probably was one of those things where they were being obnoxious. He complained, and you know, maybe he wasn't uh, the smoothest with them, you know. Yeah, it's possible. Because there, there are different ways that you, there are different ways you can tell people things or ask people things, you know? You're right. You know, I, I could picture, like, the, the rails being very obnoxiously loud on behalf of Matt Affleck and, and Luke Rabel's, like, having trouble hearing himself think. And he's like, yep. dude, can these guys fucking shut up? Oh, right. What the fuck? When can these guys be quiet? What do I have to put up with this? Hey, floor man, can you shut these guys up over here? And then... Which this- doesn't mean that they weren't wrong, to, you know, to be so obnoxiously loud to begin with. But this is where we get to kind of contributory negligence or, you know, however you want to term it, where your conduct can really affect the outcome. Like if when you got on the phone with Mason's lawyer and you just said, you know, fuck that. If you said something like, fuck that guy, he's a piece of, you know, whatever, it wouldn't have gone quite the same as if you uh, conducted yourself in a level-headed way. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I'll say that the lawyer actually commended me at the end saying that, you know, he thanks me for – for dealing with them in a professional manner, which I did. And but, I, you, but you know what I'm saying, though? Yeah. You know, I know, I know. I, and, uh, right. And that's Even if I, you're wronged, the way that you handle yourself is going to affect the outcome. Right. And I think that's probably what happened. I think probably that yeah. they, they were too loud. I, 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 I can understand this because I have been bothered. I complained about this in the past where I was playing in like a 3K right. six-handed limit event. And there was a super loud rail for a final table, which was right next to us. And it was so hard. There's the Brazilian people singing after every hand. It was so hard to concentrate. People and, applauding every time you lose a hand. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I just, I said, guys, it's going to stop. And everybody was getting kind of irritated by this. But strangely enough, when I brought this up later, um, everybody treated me like I was crazy. Like, what? What's the problem? Why, you, know, you don't want to hear cheering? What's what's so bad? Like, I, I was surprised that I didn't get more people supportive of my position here that when you're paying money to enter a bracelet event, especially three thousand dollars, you know, you don't you don't want to uh you don't want to hear all that to where it's distracting. It's not like I don't need it to be whispered Come on, quiet. Bro, we want to sportify poker. Let us cheer. Yeah, so I can Put under- in the fucking cube. I can understand if you're down to the final ten and immediately surrounding you on a fairly close rail, there's people just constantly yelling and creating a disruption that you say yeah, why? I, I don't want to. Why should I have to listen to this? Like, maybe they can quiet down some. Maybe they can be uh, a little less rowdy. And, and so, but I think he probably didn't approach this, as you said, in, in a uh, professional or calm manner. He probably right uh, escalated it. But that's not me. Bl- I want to make it clear. I'm not blaming him for what they did. I mean, I think yeah. it's very likely that they were being obnoxious. So all yes. I'm saying is that. Probably, if he handled it differently, the outcome might be different. Yeah, I agree. And and and, and but at the same time, of course, the uh, they the rail should have been calmed down by the floor man, and the you know, the floor man the, really the priority should always go to the players. If the rail is being too loud and obnoxious, especially if they're insulting or bothering one player personally, that needs to be stopped. That there's no question about that. And if anybody requests the tournament director to come down and solve a situation like this, especially a major situation which involves the final 10 in an event like the Colossus, uh, the they should call the tournament director and t- 
tell him and either ask him what to do or have him come down. And that's his job. And it's the job of the floor man to contact the tournament director if it's requested. And, and the fact that this was apparently denied is a big mistake as well. So that, uh, that also should not have happened. And the floor men have to get their egos and emotions out of their jobs to where if they... Right, I agree with that. Even if someone doesn't treat them well or doesn't talk to them well or is obnoxious with them, they have to still act professionally at all times and not turn this into a pissing contest, which kind of looks like what happened. And, and I, you know, I've seen casino employees abuse the security process before. Um, this is nothing to do with poker. But I had an incident in, uh, was it 2010? I think it was 2010. It was because Benjamin wasn't born yet. It was in 2000, it was in the summer of 2010, but not during the World Series. Um, I, I was in Vegas with my, uh, my girlfriend, same one I'm with today. And I remember she was pregnant with Benjamin, but he was not born yet. So we had no kid to take care of. And, uh, she wanted to uh, she wanted to see Jersey Boys at uh, the Venetian. So, like the good Jew I am, I googled to see if there was any kind of uh, coupon or, or locals discount, especially a locals discount, which you'll sometimes find for shows like that. Well, lo and behold, I found one right on the Venetian's website. There was a locals discount that was pretty substantial. So I said, great. So we went down there, and you had to buy the tickets in person. So I, I showed them my Nevada ID, and I said, I'd like the local discount, please. What? I'd like the local discount. What locals? We don't have a local discount. Yes, you do. It's right on your website. Oh, no, we don't. No, we don't. So I got out my phone. I showed them their own website with a local discount. So the guy at the front says, oh, I've, I've never heard of this before. Unfortunately, I don't even know how to enter this. Let me go get my manager. So he went and got his manager. His manager was this bitchy, uh, bitchy woman, probably like fifty years old or so. It's one of these women had like a, like a resting bitch face. She already looked like a bitch before I even had like a word with her. Mm. So she comes out, and I explain it to her, and she says, "No, no, that doesn't exist. That doesn't exist. No such thing." I go, "Look your website. I don't care what the website on the website. What, what do you mean? Don't care what it says on the website? This is your company's website." That is advertising locals get this percentage off for this show. I'll show it to you right now. I don't want to see it. She said, I said, why don't you want to see it? Isn't that important? Shouldn't you honor an ad that your company is running on its own website? I don't need to see it, she said. I said, but if you don't need to see it, are you saying you don't believe me? She's, I'm not saying I don't believe you. I'm saying I don't need to see it. This doesn't exist. She just had totally made no sense. And, and so I, I, I said to her, look, why can't you just honor it? I don't understand. I came down here believing this existed from your, an ad on your own site, can you please just honor it? And, and she says, you know what? I think you need to stop believing everything you read on the internet. I said, this is on your own website. <laughs> I'm not believing some forum post. I'm believing an ad on your own website. That's not believing what I read on the internet. And she says, well, I, I, I've had enough with this. Uh, if you don't get out of here, I'm going to call security. And I said, security? What am I doing wrong here? I said, I'm, I'm having a discussion with you about an ad that you're not honoring. She says, Okay, I'm calling security. They're going to be ejecting you and, and uh, kicking you out of the property for good. And I, I said, uh, I don't understand. If you don't want to talk to me, why don't you just go back in your office in the back where you were before? She said, I, I don't need to do that. I, I'm calling security. I go, okay, fine. Uh, I will leave, but uh, yeah, this isn't over. I'm going, to, I'm going to take this up with higher management. 
So uh, I, I called back uh, the next day, reached her boss, explained everything. He looked into it, uh, told, and, and he called me back and said, you're absolutely right. You're correct about the website. What happened was we, we had an old promotion that we forgot to take down from there. Uh, we've taken it down now, but obviously uh, that wasn't your fault. Uh, and and she was completely inappropriate in how she acted. She uh, you know to refuse to look at the website to to create this confrontation with you. That she's she's here to prevent things like this, not to not to escalate it. Uh, she should have seen that that it was still on the website and honored it. I don't know why she did it this way, but uh, um, we we and so he said he held a meeting with all the employees on how to handle things like this in the future, and also, <laughs> and, and also gave her uh, you know. Uh, go to counseling on how to handle things like this in the future. So he said, uh, let me make this up to you. Uh, come down and we'll give you the uh, you know, one of the best seats in the house for free. Or two of the best seats in the house for free. So we came down and we saw it for free. And so that was that was even better than, than the locals' discount. And, uh, and I was happy she got in trouble for that because that was so obnoxious. I mean, uh, but the thing, the reason I'm telling the story is because... Uh, she called security. She actually called security. I left before they got there, but she actually uh, instructed a. Uh, I didn't. I think I didn't mention that she actually instructed the you know one of the other employees standing next to her to call security. Can you still hear me? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so so. Uh, I, I couldn't believe. So I I can understand relating it back to this Luke Vrabel situation. I can believe that if the floor man just kind of got sick of dealing with him. Just said, okay, well, you continue this for calling security. That unfortunately, that's what a lot of casino employees fall back on if uh, they're losing an argument. In fact, that that just happened to me more recently in, in Lake Tahoe at that restaurant where they couldn't tell me if there was a uh, the reward credits could be redeemed at one to one or two to one. And when the girl got frustrated trying to figure this out and that I wasn't uh, accepting or just guesses at this, uh, she she told me she's calling security on me. And again, I said, security, what am I doing? What, what am I doing wrong here? What, what, how am I creating a disruption? I said, and then I said to her, look, you don't have to call security. Uh, I, I, I just came down. You know, I, I wanted clarification. Uh, you can't give it to me. You're, you're, you're being very rude with me. I said, I'm, I will leave. No problem. I'm going to leave right now. I'll walk out right now. I'm not going to cause any problem. But uh, you know, I am going to go back to your manager to, uh, when they, when they uh, get back in. And tell them this whole story. So, but she she was going to call security on me again just for uh, having a disagreement with her. So mm-hmm. that, that's what the, because they have security there, they left to fall back on that. So I I would believe in this case that it probably was abused, and it probably was being called there to intimidate him and to uh, basically shut him up. And the floor so man. My- they, they, they have power over you in these situations. In a tournament, they basically make the rules, and at any time they can disqualify you, and there's very little you can do about it. It's not like at a cash game where there's very strict rules with the uh, with the Nevada Gaming uh, Commission to where they have to follow those rules. With tournaments, you're playing under the house rules, and if they feel you're, you're uh, breaking the rules or causing a disruption, they can disqualify you, and you're going to have a very hard time ever doing anything about it. So, basically, when a floor man threatens to either have you disqualified or penalizing you, as much as you may disagree with what they're doing, and as wrong as they may be, you just have to take it and then complain about it later. So, that's probably what happened here. I think I think he's got a point. 
Okay, we're going to put on Trader Ruski now. So my my computer is off. Your computer's off. Yeah, like I don't even know how to explain it. It the the mouse stopped moving, <laughs> and then the keyboard stopped moving, and now the screen is off, and like the whole thing is off. I don't know how I'm still talking to you. That's so weird. So if you lose me, it might be. Wow. <laughs> Your computer is, really is off, and it's, it's, it's somehow allowing you to. to I just sent you a picture. I, I don't. I don't understand. I like. So it must be just somehow running in the background. I don't <laughs> yes. get it. This See, I knew that would happen when I tried to call in. I knew something. <laughs> this this is a modern miracle, though. Calwatt with an, a computer that's actually off is talking to us through his computer. Well, I mean, obviously something is still running. No, I know. It's I know. Bizarre. Like I don't know how long it's going to last. <laughs> like the story of Passover. <laughs> nice. His computer only had uh, only had 10 minutes of battery, but it lasted for 80 minutes. No, it's even plugged in, man. No, I, I don't just, I was it. just I was relating it to the story of Hanukkah. Oh, okay. eight, eight I'm days. sorry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Hanukkah. Yeah. Hey, uh, I do agree with uh, the drunk guy that called in, though. You know, because you think Matt would, like, control yeah. his people. You know, they're obviously not poker players. It's very disrespectful, unless they had something between them. But even then, it's, like, ridiculous. Yeah, but by the way, I'll say this. I I played with Matt two years ago. Not that long, because I took a bad beat and busted from the tournament. But this was uh, deep in in the $1,500 DraftKings event. And uh, he he, he was very nice and pleasant there. Now there was no rail at that point because there was forty people left, but uh, I didn't have any issue with him. And in fact, that table I was at that I busted from that was a very pleasant table. Everyone was very nice at that table. The table I was before that, I had some very obnoxious people—not loud and obnoxious, but just uh, um, uh, players. That uh, there was one guy at the table that uh, kept. Th- he kept taking shots at me, not angle shots. Every time I raised, he was three betting me, and every time I just, every time he did that, I just happened to have something that either was junk or I just didn't want to call off for all my chips, or because he was, uh, it was like pocket sixes or things like that. So, but, but anyway, so yeah, he got away with with like three betting me uh, like five times, and only one of them I called, and we both had ace king. I don't know, maybe he really had hands those times. It just was a coincidence, but uh, anyway. When I folded, and I, all the other times I folded to him, so you think he'd be happy that he'd three-bet me and I'd fold and get my chips, plus he blinds and annies. So, so finally, one of the times he makes a comment of, uh, uh, so you can't ever call me? So there's, there's, nothing, you th- there's nothing in your range there that uh, allows you to make a call to, to my three-bets every time? Like he, he's, he's mocking me for folding. And I'm thinking, what the hell? It's not, it's not like I did something, he took a bad beat, or, uh, or I made some comment to him. He's the one being the aggressor here. He's getting my chips, and he's mocking me for it. I couldn't believe it. And then... Just the, the whole table just seemed like uh, I, I kind of just got this vibe from everyone at the table. There was like a lot of assholes at that table, and not only that, I was running awful, and I and I had the I think we just lost Calwatt finally, but I, I got the vibe at that table just like I was running awful. Everyone probably saw me as like a guy who just sucks because I was like losing every hand, and I was circling the drain, and then I got a lucky all in to stay alive, like a very lucky all in to stay alive. I think it was like ace jack against uh, kings against uh, jacks, and I and uh, something like that. I got two jacks. 
No, it wasn't. It was Ace Jack against Kings against uh, against Ace King. That's what it was. So I got two Jacks to to win. And uh, anyway, I got moved off that table to a different table, and it was a totally different vibe there. And of course, nobody had the. I didn't have the bad table image there. And there I started to chip back up until I finally took a three-outer bad beat all in, which would have been a huge pot. But the, the point is that uh, Matt Affleck was at the new table, and he was uh, he was very pleasant to play with. So uh, I have nothing against him. But I but I believe the story. I believe his rail was obnoxious. I believe he didn't do anything about it. I believe it was annoying Luke Rabel, and uh, it's justifiably annoying him. And I think that... Uh, when he complained about it, he became the target, and I think the floor man uh, was out of line there from everything I'm hearing. And I think the fact that it's third- I, I, I think so too. And I think with the third parties backing this up as well, who don't necessarily have any skin in the game, I think that especially seems to uh, say that his account of what happened is probably pretty close to correct. Even if uh, when he came on this show, he was uh, a bit uh, drunk and, and difficult to talk to. So. Oh, and by the way, you're allowed to wear headphones at, at, in the money in final tables now? I, I wondered that, too. They're not at the final table quite yet. Oh, that's why it was. It was 10 Right, but I thought it was after the money. You, have to, you can't have No, they changed that. They, they changed it oh, a few years ago to where they used to, where you couldn't wear headphones that couldn't be on your phone at the table. Then they changed it to where now it's only the final table like that. Got it. So I wondered that at first, too, but then it was the final 10. That was the difference. Okay, let's let's see what else we got here. Let's see what else we have. Uh, let's let's see if we can get Mac Lance on for uh, to talk about uh, both the angle shot and. Uh, well, I'll, I'll explain the angle shot before. By the way, let, let's see if you guys can hear. That may play something. Can, can you guys hear this? One million dollars. Did you hear it? Yep. Yep. Good. Okay. So, I'll talk about uh, the Sam Twill thing that happened with Matt Glance. Then I'll play you something about this, and then we'll call Matt if we can reach him and have him talk about that and also the boycott that he is doing of the 10K horse due to the poor quality of playing cards they're using. So, Matt was the uh, on the receiving end of a brutal angle shot at the uh, 10K Dealer's Choice event. And a very bad ruling by the floor, by the way, on this. So this is what happened. In a uh, no-limit hand, and by the way, Dealer's Choice, some people are confused what that means. Uh, Dealer's Choice does not mean that the actual dealer is choosing the game. A lot of people think that. No, I, I, that would be kind of funny to have. The and I don't mean who the person who's got the button. I mean the actual dealer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just let him randomly That's what I mean. but, pick, but, like, but, you know, yeah, it's the one who midnight gets, baseball. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's the one who's on the button gets to choose of certain games to play. So, uh, yeah, yeah. so anyway, the dealer's choice, uh, whoever had the button said they wanted No Limit Hold'em. So this is a No Limit Hold'em hand at the 10K dealer's choice. Uh, Sam Tuwil, who, by the way, has some bad history in poker. Uh, Phil Galfond called him out in 2016. So this wasn't even that long ago. And if that uh, Phil Galfond calls you, you fucked up. Yeah, th- that yeah. Uh, that Sam Tuwil owed him money and basically wasn't paying. And uh, it really, Sam Tuwil sounded like a scumbag in the story. And in addition to not paying the money he owed, 
uh, Phil Galfon talked about two obvious angle shots that he had witnessed in recent times that Sam Tweel had done. So, so that was already the background on Sam Tweel before any of this happened, that he was known as an angle shooter and a scammer. Now, I guess after calling him out, Sam Tweel finally paid back Phil Galfond. But still, the fact that Phil Galfond had to go to Poker News and, and, and uh, do a whole interview about Sam Tweel screwing him over and being an angle shooter and a scammer, you know this isn't uh, a lovely person, the Sam Tweel. He, he's French, by the way. So Sam Tweel... Uh, was was in a hand with Matt Glantz. And I, I see calls coming in, but we can't take them right now. Uh, so Sam Tweel raised to 4200 Matt Glantz 3-bet to eleven k, And then Sam Tweel grabbed all of his remaining chips, which is 54 k closed-fisted in two hands. So he like, grabbed them all in his hands, closed his fists, and thrust them forward... As if he's going all in, but was careful not to let the chips touch the felt. He just, like, banged them forward and hit his hands on the felt, but the chips are in his hand, so they're te- technically not touching the felt. So he did a, he did a full motion across his, over his cards. His arms were fully extended in a circular motion out front. His fists touched the felt, but the chips didn't. So Matt just thought that means all in. So Matt said, I call, and quickly turned over his hand of ace-king. Well, it turned out that Sam Tuil only had ace-jack, so you don't, want, you don't want to have that board run out for all your chips. So at that point, Sam Tuil said, oh, oh, I never actually went all in. I, I put my chips out of my hands, but I, I hadn't put them on the felt yet. So no, I, I don't want it to be all in. So, of course, Matt Glantz was outraged by this. Of course, Matt Glantz uh, couldn't believe this, that... Uh, this this angle shot just happened. That he actually grabs all his chips, moves them forward, uh, you know, puts his hands down on the table, but just hasn't actually put the chips on the felt yet to make Macklin uh. think he's going all in. And then once he sees a better hand, uh, then he takes it back. Oh no, actually, I'm not going all in. So uh, what a scumbag. you know. If, if I'm playing a 10k event, I'd be like, really? Yeah, I know. You know, it's... really, bro? You're gonna you're gonna pull that here? Yeah, I mean, come on. I know. That's that's awful. So. Uh, so then, uh, of course, the floor was called. Would you believe that the floor ruled in Sam Tewil's favor? Because apparently the World Series of Poker rule states that chips are not considered bet unless they leave your hand. So you can put your you can make any motion you want as long as the chips are still in your hand. Somehow that's okay. Even if you totally simulate an all-in bet the way you're moving your arms... And just make sure those chips don't leave your hand and touch the felt. Then you can claim you never bet. So, of course, Glantz uh, continued to protest. He was loudly complaining about it, but everything stood. And what's especially ridiculous about this whole thing is that they didn't say that Sam Tuil got to take all his... Got to take that raise back. They didn't say, "Okay, well, it goes back to forty-two hundred. You, you can do what you want at this point." They actually said, "The ruling is that it's a call to eleven thousand," <laughs> and that makes no sense. I mean, how does that make any sense? Because it's either an all-in, which it should be, or it's a, it's a no bet, 
to where it's it's back to forty two hundred, and he can decide what he wants to do from that. Where it's back to he did forty two hundred, Matt went to eleven k, and he's back to deciding what to do at that point. It's, it's either that or an all in. How how could it be a call? I mean, it looks like they're trying to pick like a middle ground, but you don't pick a middle ground. You pick the right thing. So that was a horrible ruling. I don't know where they'd even come up with this. this it's just a call. So even worse, there was no warning or penalty on Sam Tuwil for pulling this angle shot. So Glantz tried to reason, look, this is bad for poker. What you're doing is you're ruling... In favor of the angle shooter You're saying what he did is okay And he can keep doing this Because he's he knows this rules in his favor And he can keep screwing with players Keep angling players This is very bad for the game Accurate He needs to stop Instead you're ruling You're, you're just going by the, the letter of the rules And you're not, you're not ruling with the spirit of the game And as I was saying before There's a lot of leeway In tournament rulings Where, where basically they can decide Their own interpretation of the rules and and the player can't do much about it. So they could have said to Sam Tawil a lot of things. They could have said, we don't like this. This looks like a big angle shot. You're disqualified. They could have done that. They could have said, this is a clear angle shot. We're, you, we're ruling it all in. Uh, they could have said, um, if they let this stand where the guy got to take his chip, he shouldn't have been able to. But if he did, they could have at the very least said to him, okay, we're giving you a warning and noting this down. That if this ever happens again, you're banned from the World Series forever. Any any time we think you're angling ever again, you're gone forever. They could have said that, or they could have even given him a penalty. But they did none of this. All they did is rule he had to just call the 11K. And then what happened? He actually won the hand too, because the uh, uh, you know he got to. First of all, he didn't uh, show his ace jack yet, so. He got to see Glance's ace king without Glance knowing what he had, and they got to play the hand that way, which is awful. Yeah, he flopped an open ender. And then he flopped an open ender, got it, was it queen in. Queen ten nine or something. Yeah, it was like queen ten that. nine, right? And they got it in. Glance lost. Now, the only positive to this was that Tuil, despite winning that pot, didn't last that long and went out and didn't cash in this, and Glance was still in the event. I don't know if he ended up cashing or not, but he lasted longer than Tuil. But this guy is a known angle shooter, a known scammer, who now is angle shooting again at the World Series. And and there's got to be some common sense at this point. And say, okay, the guy has a reputation for this. And I understand not banning someone on reputation, but he has a reputation for this. And oh, lo and behold, he's done this again. The guy with a reputation for angling and scamming is angling. So... Just like Seth said in, in his letter to the Hashtag King, we're a private company. We, we can basically allow people here or not allow people here at our discretion. So they should say to him, we don't want this crap here. We don't want people doing this type of thing. You are already known for this. You already have a reputation for this. And here we caught you doing it again. So either you're like if, if they just banned him. Based on this story, you think there'd be a lot of people sympathizing with him. You think of people saying, oh, man, you were too tough on him here. No, I'm sure this is a totally. Uh, I'm sure this was totally a, a, an honest mistake. You guys were tough on. And I bet everyone would be cheering if they banned this guy. Like, who, who's going to ever object to this guy being banned from the World Series if they caught him doing this? Because it's obvious what he was doing. Yeah. But if and Andy's done it before, right. I mean the the thing to do 
I realize that this wouldn't be uh, maybe the purest ruling, but it would feel nice. Is just you know let the guy keep whatever he had behind and give uh, give the money that was in there to glance. You know. Yeah, that's another way. There's a lot of ways to punish the angle shooters. I mean, or they just disqualify him from the tournament. Say we don't like this type of behavior here. We, we feel this is angle shooting and cheating, and uh, we're just not going to allow this. By the way, there's people. Someone's trying to hammer this with a call over and over again. Whoever you are, please stop doing that. I, people, for some reason, this is the second time this happened tonight. Two different people have been is hammering it not me. Glance? I don't think so. That doesn't look like his phone number. In fact, it's not. It's not McElance. But there's, right. there's been two different people tonight that have hammered me with like 20 calls in a row. It's not going to make me any more likely to answer your calls. In fact, <laughs> anybody that hammers me with calls like that, I'm just not going to take their call the whole night. In fact, I may just block their phone number for good. Don't do that to me here. I, I understand you're trying to call in. I understand you want to talk on here. First of all, we've got a problem with the phones tonight and last week because of the new Skype version. Okay. And, I, and I, I couldn't help but upgrade the Skype version because the old ones will no longer work. So I'm stuck with this. I'm trying to find ways to make it work. But you know, to, to take a call, what I have to do is, is hang up on the person, call them right back. But if we're in the middle of talking about something, don't hammer me with 25 phone calls in a row. It's distracting. It, it and I think if they have something relevant for the topic, text you, and then you'll call right, them back. Right, right. Yeah. Jeez, I mean, like, come on, you people. Twice that we haven't had this in a while. It's not two different. Now you know what it's like to be a really good-looking teenage girl. <laughs> the guys are just got you on speed dial, and they're calling you over and over again until you pick up. Maybe she didn't hear it the first time. This person just calls again too. Uh, from the five <laughs> from the five oh five, here is a uh, text message. Take their call and bitch them out. Well, I can't because we won't be able to hear them. That's the worst part. I can't even. I want to do that, but I, then we won't be able to hear them. I'd have to hang up and call them uh, back. Uh, Glance screwed. Got screwed, but at the same time, I don't get the cool kid snap call move that would have been avoided if Glance literally waited two seconds. I think the guy was actually going all in, but Glance snapped before he even dropped the chips, and naturally the guy retracted his chips. Sick angle, but could have been avoided. I understand that. I um, mean, that is a good point. Because, I understand you know, that. With all the bullshit, especially if you knew of his past, you just got to wait till people put the chips in, period. Their hands are, you know, the hands on. The, the dealer says all in. The chips are on the felt. Yeah, I, I, you know, and I know what you're saying. And I, I have, I'm usually pretty deliberate in my decision making when I see something like someone goes all in. Like I'll even like take her and go, "That's all in over there." Is that all in? Like I, sometimes I must sound like an idiot because it's obvious. But I, I I'm always worried there's going to be some kind of angle shooting or just confusion on my part that I think something's all in. It isn't. I just don't want to make that mistake. So that is well, right? Because look, if they're not saying all in, and if they're not like sliding their chips in, then it's something different than that. Yeah, yeah, right. And you don't know what it is, and usually it's not, but a lot of times it is. Now, what if the guy just put two thumbs up? (laughs) Oh, two thumbs up is a race, and tossed one chip in, Druff. Yeah. (laughs) By the way, from the nine one five area, that abusive. WSOP floor man is in the Luke, Luke Vrabel case should be fired. And then he also says, uh, Druff regales with another epic customer service correction story. Thanks, Druff. From the 716, this one's asking you a question, Calwat. He's, can you ask Calwat if he knows about this Walenda woman who's doing this stunt hanging from her teeth over the Niagara Falls tomorrow? We'll be there to see this. Do you know anything about this? No. Okay. I never even heard about it. And uh, that's right. I mean, maybe. Uh, well, 
fuck? Maybe I'll drive down there and check it out. Yeah. Well, Landa, I'm going to look it up. W-A-L-E-N-D-A is the way that person spelled it. I haven't heard of this either. So here's here's a little clip from uh, Poker News, uh, an interview they had with Glantz about this, and Mike Matisau was with Glantz and uh, very much on his side. Now, yesterday right, as I was I, scrolling I through the blog, I read possibly one of the craziest angle shoots I've ever seen in all of the land. To Matt Glantz, you were there. So I, first of all, let's get the story from the horse's mouth. What happened? All right, so Sam, uh, it was no limit. Sam opened the pot to 4,200. I three-bet it to 11,000 with ace-king. And it goes back to him, and I'll show you exactly what he did. So, What's the dance music in the background? Why, why, why do we have to have that? <laughs> Come on. I, I want to hear the situation. I don't want I, I, I don't want to feel like there's a disco ball spinning over my head while I'm hearing Mac Lance tell me the story. What is Poker News doing with this? It's on him. Three bet is to him, and it's his action. He takes his chips, puts them in his fist like this, goes like this, pulls them back. I'm sorry. He goes like this. I then call. and Snap, turn, call with I call, turn over, turn over my cards, and then he goes like this. I'm not all in. And I said, what, I said, what the fuck's going on? What, what's going on here? And he said, my chips didn't, didn't touch the felt, which is true. His chips didn't touch the felt, but if they're going to let people angle this shoot is, like that, that's I would what he angle shoot, but This is what he did. But like exactly he could do that every turn. And nobody, everyone agreed that's what he did. Everyone at the table agreed, and uh, the World Series officials went by the rules. Didn't, the, the chips didn't touch the felt. There's no forward motion rule at the World Series, and uh, they'd rather go by the rules rather than protect the interest of the but game. There's more the to it. The this is the same scumbag that fucked Phil Goff on out of $300,000 uh, three years ago and stole it from him. So there that's, you go. That's Mike Madison. There you go. So the official rule, though, there's no... So forward motion is a rule some places, but that's not the rule here. So so correct. So what they ruled is, this is the best. So what they, we had... He, I had him covered, but, but he, he, had about, he had about 55000 or something like that in his stack. So my three bet was to 11000 So what they ruled is he must call, even though my hands face up, he must call, and now we're going to continue the hand. So now we each have 11000 He has like 40 thousand back, and now he knows my hand. We get to see the flop, and now he can act, knowing we can play the hand. So basically I'm being double penalized. So- yeah, so that, yeah, that's a good point too. I mean, to, make, to force Matt to play the hand out face up with the other guy's hand is face down is brutal. That's, that's very unfair to him too. Uh, was the music as distract? Was the music as distracting to you as it was to me during this story? Not really. I guess it's because you do all the multitasking. To me, I just I don't like hearing stuff like that when I'm trying to concentrate on the story. I don't want to hear. But I'm assuming it was in the background. They didn't like add it. No, they added it. No, they added they it added here. It right? Yes, that's the worst thing. They added it. Just like yeah, you, you you can't just listen to the interview. It's not interesting enough to hear Matt Glantz talking about being angle shot. We've got to have the dance music in the background. There's got to be the electronic dance yeah, music. I've to, heard that in some other interviews they've been doing. So they're definitely adding it. it. It's loud too. It's it's not even a it's not even like a very very soft background thing. It's it's enough to where you actively hear it. Listen to this. So that's the ruling. So we call. Oh, now it got softer. I want to go back earlier. Senior, listen. Three bet is to him, and it's his action. He takes his chips, puts them in his fist like that's pretty loud (laughs) it's almost loud enough to where you're having a hard time hearing glance because they're playing that you didn't spend a lot of time at dance clubs or anything Drew? no not not very much time occasionally but not not very often yeah that that explains it you know 
I, I don't see why that matters here. Well, you'd learn to tune it out, is what I'm saying. Okay. You know what? You know what I hated to places like that is it, it, the music was always so loud that if you wanted to talk to a girl there or something, like every conversation is like uh, you're saying, "So where are you from? What? Where are you from? Where am I? What?" And you're like, it, "It's so hard to have a conversation there. It's just you feel like you don't even want to talk." And well, rough. I mean, I think just about every guy in there hates going there, but they go there because all the girls are there. I know, but <laughs> yeah, it's not like everyone, anyone loved it. I, I, mean, I, I, just, I felt like I had a hard time making progress with anything with all that. I, I can't even talk. They can't even hear me. So I just, I said, screw it. Anyway. Uh, I did find some information okay. on Daredevil Wolanda. So you let me know whenever you want to talk go, about it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let's, let's hear about it. I mean, it's Wait, just, is, uh, and that's, is that the family? Isn't it like the family? Yeah, they have a whole troop. Yeah. So her her husband apparently did a tightrope walk across from the the uh, Canadian side to the American side of Niagara Falls, uh, just on a tightrope with nothing else, uh, like five years ago. And uh, it says right here that uh, Daredevil trapeze artist. Irendira Walenda says she'll be tethered to a helicopter Thursday as it flies over Niagara Falls, hanging on by only her toes and teeth. <laughs> and it says Walenda uh, discussed her plans for the, the 20s, stunt during a news conference Wednesday morning on the American side of the falls. As long as there's no lightning, I'll perform, Walenda said. I'll always try to go out and practice in the worst weather possible. Hmm. So and apparently they're actually they're taking off. I was going to go actually. I would have gone down to check it out, but it, it says that uh, Walenda will take off from the parking garage of the Seneca Niagara Resort and Casino at eight thirty a.m. on Thursday. Oh. I ain't getting down there by no eight thirty a.m. And how long does it so, take you to get to Niagara Falls? Like like an hour from where you are? Uh yeah, about about an hour, an hour, hour and a half. Some yeah, around there, about an hour. Um. And the the she's like a ballerina in the air. Nick Walenda said that's her husband. She'll perform a series of tricks. We expect it to last five to seven minutes, or maybe even shorter if she falls. <laughs> <laughs> I added that. Obviously, that's too bad. I should have been in there. I, I just I just texted Mac Lance. Hopefully he's around. Well, that's, that's, I'm just going to watch this one on TV, man. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm not going to drive no hour, hour and a half just to watch five or seven minutes from a distance. Yeah, each way. Yeah, exactly. So I'll start talking about the playing card issue, and then maybe Matt Glantz is there. Maybe he's not. I texted him. Maybe we waited till late. But the it's for, it be for some reason, they, the playing cards – have long dogged the World Series as a problem. And it seems like something that should be relatively simple. Once they find a type of playing card that they like, that are working, that the players like, that seems sufficient, they should stick with them. And they don't have to squeeze every penny out of every possible angle, meaning that if another playing card company comes forward and wants to do some kind of marketing partnership or sponsorship with the World Series that's more lucrative than the previous company they were using, the answer should be no, we're happy with our cards, we're not going to mess with it. Unfortunately, for whatever reason, they don't stick with the same cards. They, they keep trying new things. It's really the ultimate case of if it works, don't fix it. So this goes back all the way to 2007, 
10 years ago, and we talked about this last week, when they introduced the awful Poker Peak cards, which were supposed to be designed for use at poker tables, but it was very difficult to tell the difference between the 6 and the 9. Players misread their hands. The suit symbols were tiny and hard to read those. And uh, they were fucking terrible. They were awful. They were absolutely terrible. And uh, that was my my favorite thing. I think you might have mentioned this last week, but uh, at, at one point, uh, Matt Matisau. Yeah, uh, I was there. Sorry, Mike Matisau stood up yes. in the middle of the tournament. And, and objected. Says, floor, floor. We got a problem. Floor. Yeah. Floor. I object. I object. These suck. Yeah, I object. These cards <laughs> fucking suck. Floor. I have an objection. That's hilarious. That was like the first of, first open event of the year. So, <laughs> by the way, I, I it was a five k mixed hold'em event, and I went out on one of the very first hands. I was actually the second person out. The only person ahead of me out was Lindgren somehow, but I think it was the second <laughs> hand of the tournament. And the worst thing was I had fours, somebody else had eights, somebody else had aces in the no limit part, and the flop, the flop came eight four two. So that was mm. the end of me. That was very tough. So uh, the uh, the cards uh, in two thousand seven, after everyone hated the Poker Peak cards, they were replaced uh, in the middle of the series with just regular chem cards, and everybody was happy. You think that would be the end of it? You think they whatever cards they replaced them with in the middle of two thousand seven that everyone was happy with? You think they'd bring it back in 08, 09, 10, etc.? Well, no. Uh, again, more recently, there started to be card issues. In 2015, they made some kind of partnership with a manufacturer called Modiano from Italy. Modiano actually makes really good cards, too. That's the tilting thing. Um, the, the cards that they ended up making were fucking terrible, but they, they make some of the best thickest cards around. That's what's weird. Yeah, I was reading about how these were you know, supposed to be good cards, and then they weren't. I didn't understand that. So, anyway, Modiano... Mo- does, like, th- those are the preferred cards that I use for the game that I run, and I've okay. been through every brand of card you can That's imagine. That's weird. They're really good. I wonder what happened there. So, yeah, in 2015, the Modiano cards were... Well, what they provided were not the cards that I get. They're, they're, they're like... A sixteenth of the thickness. Maybe it was the World Series being cheap, or maybe Modiano was being cheap because this was just a partnership. And yeah, had, so. I guarantee you it was one or the other. So the cards were very thin, and they were easily marked, uh, especially unintentionally, where just people, the way people would handle the cards would start to mark them. A good example was on uh, games like Deuce to Seven, where it's focused on low hands that uh, the low cards were handled a lot more often than the high cards. So eventually, uh, they, they got marked up that way, not even intentionally, but that's just what happened from use. And then uh, and they started getting you know, marks and creases on them, so then people were able to see anytime they had those marks and creases, it must be a low card, which was a huge edge, so that was a big problem. So there was a lot of complaints about that, and in the middle of the 2015 World Series, they replaced the cards again, uh, ditched the Modiano cards, got cards that, once again, were... Uh, I don't know if they were chem cards, but whatever it was, the the new cards were liked much better, and everybody was happy. So you, doesn't this cost more? Yeah, and then and then here's the weird thing. So you think, okay, this just happened in 2015. You would think that the cards should be fine now. You think that they've they've learned their lesson. They should be fine. No, for some reason, 
uh, the, the cards are an issue again. For some reason, the cards are are thin. They're easily marked. Very similar to the Modiano cards. These are not the Modiano cards, but the, very similar to that. Uh, the, the cards are again getting unintentionally marked. There's constant requests to replace them when this keeps happening. It keeps slowing down events. It's annoying players. There's concerns that players who just don't have a good eye for these things or their vision isn't as good, they just can't notice, and there's an edge to those who can notice. So, the World Series does replace decks as soon as any... Glant says he can take a call. Okay, so I'll, I'll call him. But uh, there's been complaints about this from the start of the 2017 World Series. I don't know why they can't just stick with cards that seem to work. We're in. It's been at the Rio now for uh, this is the 13th year. This is the 13th year at the Rio. How can they not have playing cards that they trust? It's not like in 2017. There's a different requirement for cards than in 2005. There isn't a card that was good in 2005 is good in 2017. So. I don't understand why this is so tough to get right year after year after year. It's really, really, really weird. So Matt Glantz is so frustrated, he's actually boycotting an event. And we're going to call him up, and he is going to tell us about the boycott, why he's boycotting. We know it has to do with the cards, but why he's choosing the boycott as the way to handle this. And... Anything else that he wants to tell us? He's a frequent listener to this show. He listens to every episode, but he's not on here very often. First time caller? I think so. Hello? Matt Glance, is that you? What's up, Josh? Hello, so uh, welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. And I was just thinking, have you ever actually been on this show before? No, I don't think so. I don't think so, I'm yeah. actually, I'm trying to... Could go a quiet place. I'm in the yard and sleeping in a poker game when you guys call. So, trying to find a quiet place. Okay, okay. So yeah, we've we've talked about your your situations. We talked about the Sam Tuwil thing, and uh, now we're talking about this issue with the playing cards, which which I just don't understand why they can't get it right. I this is something that it seems like they go through so often. They replace the cards mid series. Everybody seems happy, and then they go right back to the same problem. I just don't get it. Uh, what is your take on this? And, and I heard something about a boycott that you're uh, going to do in response to this. Well, I'm certainly not doing a boycott, but I passed on a few events. I didn't play the last three 10K events, and I'm not going to play the one tomorrow, uh, only because I just feel like I'm at such a disadvantage with those kind of cards. My eyes are terrible. Like I, I had cataract surgery this year. My eyes are real bad. So I'm hard. But some of my good friends... Uh, you know, like a Jesse Martin, or even like John Monet, Angry John, like those guys just have such a big advantage seeing marks in the cards that really don't have to play against them. And even if, you know, there's like the two guys I mentioned, they're real honest guys, would never cheat, but it's going to be hard for them to ignore the fact that they're going to see marks in the cards when they're involved in a hand. Right. No, I understand so there's a lot you, of guys right. like that that have really sharp eyes and have a real big advantage right now with the cards the way they are. Right, and you and you can't. Uh, it's funny you bring them up. They both won bracelets this year too. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, well, I was trying to bet on, on both. Those, I was trying to bet on both those guys before the uh, single draw event, the 10K single draw the, the other day. Uh, I think it was like four days ago, 
And I was like, you know what? I want to bet on both those guys because they're both great players, but not only that, but they, they just have the best eyes. And I know that for a single draw, that's the most important game for Mark Hartz. Yeah, that's true. Wow, that's, that's an interesting that's, way. That's the one I think John wants. So. Yeah, so that's that's very disturbing. I tried to look for these uh, when I played Limit Hold'em uh, uh, two days ago you know, and yesterday. I, middle of the hand, and I, somebody draws one on the end, and I notice Mark, you know, what are you, you going to say in the middle of the hand? Like, you're just going to have to go with it. There's so many marks and so many cards. You're just going to have to make your best decision based on what's going on in that hand. Now, one of those guys, if they see a mark on a card, can say something after the hand's over. But during that hand, you can't just um, automatically tell your opponent that I see a mark on your card every time, every single hand. And that's what's going on right now. Now, uh so anyway, have you, have you have you heard anything about the World Series replacing these cards at any point soon? So I heard they might. Uh oh, you still here? Or an old an old group of decks? You guys there? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yep. We, we we had some background noise. Go, go ahead. Okay. Okay. So I heard for tomorrow for the 10K horse, they might use an old deck from like 2005 or an old group of decks with. Uh, so the cards will be at least. Um, but they're all cards, which is fine as long as they're decent cards. I don't really care. I'm not picky on cards as long as they're good quality and you know just add just standard uh, industry standard cards that are used at every other casino in the country. Wait, so you say, you they say, might you go back to those tomorrow. You, they may go back to an old deck from 2005. You're saying? Yeah, an old in an old series of decks from wow. 2005 they had left in the warehouse. Wow, so they're going to use 12 year old cards tomorrow and replace the new ones? Yeah, I don't. I mean, who? I don't care that they're 12 year olds. 12 years old is, you know, they've never been open. They're probably still in, in the cellophane or whatever, but um, as long as they're legit. Uh, but I already made plans, like, I, I, I already made plans tomorrow to go to Access uh, and see, uh, what's it called, Chain Smokers. So, I'm, so unfortunately, because of the way the cards are, and I don't know for sure whether they're, uh, they're going to be good or bad, I just, I just made other plans. And I'll, but I'm going to give them another week. I think the next 10K I'd want to play is next, probably next Friday or Saturday. It's a 10K stud 8, and if if the cards are replaced or we have good cards, I'm happy to play. I would love to. I don't want to miss ten Ks. I love the World Series. Yeah, uh, but it, so it's, anyway. it's funny you mentioned the two, the 2005 thing. Just because you came on, just before you came on, I said I don't understand why they can't get this right. This has been running since 05, and, and a good card in 05 would still be a good card in 2017. So why can't they yeah, just the why can't they just find something that works, which they have many times, and stick to it? Why are there so many changes? And I, I think the the cards this year are, are Copag cards, right? Yeah, Copag. Yeah. So I I don't know why so, there's twisting. So, let me just say from an standpoint, I understand because I'm on uh, casinos with Rush Street Gaming, which I'm involved in. Wait, well, hold on, uh, Matt. We're having trouble uh, hearing you. The yeah. reception reception's not very good. Okay. Uh, All right, let me walk to a better place. It's it's gotten better right now. Okay, so from an operator standpoint, and I, I'm on that side of the business also. I'm not only a player, but I'm also an operator because I'm sold for Rush Street Gaming. We have four casinos with three poker rooms, and and we have problems like this all the time. But you get them fixed, and I know it's frustrating, and it's not always the it's not always going to be the World Series uh, fault. It's sometimes going to be the manufacturer, and sometimes it's going to be a lack of due diligence in the World Series, checking the cards or whatever, but whatever, they need to get it fixed. And from an operator standpoint, it's very frustrating, I understand, from their point of view. But from a customer standpoint, 
it sucks for me because as a customer, I want to play the 10Ks. I want to play big events. And I want to, I'm here in the summer only, you know, once a year, Vegas, to play the tournaments. It just doesn't make any sense to me that they can't come up with playing cards that work, that everybody's happy with, and then either order a, a massive number of them, which will be good for many years, or come up with some deal with that company to where they're going to buy those exact cards manufactured the exact same way, the standard's not going to change over the years, that these are the cards we want, please keep making for us every year, or again, if, they, if they're afraid of that changing, buy so many and store them somewhere that they have enough cards to play for the next 10 years. Something like that. It's just I don't know why they keep changing. It's so strange and it's so frustrating, and this shouldn't be happening. Well, look, they could have alleviated the problem from the beginning of the World Series. We knew right away the first couple of days we were complaining, and they could have put out a statement. And if the World Series put out a statement and just said, "Look, we screwed up," or the manufacturer screwed up, whatever, but please be gentle with the cards until we get new cards, ordering new cards, and we'll be here in a week or. In days or whatever it is, but please, in the meantime, do your best to not mark the cards, and we'll, and we'll do, our, do our best to get them the new ones here as quickly as possible. But they didn't do anything like that. Well, what they did, which really pissed me off, was last week they put out a statement through Poker News, um, an article that said it was a statement from the World Series that said we don't. These are the same cards, the same width, the same density, the same quality as last year. We didn't have any problems last year. That was their statement. You go. Well, that. I doesn't it doesn't it just makes it so it makes it sound so crazy to me. Yeah, they shouldn't they say that. that. I, obviously, with so many people noticing this this year and not last year, that there is something different. Even if they think they're the same, they're not. And and that that's why they they really just they need to have have the same thing year after year and make sure it's the identical cards and make sure that they're good. And and if they find something they like, maybe the solution is just buy a whole lot of them. Buy a whole lot to where you're not going to run out for a very, very long time. Store them somewhere, and that's it. Because this is an ongoing problem, and it's very stupid, and it's embarrassing for the World Series that this should be an issue, especially more than once. Very embarrassing. And not only that, but you, you have to realize, we, you know, Druff, you, me, Andrew, we all play all over the country all year round. The cash, tournaments, whatever. You don't have these problems anywhere. So it's like it's really just the World Series that's having these problems with the cards in the last few years, and it's that's a good point. Yeah, it's a good point. It's happening. That's a good point that this doesn't seem can, to happen elsewhere. So, well, so but the industry in fairness, industry has standards. In fairness, everywhere everywhere else, they're not having so many people play so many games at the same time, right? But I'm yeah, sure I don't see that, what that what does that do with the, with the cards, though. What does that have to do with the quality of the cards? Well, I think. I think I'm sure what it is is that they get a new sponsor, and the sponsor says, "Sure, we'll provide you with the cards for the whole World Series." You know, here's the promotion package, and then the sponsor, it, you know, they're, they'll be like, they'll give them the cheapest cards they can possibly get away with. But you would think that they, the World Series, would uh, you know have someone take a look at these cards before they actually use them, and before they accept okay, them. Well, two things on that. Okay, so. They, when they order cards, there's a density, quality, you know, there's like, I think, I think the cards they have this year are 0.8, whatever, millimeters, I don't even know what, it's, what it is, 0.8 something. Most cards in the industry are 0.11, most good cards. Right. And most casinos have the same ones all year round. Whether they switch manufacturers or whatever, they're always going to have the same density, the same, uh, I don't even know the, all the attributes you go through, but they should have minimum standards. And not only that, but they, at least for, for me as an operator, I wouldn't want to, to deliver any cards to the players through poker 
that I would also be able to comfortable with running in my blackjack games in the pit. And well, if, that's just, that's just put it, my, Matt. That's just it, because like when I a couple of years when I was there, when they had really shitty thin cards, if you would went up to the Rio and uh, the, where they actually have a very small poker room there, they actually had nice cards there. <laughs> so it was just at the World Series that they had the, those shit cards. So they're obviously making a bit a business decision that's probably financial right. or, or some other reason that's not in the you know protecting the game and i think they need to realize that, that the integrity game becomes before you know the amount of money they're spending on cards or whatever sponsorship they're getting and they have to have minimum standards and i, I think i have a feeling they're going to realize that after this summer because it's been another disaster with with the cards um you know other than that they wrote uh world series it's a great venue that they have jack and ty that those guys work hard and it's it's an impossible job they have a million things all year round to get repaired so many things can go wrong. Unfortunately, this is one of those things that they, they can't go wrong. It's not like they're charging too much for hot dogs. Like if they're charging too much for hot dogs and people complain, whatever, that's their that's their issue. But this is the integrity of the game. This is the playing poker. Have bad cards at the World Series of Poker it just doesn't work. Yeah, but I agree. But, they are they are charging too much for hot dogs. I said seven dollars fifty cents for a damn hot dog in, in that cart. I said, you got to be kidding me. I Drew, I'll bet you next can, year. But, next year the cards. <laughs> If you hold them up to the light, you'll be able to see through them and see the and read the card. <laughs> I'll bet the cards. I'll bet the cards are good. They're out with that. You know, he's telling so. me they're, they're going to fix them. They probably will, because so. it's, it's been two of the last three years. I think there probably is going to be enough outrage that this is going to stop. And I, I, I'm guessing what's happening here is it's a it's a marketing partnership, and they're just trusting that they're going to get good cards. They're probably not paying anything for them. They may even be getting paid. For, for having these cards from a particular manufacturer, and I then think that's the way it works. And then and then they don't yeah. then they don't have any kind of uh, they're they're not doing any kind of quality control that they should be doing. And now they're finally realizing, okay, I think maybe they even believed that since last year went okay, they didn't bother to check this year because it worked last year. Why isn't it going to work this year? Well, may, maybe the, they just degraded the quality of this company, the Copag. Maybe they decided to. Uh, make cheaper cards and, and save some yeah. money here, and they thought they'd get they away. They definitely with it. do, but I mean, think about it, Druff. They this is a a marketing partnership, and Copag or Modiano or whoever it is, they pay the World Series for this partnership in part because of the fact that they can say the official cards of the World Series of Poker and all that other kind of stuff, but also because they're exposing this their brand to you know the mecca of people that are coming there to play poker. But when they deliver the shit cards, people's impression is going to be terrible. They're going to be like, oh, Copag, yeah, I played with those shit cards. I'm not going to get those. You know? It's very short sighted. It is right. It is. It is. So short. Yeah. So So I I also, two two years ago, when they had the real bad problem with the cards then, and and we had to get new cards during the middle of the summer, you know, I I wrote that thing up with the the World Series and suggested to Jack and Ty that they. They have a players council for these things. And one of the things in that was that uh, every spring before the World Series, they should have a, a small group of high limit mixed game players, guys that know the cards know, and, and, and really have them look at the cards as a once over just to make sure that, that they pass their quality and pass them to just exactly John Manet, Manetti and Jesse Martin as two of the examples back two years ago because they have the best eyes. I said, if, you, if they pass the test, if you give them a deck of cards, you know, they can come in, they'll, they'll be happy to help you out. And if it tests their test, then it'll, they'll be, it's not going to know. You, you know, you can't have an operator check. Right. Play. And that's, 
there's a lot of reasons why you yeah. Also, I, I, I'm not boycotting. Okay, let's. I, I don't want it to be like I'm boycotting or trying to get other people not. But it's not like that. What I'm doing is I'm not. I'm choosing not to play these events because I feel like I'm going to be at a big disadvantage uh, with these cards, and I'm choosing to just stay at the Ari and block. Yeah, I, I, because you know the, the cards are the cards are real. The, I feel comfortable, and and until they fix the cards at, at the Rio, I'm going to stay over here and play. Pat- no, no, I, I understand. It, it, it makes sense. It makes sense for these 10Ks. You don't want people who do have uh, a better ability to see defects in the cards to have that edge over you. Even and you can't unsee what you see. So if these guys see something right. on a card that that indicates uh, you know, the marking indicates it's probably one that was handled a lot, which gives them an idea which what it probably is. Uh, they can't get it out of their brain. Oh wait, I didn't see that. I'm going to pretend I didn't see. That. They can't do that. Once they see it, they they know what it is. Much like if someone flashes you their card accidentally, you can't get that out of your head. Even if you feel you shouldn't know that, once you know it, you know it. So I, I understand what Not you're to doing. Mention that when you have these cards that are really bad quality and they get marked up consistently by random players who are unintentionally doing it. It makes it that much easier for people that with ill intentions. To yes. purposely mark the cards in certain ways because it's masked by all the other markings and it just looks like it's part of all, you know part of the normal markup of the cards. Yeah, so yeah, it's just so, all around right. it's really so, bad for so, the, so, so, the game. Yeah, you don't so you don't even know when they are marked if if there was something that was done uh, intentionally to cheat. You don't know if there's a cheater at the table or if it's just the normal uh, wear and tear on the cards that happens incredibly easily. So that's, it's a very bad situation. I, I understand your complaint and everybody else's complaints here, and it's too bad because. This is the best year I've seen in in recent history of the World Series, uh, as far as uh, fails and mistakes they could be making. They, they've done a pretty good job this year, with a few exceptions, but a pretty good job overall running everything this year. This is the one glaring problem that they've had and have not addressed yet, even though we're uh, more than two weeks in. Totally agree. I think they're doing a fantastic job overall. So it's just a shame that this one thing is just so important and such a you know, a, a big thing. It's just a minimal thing that could make the World Series that much better and make it legit. But until then, I'm just not going to be a part of it. Yeah. Okay, now, but one more Well, thing. there is one other thing, though, Matt, and I want to hear your uncensored take on this scumbag that tried to angle you. Yeah, yeah I was about to ask that, too. Oh, so, Sam, I actually just walked by him about an hour ago. Oh, really? Did you, uh, did gave you me kick a him? Pump. No, he gave me a fist bump, like like we're boys, whatever. But you know, he plays big big mix games, and he plays big big mix games in the in the uh, Bellagio all the time. And he he doesn't have the best reputation, and I should have known better. Like I shouldn't have, uh, you know, just I should have acted so fast when he did his move. But I can tell you, it's reviewed, and it's it's clearly an angle. It's not like unintentional, and it's it's not like uh you know just he's trying to pump fake or something. He took all of his remaining chips, all of his remaining chips, and put two stacks, one in each fist, and then moved his hands forward in a circular motion and, and touched the table with his bottom of his hand, but the bottom chip didn't actually touch the table on either. So when he did that, I said, I call, and I turned my hand over like he's all in. So then he said, no, all in. You know, basically the, t- the chips didn't touch the, the felt. It was my fist, you know, that kind of thing. And that's the letter of the rule, and it, it's unfortunate that the World Series will allow that you know people to take shots and not protect the interests of the, of the players. No, that's so, awful. You know, I, that's I was unfortunate, saying, but I, I think 
we'll try to get that fixed this year. Yeah, I think they, they and they need to just put an end to that. When it, when there's someone who seems to be an angle shooter and they're getting the strong suspicion that that's what's happening. They don't need 100% proof, just a very strong suspicion that someone's attempting to shoot angles at these events. There needs to be a very, very strong warning to this person that if this ever, first there should be penalties, they should they should not rule in their favor, they should use common sense with that, but beyond that, they should tell these people, if this even happens one more time, you're banned from the World Series for life. One more time. One more time we have to come over and rule on a possible angle shot on you, uh, that you're just gone. So be very careful in the future with what you do. That's when they need to tell these people, not protect them and not rule in their favor. And that, that will help the game. It's common sense should always overrule the rules. So you don't want to ever make a ruling that's not in the interest of the game, the integrity of the game. And that, and that's what they did here. And, and I understand that that's, I, I spoke to some floor guys, some shift supervisors afterwards. And they, you know, Jack has a, hard, fast rule with them that they have to follow the letter of the rules, the letter of the law. Um, he doesn't want them making judgment calls. I guess he doesn't trust them. I don't know what it is, but I, I assume it's that he doesn't trust it. He doesn't have enough people he can trust, so he just wants them to go by the, the, the letter of the law, and that's where they're going to go for, for the time being. And that's what happened. Yeah, it's too bad. They just they just have the wrong attitude about it. They, they really needs to be, the, the, the angle shooters should not be welcome. The angle shooters, there shouldn't be the welcome mat out for them. Now it's one, I understand why they can't ban people just based on their reputation, but they should be aware of this. And anyone who already has a reputation for angle shooting, who now is angle shooting at the World Series, they don't need hundred percent proof. They should just stop and say, "Ah, that's not going to happen here." One more time, one more time. That's it. You're gone. And and who's going to who's going to what who's, I would yeah? And who's going to defend them? Like who is ever going to say, "Oh no, you know what? Uh, yeah, we sh- we should give the angle shooters a few more chances. They they should get a few more shots before they're banned." No, everyone's going to be thrilled to see these guys gone. Correct. And what I think should be done in these situations going forward is, you know, in the middle of the hand, they see the angle, they can, they can review the video, take a few minutes, review the video, make sure it's, it's exactly as said. The whole table agreed what he did. So it wasn't even a question of what he did. But the intent was clear. And I think what you do is you just take his chips out of play immediately and disqualify him from the tournament. Right. Those chips don't even count in that pot. You just take him. That's it. And then yeah. Keep, People won't do it after a while. I agree with that. Disqualify them, and also and also say if this ever happens one more time, you're gone for good, and and uh, that that'll change everything. Once once people think you can't get away with this, and the consequences are so dire for what you're doing, then then those people are they may just stay away from the World Series. And if they do come, yeah, here, and, and look what happened instead. This guy's this guy's fucking walking down the hall, fist pumping glass. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! You know he doesn't think anything wrong happened. Yeah, there, what the fuck? He 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 really doesn't. He doesn't think he did anything wrong. He feels like he followed. The, he went within the rules. He, you know, he he was basically, you know, basically I'm the sucker, and he followed the rules, and and I should have known better. That's basically his theory on it. Yeah, a lot a lot of these angle shooters. A lot of these angle shooters actually talk themselves into believing that that they're not scumbags and they're not uh, doing shady things. They just they, they talk themselves into believing that they're good people. So. Uh, that that sounds like it might be the case here, but th- yeah, this guy he has a history. He just he did something here which was clearly a, a, a brutal angle shot, and th- this is what shouldn't be welcome here. And hopefully, that's another thing they will improve is their response to this sort of thing, and to understand that uh, not only is it fair and right, but that 
the public will be behind them with such decisions. The public is not going to want them to give additional chances to cheaters or coddle cheaters or, or welcome cheaters. The, the public will be thrilled if people like that are given very little tolerance and booted for their actions. So it's, uh, it's one of these things where, where everybody will be happy with such a decision except for the cheater himself. So anyway, totally agree. Matt, uh, thank you. Thank you for coming on. You, you, uh, I, I appreciate you taking your time out from this Aria game you're playing and, uh, and good luck in that. And, uh, may, maybe I'll, are you planning to play the, uh, the 10 K limit Hold'em provided the cards are better by then on Monday? Possibly just depends on the dates, but uh, I think the next one that I'm going home, uh, this week for father's day, goes and stuff, but, uh, I think I'm planning on playing this at eight 10 K next week. Uh, but only if the cards are replaced by then. But hope I'm, I'm pretty sure they'll be replaced by then. There's enough going on, and but Doyle getting on the case helps a lot. So, sort of through with Daniel and Helm with you know they're my friends, but I wish they would get on. Yeah, well, position. Well, uh, but at least Doyle is uh, go about it. I'm sure they'll be fixed by next week, and I'll be back in action so at the World Series. So I'm really looking forward to that. But hey, I also want to say, guys, I love your show. Listen every week. Listen to Druff since the beginning, and really like. Calawat on the show every week, so listening. Yeah, well, th- thank, thank you, Matt. You, it's it's always, it. always nice to have a you know, a top pro listening to the show here. It uh, makes me feel good to have you as a, a listener here, and uh, thank you for uh, your contributions that you've done, the stories you've brought to us, and uh, I, I on both these issues of the cards and the Sam Tuil thing, I fully agree with you. In fact, I I all usually got to all you got to do, Glance, is uh, is roll up to the next tournament with a big box of cards, and it's. <laughs> As soon as you sit down, not a bad idea. Them out. Yeah, just, like, right, yeah, guys, yeah, right, just bring your own cards. It's like instead of BYOB, it's BY, BYOC. Bring your not own bad. cards. I like it. Maybe that should be my T-shirt. BYOC. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Matt. Uh, good luck tonight. All right. Good luck. All right. Keep it real, guys. Love it. All right. Bye. 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 That's Matt Glance. The only the only complaint I have is his phone had poor reception. But uh, yeah, what are you going to? I'll do? forgive it. He 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 took time out of the Aria game and. Uh, it's told- rough in, in honor of Glance. I got another question for you that involves three guys. Okay, it's know. not a. It's not. I, I swear, no more. No more the the gay stuff. So don't worry oh, about sure. that. Okay. So this is this is a game called Bankroll Life Wife. Okay. <laughs> what? So I'm going to give you three guys, and you got to pick out of the three whose bankroll you want. Whose life you want, and then whose wife you want. Okay. 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 That makes sense. Yeah. So bankroll, life, wife. At least it's not a gay All game. Right? That's that's good. So, uh, Iceman, number one. Brian Mikon, <laughs> Howard Letterer. Uh, I- Iceman, Mikon, Letterer, bankroll, life, wife. Now, now, hang on. Is uh. I know Letterer is married, but uh, what are the Iceman? I don't think he's married. Well, you know, his, his either his current or last squeeze, whatever. Okay, okay. That is a tough one here. Okay. The Iceman, Brian Mike. Bankroll, life, wife. With the Iceman, Brian Mike. Iceman, Mike on Letterer. And Letterer. Well, uh, it's clear from the three of them who has the largest bankroll by a wide margin. That would be Howard Letterer. You think so? Oh yeah, they cl- he claims they took everything but his house, Drew. He claims. 
Okay, so you're taking letterers bankroll. Oh, for sure. And it, it, it's now it's you got much... a life and a wife between Micon and, uh, and that, that's a tough one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually, I actually just posted this week on Poker Fraud Alert's forum about uh, issues I had with, with uh, Brian Mikon's wife, and I, I hadn't revealed all this stuff. Actually, you know what? I, I had revealed a lot of it before and had forgotten I revealed it. So I thought I was revealing, but I wasn't. I was actually retelling a story. But, uh, but, but uh, you know, yeah, looks-wise, his, his wife is fine. I, she's, you know, looks-wise. You're getting the no, whole package. No, no in problem, both cases. But, but there's uh, – I, I have some issues uh, – personality and history wise with her and uh, now Iceman I don't even know who he's with or, or what he'd be with now as far as life okay um, I'll tell you with Mycon people ask me a question about him all the time and I can't answer it and the question is is Mycon like rolling in dough does he have like millions of dollars now because of Bitcoin or because of running seals or is he broke or somewhere in between and, and the truth is I don't know and the truth is it could be any of these things it, for many reasons, it could be any of these things. So, so if you're sure Micon's balling out of control and has millions of dollars, you may very well be incorrect. If you're sure he's flat broke, you may very well be incorrect. If you're sure he's coming kind of in the middle where he's comfortable but neither uh, um, you know broke nor rich, you may be incorrect. It really could be anywhere in that range. He's somewhat, He's one of the few poker players that I really like. Don't even have an idea of where he is right now because it really could be for many reasons, many things. So I thought you were telling me you heard something. Um, I, the problem is I hear a lot of things, so I, I don't even know what to believe. Okay, right. So, so I don't know. And the Iceman, I, I know he doesn't have very much. I, I know the Iceman is uh, doesn't have a whole lot of money. The, the Iceman is also banned for tons of casinos, which, which to my knowledge, Mike that would isn't. be part of the life if you took yes, it up, right? And and, and Mike on isn't to my knowledge. Uh, and and then, uh, I mean, the Iceman doesn't even have a wife, and I don't know if he did. Like, if it would ever be someone that I would find appealing in any ways. I, I don't know. It is his favorite uh, spank towel. <laughs> so, so that, that, I that's, that's the hard thing. Hold on. I'm being told here. I had to interrupt this. I'm being told, check the chat, nerd. Someone is trying to get a hold of you. Okay, who's trying to get a hold of me here? I don't even see it. Um, oh, okay. He, he Bust me a nut. I, I know of him. He says... Uh, I actually respect the draft in person. I'm the person that just called and he hung up on me. I did. I didn't hang up on anybody. I just can't. Uh, I can't. It's because no one can take. You can't take the call. I can't take the call, call tonight. Him. Yeah, that's the problem. Um, I just saw a burning bill, uh, burning a building burn for two days and still stand up. I don't know what he's saying here. I don't know. Uh, I wasn't taking the call because we're having issues with the phones tonight. We can't take any calls. I have to call out to people because of Skype being terrible. So that's that's the reason. So okay, let me, let me go back and finish this here. So definitely Howard's uh, bankroll. That, that's an easy okay. one. Um, are you worried at all that that bankroll might in the future be in jeopardy by the uh, DOJ? Or no, you I think, think they're just dumb. I stuff. think it's done. And it's, uh, then yeah. I'll have to go with... Uh, I think I had to go with, with uh, Mikon's life just because he's not banned from casinos, to my knowledge. I he, I, th- I think he's back in Antigua now, but that's his own choice. I, you know, he, he could still be in the U.S. if he wanted to be. So uh, I, I think that I'd have to go with, with Mikon's life, and uh, I just had to take my chances with the Iceman's wife, whoever or whatever it is. <laughs>
<laughs> oh man, it might be you might be getting some brown sugar, Jeff. I might. That's I take my chance. He, I don't. He, might, I, might, I, I could get lucky though. Looking brown sugar, though. Well, no, I could also get lucky. He may just like white girls with a big ass. That'd be good. So, <laughs> no, I really would be. I'd be. I'd be happy with that. I like that myself. So that's, I'd be happy with that. All right. So let's. Uh, this let's see this. Uh, Bust me a nut. Are you are you the one from the five one three? If you are, I can call you and you can tell us what uh, what you want to say. Yeah, the call in number is not going to work because uh, we can't. It's not working. It's just uh, we, we can't hear you. You can call in, but we won't be able to hear you. So we have to call you. So if you want to text me seven seven five three seven two eight three five five, then I can call you at the number you text from. It's a Skype idiosyncrasy that's developed in the last few weeks that we can't call. We can call people. They can't call me. That doesn't work real well for a call-in show, Drew. No, no. It's a disaster. <laughs> I, I thought I had it fixed, too. Like, I did this test myself. Like, I first I called one of my phones. Then I had my other phone call in, and I made sure I could hear the second call. And it worked. I'm like, oh, hallelujah, it's finished. Okay, they're explaining in the chat to bust me. Now. I don't even know what he's try- he, what he wants to tell us about something about a building burning. I, I don't even know what he's talking about, but we'll we'll see. We'll put him on. I know I know who he is on the on the forum. So, all right, he's, good. he's been around a long time. So I'll, I'll trust him that he's got something good to say. I've actually met his brother before. I don't think I've ever met him, but I've met his brother many years ago at the World Series. His brother was really 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 tall. Like his brother, I think was like six foot eight or something. And uh, his brother used to play online with me on Poker Stars. So, uh, let's. You get confirmation that the five one five is him? No, I haven't gotten anything yet. It's just he can text me seven seven five three seven two eight three five five. Text me the number to call, and I'll call it. In the meantime, I want to talk briefly about a little controversy. It really was a little controversy, but it frustrated some players about the millionaire maker. Uh, they've improved the World Series as far as hand-for-hand hand is concerned. At, at one point a few years ago, it was awful. In fact, more than a few years ago. I remember even the main event in 2010 when I cashed. The, it was painful how, how long hand-for-hand hand went. But for those of you that don't know, hand-for-hand hand is something they do at tournaments when it's just about to get to the money to where every table plays one hand and stops, and then every table plays another hand and stops. And the reason they do that is so people can't stall to the money. They can't just stall, 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 and wait for someone else at the table to bust. So that's what hand-for-hand is. Uh, The the question is, when do you start hand-for-hand? Do you start at one off the bubble, two off the bubble, ten off the bubble, twenty off the bubble? It's it's, uh, a judgment call. So the upside to doing it early is that it prevents stalling. The downside is it slows down the tournament big time and also wastes time on the clock. Well, when day one of the Millionaire Maker was complete, they were 22 from the money. There were like 1,100-something people left. Uh, after 22 more busted, they would be in the money. So that was how they completed day one. So 22 unfortunate souls of the 1,100-something would, would come back the next day and not cash. Everybody else would cash. So there was a fear that, uh, especially given that they're starting a second day and everybody has a full day to think about this, that there is going, it's going to take a freaking eternity to get those 22 people to bust, that everyone's going to be holding on for dear life. 
So, the bigger concern was that while everybody is trying to hold on for dear life and hardly anyone's busting, and they're playing hand-for-hand, which is super slow because they've got to have, they have more than 100 tables going, and uh, you know, you're always going to have one slower table in the whole group at the very least, so the, the other tables can't continue until every single table's done, so that this is going to run time off the clock, and by the time hand-for-hand is over, uh, they're going to be at a higher level than they really should be because so much time got wasted. So it was suggested by certain pros that they do what's known as an untimed hand-for-hand, meaning they just stop the clock, let hand-for-hand finish, and then when it's done, uh, start the clock again, or maybe even take a fixed amount off, maybe take 15 minutes off the clock or something like that. Well, the World Series didn't do that. It was suggested to them, they didn't do it, and lo and behold, a ton of time ran off the clock. I don't know how much, but a ton of time ran off trying to get these two, 22 people out. And levels were wasted because it was, it was barely, ever, any, barely any play in those levels while hand-for-hand was going with 22 people. So some people were very frustrated by this. And I agree. They, they should have done the untimed hand-for-hand. I also think hand-for-hand at 22 people is, is stupid. I think they should. Uh, and the funny thing is that they've improved this over the years. They, don't, they didn't seem to do this anymore. I've seen... If anything, where they start hand-for-hand too late, where they start in these big multi-table tournaments, I've seen it where they don't start hand-for-hand until they're like two or three people away, and then it's, 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 it's very fast because there's still like a thousand left in the field. So at that point, it's very fast to see people busting. So uh, that that is a a big problem. Uh, or not a big problem. It was a, 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 problem, it was a minor problem, but they, they, they handled it wrong. And I saw in 2 Plus 2 that Terrence Chan brought up a discussion about preventing the stalling and about preventing the whole bubble issue. And what he was... Yeah, he, doesn't, he doesn't like stallers. <laughs> what, what he was suggesting... Yeah, he's, he's been very obsessed with the stallers for some reason. I don't know why that's so important to Terrence. I mean, I, I agree it's annoying. But it annoys him. But for some reason, <laughs> it's a really big deal to him. It's a bigger deal to him. Well, you don't people. like background noise. He doesn't like stallers, yeah. you know? Everyone's got their thing. Yeah, put us together. Make make me listen to background noise and, and have him uh, be stalled, and then you could just it'd be a contest to see who gets more tilted. <laughs> so, uh, he suggested that instead of having this jump from zero dollars to whatever the min cash is, which is the buy in plus something, that there should be a much more gradual jump starting from like 0.1 of the buy-in and and gradually rising because his argument was the reason there's this mass bust out after the bubble burst is because the cash moves up so slowly at that point. So like for example, it'll go from 0 to $2200 to 2300 to 2400 to 2600 so that people aren't that concerned of of, of cashing 2300 versus 2200, but they're very concerned about cashing 0 versus 2200. So he's saying that if they if they made this very gradual and not just this abrupt jump from zero to something more than the buy-in, that people would stop worrying about this and stop doing it. Now, there's some issues with what he suggested. First of all, this becomes a logistical nightmare for the World Series. Now, online this would be fine because online it's all automatic. But the World Series, they can't have it where people are cashing you know, $150, $200. Now, now, he was claiming that he's not suggesting they cash for more people. It's just they started very low and then uh, 
kind of just gradually move it up as, as it goes through and and still keeping keeping it gradual to where there's never any kind of huge jump right when the money hits or anytime soon after that so I understand that, but then there's going to be complaints that, oh, wow, I got all the way through 15% and I'm getting 0.1% of the buy-in. This sucks. And it's also psychological in that if you enter a a $1,500 event and you cash for $150, it just feels weird. I think people aren't going to want to get used to that. That's kind of a weird prize to be getting for a $1,500 tournament. So there's that problem, and if they, of course if they add more people cashing, then it becomes a much more difficult uh, thing for the staff to process when there's way more people cashing. Uh, another problem that was brought up in response to that is that what allows more play toward the end of the tournament, that is deeper play, is the fact that people bust so rapidly once the bubble bursts. And with that many people busting rapidly, then the levels don't move up as fast. And you get to the final table where the stacks are still somewhat deep, whereas they wouldn't be if, uh, if there wasn't this frenzy, bust-out frenzy that occurs after the bubble is burst. That the bust-out frenzy actually helps get players out of the tournament quickly because they, they're not trying to preserve anymore at that point. So, I've always wondered, too, you know, there's always this, people like to say, oh, you shouldn't fear the bubble, oh, who cares about the bubble, oh, the important thing is to win, you don't want to min cash, blah, 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 blah. But let's look at this from an honest numbers standpoint here. If you are very, very short stacked, like, like, take how I was at this Limit Hold'em event. I was very short stacked. The chance of me coming back from that to get really deep and make the final table was very small. Not impossible, but very small. So, w- w- was it, would it have been a, a positive EV move at that point to, when I'm that short, to really just basically not play a hand and just let myself blind down to the absolute minimum and, and, and assume someone will bust before that and get uh, one and a half buy-ins back rather than knowing I have to go all in and I'm always going to get called because of what my stack is and um, and hope to win that hand where in many cases I'm flipping. Like even with pocket eights, what I eventually went in with, you know, but many times you're flipping against like two overcards. Uh, if you got two opponents, you're, you're worse than flipping. I had ace four and queen ten. They're I'm really not a favorite to win anymore. I'm a favorite compared to them, but I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, a favorite to win overall. The two of them combined have a better chance one of them wins than me winning. So uh, is it better at some point to just tr- get them in cash? I'm talking about uh, you know, mathematically what, what your likely odds of uh, – what, what is your equity at that point? Is, you, is your equity at that point more if you play to win or is your equity at that point more if you just play to min cash when you're at a very, very short stack situation? And I, I've never been able to really determine that. I I, th- I can see the argument both ways. Uh, it also has to do with, your, with with your own style. If you have a style that's not as likely to run the chips back up and and uh, and get to the final table, if you have a style that uh, if you do manage to min cash, 
you know, if you if you do take the chances with not min caching, that you're probably going to go out in not too long anyway. Even if you do win those first those few hands or on the bubble, then you're probably better off min caching. If you're someone who who has the ability to come back very strong and roar back to the final table, then, then it's probably better for you to take the chances. But uh, I, I've never been totally convinced that making an effort to min-cash when you're very short is wrong. Now, I, I think making an effort to min-cash when you have an okay stack is a big mistake. You shouldn't absolutely fear the bubble. Like, if you've got an okay stack, you should be taking advantage of the bubble situation. You should not be playing super conservative. Uh, the the only exception to this is something like the main event where you feel just because you put so much time into it that at that point you want something for it. You just don't want the psychological defeat of having put all that time in and, and, and to shoot it all off right, bef- right before the money when you know for sure you would make it. But aside from that, I, I, I have to think that, you know, it, it, aside from that, if you've got a decent stack, then you definitely have to gamble on the bubble. You definitely have to be aggressive on the bubble. If you're very short-stacked, I don't know. And I think it's just not a sexy thing to say. I think it's just not something that makes you sound like a good player to say, I, I want to try to min-cash. I, I'm giving up at this point. I, I My chance of making it is so small, I'd rather get a, a guaranteed, or almost guaranteed min-cash than, than go for, uh, for, the, for the gold here. Are you channeling Kessler? Maybe. <laughs> So, let's see here. Uh, they're, they're still trying to... Let me see if he texted me. Bust me nuts in the chat, but he's... They're still trying to get across to them that I have to call him. <laughs> he's, he's talking about a bunch of stuff there, but... Uh, he, he's still not I, quite... I even sent him a message on PFA chat to say, Are you the 515? And he he never wrote back. So it was actually five one three. No, I think it's him. I think it's five one three because I think that's. Let's just call him. I think it's Cincinnati, and I think it's. I think if it ends up being someone else, just go okay. Chico Loco on him. <laughs> let, let me let me try to. I got to go dig up the number now. Let me see here. Where's they were the, harassing see, you earlier it. by hammering you. No, I see. I, I see it. I see it. Here, I'm going to add him. I'm just I'm just about sure this is him. I'm just afraid he's drunk because he's like not understanding these instructions. Probably. We get a lot of drunk people on this show. Yeah, lately. Hey, what's going on? So, is is this bust me a nut? Yeah. Hey, uh, let me uh, turn this off so it doesn't echo. Yeah, yeah that's a good hey, idea. Hey, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, so hold on. we're still oh. hearing it. Is it off? Yeah. All right. So uh... now we can't hear him. What the hell? Why can't anything go right tonight? Hear me? Yeah. Now we can hear you. Yeah. No. Now we can't hear him. I I, I don't know what's going on tonight. We get nothing's going right. We just can't make anything work. Can you hear me? Yeah. Now I can hear you. Hear right? Yeah. All right. Uh, here. Uh... Actually, I got to walk upstairs with uh, my landlord. Uh, she's but, uh, all right. Yeah, I used to play uh, on Absolute with uh, my buddy Gus Seminoles. Yeah, you remember that? I I I thought that's your brother. Right. Is it your brother or your buddy? 
No, it's my buddy. Hey, oh. Yeah, he's he's the one that's uh, six foot eight or nine. Yeah, yeah, I met him. Yeah, he's he's super tall. Yeah, he's uh, one of my best friends. Uh, I actually met him after uh, I started playing poker through a mutual friend. But uh, you remember uh, when you guys used to play on uh, Poker Stars? Yes. Or I, well, well, you went. It was uh, him. Never went in Bush Hassidy. Remember that? Yeah, I do. I never played thousand two thousand there, but yeah, he did. I remember that. Well, yeah. So it was uh, the three way game bang. Yeah. Well, you know what I'm saying. It, wait, so you you think they were, that, they were? You think they cheated? They were colluding. They're they're best friends. They were colluding uh, big time against them. I mean, I mean, it's possible. And, a lot of weird things huh? happen. Those commerce players, and I, I don't, I'm not accusing anyone of anything, but the, it is true. There, there was a lot of accusations that these guys who knew each other from commerce that uh, there were some shady no, things. No, happened. no, this, no, this was on poker. Sorry. No, I know, but they knew each um, other. They, they, I'm saying they knew each other from commerce. There were some things that happened who? on Poker Stars. You know, Joe Cat, who Joe Cassidy, Joe Cassidy, and, 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 and Neverwin. They, they, yeah, they, that's where they knew each other from. Okay, so yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Uh, so, do you think uh, Kevin was playing one against two? Wait, Kevin, who? The uh, Seminoles. So, so, you think he was playing one against two? You know, I, I've never. Uh, to be honest, no, I've, no, no, no. I'm, no, I'm asking you. Do you think he was playing by himself, or do you think he was playing against Joe Cassidy and Dustin? Um, you're saying, do I think the two of them colluded against him? Well, it, it was them three playing yeah. for, uh, for a lot like of money. A month I or so. No, I know. I look, I, I've, I've never heard of any stories of Joe Cassidy cheating. So I'll, I'll say that for him. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. So, so uh, I, so I, I don't mean, know. Is it, is, is it they possible? Were, they were best friends. No, I know. Uh, I know. It's not. <laughs> It's it's not uh, now. It's, they could also say, look, we, he was a new guy on the scene. We assumed he was a fish, and uh, and and uh, we, we were the- yeah. But hey, you played with him on Absolute for fucking probably a year at uh, uh, twenty five fifty. Was I think it was the max on there? No, it was forty eight. Uh, yeah, we we played a lot on Absolute. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm hey, not saying he was a fish. I'm saying it was that com- it was, hey, it was com- completely obvious that. Uh, they played 1K, 2K limit on poker stars with them. Here's the funny thing. He fucking raped the living shit out of them. <laughs> he won. He beat them every time he, he played against two people. Hey, do you not agree with that? Hello? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Oh, yeah. I mean, Todd, come on. It was obvious. Hey, what? uh, Kevin, Kevin said he met you. He said you were full shit. Uh, I mean, come on now, man. It was uh, Butch Assidy, which is Joe Cassidy and Dustin. They either shared or, I mean, come on. They were telling each other uh, what they had. Well, there's, it, okay, there's, and they it, still it, got beat for, like, four, I, I saw uh, my Kevin win, like, 300K against them in, like, two hours. Well, did he, did he ever lose it back, or he just uh, won all that and quit? Uh, no, he won that off them. He won, uh, I saw him, uh, he won, he, the most he won was off of, uh, Johnny World, whatever the fuck his name is out of Philly. Uh, I forget his name on Parker Stars, but we saw him, before I knew him, I saw his location was decent. 
So yeah, I want to. But uh, yeah, he won like 300k off of him in like an hour. But yeah, I saw him lose 300k too. But uh, yeah. But uh, basically, all I'm saying is uh, this motherfucker's colluded big time. Well, they're not your good friends. I don't think. No, they're, they're... Hey, you said you met Kevin. Yeah, I, I met him one time at the World Series. He told me who he was, and that's I remember he was super tall. And I, I'm six foot two myself, but he yeah. was uh, yeah, he was a lot taller than me. And, um, yeah, we talked a little bit in the hallway, and then uh, I w- it was like during a bathroom break or something. It was during one of the breaks in the tournament. But, yeah, no, no. but look, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know if, if there's cheating there. Is, is it possible? Yes. It, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to play 1K, 2K with two guys that are very close no, friends. They, that's, that's, that's well, this, sure. is on po- this is on poker. No, I know. I know it was on poker. Day, I know. Everybody knew everybody. No, I know. I know. And that's why I, I wouldn't have wanted it to was, do it. Well, but uh, you never know. You it never was know. blatant collusion. Hey, but uh, you weren't in it, uh, and I remember you uh, coming up on Absolute Poker and uh, beating the uh, people in the chat like five dollars here, five dollars there for answering random bullshit questions. So I respect you, man. Yeah, well, the, the chat on Absolute Poker, I've said before, that was a fun thing because the Railbirds could chat there, and I actually had, like, fans there that that watched me play every day, and I actually would throw them money every so often uh, just to, to keep them happy. And it actually, it actually had, like, a home crowd effect where they would cheer yeah, for me. Yeah, hey, I was one of them. I, actually, I did play, uh, like, up to 3-6 on Absolute and ran my shit off there, and then I lost, uh, like, 7,000 on UB, but now I, I guess I'm getting it back. Uh, they, uh, I saw the shit about Phil Honig the other day. The thing that people don't fucking realize is he made, he didn't make his fucking money from poker. He made it from Ultimate Bet, the fucking software. What is it? Excapsa? Yeah, yeah. He made a lot of money from all that. He really did. Yeah. Well, he made tens of millions of dollars off that, but people don't know that. They think he made all his money from poker and they're just blind cheap. So hey, good good job calling him out the other day. Yeah, thank thank you. And uh, now I have a question for you. Are you have you been drinking tonight? Uh yes. Yeah, we we get a lot of people who call this show when they've been drinking. That's that seems yeah, to be a uh, work. I, I think I it's, want to. Uh, I live in uh, I live in Cincinnati. I live in uh, the best part to where uh, like I can walk to like five different bars down the street, uh, and there's young. Hot smoking pussy everywhere. Hmm. Now, how old are you? I'm 34. 34. Okay. Well, you know, you're... yeah, yeah. So I went to college tonight. Well, it's a they call it mug club, but uh, yeah, the average age there is like 25, 26. But uh, yeah, I get there. I guess you're 34. You can still uh, blend in with that group and uh, not be seen as the old guy. See, I am. I'm 45 now. So yeah. If, if yeah, I, if I, I want actually to place... uh, still get carded for cigarettes, okay, which true. is uh, kind of embarrassing, but at the same time, like, well, okay, so I think I'm young, but not that old, you know. No, no, it's good no, when, you're, but, uh, when, when you're 34. When you're 34, if people think you're young, that's good at that point. When you're when you're 21, you don't like to hear that you look young, but when you're 34, then it's good, especially because you know in a few years you're going to be closer to 40, and then by then, if 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 you're still seen as looking young. Uh, that's an asset. That's a that's a good thing to have. At that point, you you don't. Yeah, wanna... but uh, yeah, but at the same time, when I get carded for cigarettes, I'm like, come on, I'm, I have stubbles of black hair on my chin. Yeah. Hey, uh, I have a question. Uh, 
Oh, are we still live? Yeah, we're still live. Go ahead. All right. Um, who is? All right. I'm a on your side. I'm a lurker. Uh, every once in a while, I'll chime in, but not very often. But uh, I read a lot of like a lot of shit on your site. Uh, what's lacking is uh, golf betting because uh, that's what I'm into. But uh, I want to know who is going to fucking Vegas. The weekend of August twenty sixth. Uh, I don't know who is. Do you not know it's that weekend? Um, yeah, yeah, that's the uh, that's the boxing match with uh, McGregor and Mayweather. <laughs> yeah, no big deal. So, you're, are you you're 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 saying that on purpose though? They're saying that like that because. Uh, going to be the biggest fucking fight ever? I mean, McGregor's going to make $100 million. How much do you think fucking Floyd's going to make? Probably something similar. I'm, I'm not sure how they allocate the money, but... No, nah, probably 300 You think he'll He's get more? a whiny bitch. <laughs> hey, but $100 million to a, a UFC fighter is a fucking lot of money, man. Well, Hey, uh, well, I'll, I'll be out there. Okay, well, I, I won't be there. I, I usually avoid Vegas in August. So I won't be. Uh, it's the fucking Conor McGregor uh, Floyd May- Mayweather fight. You get VIP uh, rooms everywhere, don't you? No, no, no. I'm, I'm lucky to get one room. <laughs> I'm lucky to get one okay room. Yeah, right. So okay. All right. Well, we have a we have a suite at the uh, the fucking uh, the sports room. Uh, one my my buddy loses a fuckload of money at a high at a high Uh oh, our co-host fell asleep here. That's not good. Hey, what's the uh, what's the main sports book in Vegas? Uh, well, there's no main uh, one. There's there, there's there's a Hilton. There's the Hilton, which is now the LVH, and there's a lot there's a lot of uh, sports books here. But wait, so what? No, what's no what's the, what's the other main one? The uh, with the hotel. Uh, I'm not sure what you're referring to, but anyway, we, we've, we've yeah, got. Yeah, I think it might be the LVH. Okay, we, we've got we've got to move on here. But the, thank thank you for calling. I, right, I won't be there right. on the on the twenty sixth though. If, if I was, I'd say hello, but uh, I, I won't be all there. Right. But uh, hey, yeah, all right. Hey, alaikum, my brother. Okay, thank you. Okay, holy moly! I think we just have to say no no drunk callers in the future. And Druff, you know what you said about me being able to hold my liquor? I'm starting to believe you. I mean, <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> Between these couple of calls, it's, it's it's all it's all been. <laughs> Drunk tonight, except for Matt Glance, and then he had the bad phone. Like we, we haven't had yeah. one call where people have a good phone and are not drunk. We we haven't had that tonight. We're we're batting zero. We got Trader Ruski though. No, he's gone too. Oh my god! Did he? When did he hang up during that phone call? No, I had to hang up on him. This is a rare time I had to hang up on Trader Ruski because, like, uh-huh. we had Glance on here, and then there's like, oh no, no, wait, was it Luke Rabel? No, I think it was when Luke Rabel was on here. Like. I mean, like something about his dog. He's like talking to someone in the background about his dog. <laughs> he forgot to mute. Oh. So it's like, what is that? Oh. What is that in the background? I was like, I just like never, nothing. I don't know what that is. And I just hung up. Oh right, 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 right. Yes, yeah, there's there's so many calls coming in tonight too, and I can't even take them. There's four eight zero call. If screw it, I'm, I'm not taking any more calls. I'm just just call everyone back. No, but I just I'm afraid we're they can't get... all be drunk. Yes, they can. I'm afraid they can be. <laughs> I think this is partially my fault. Listen, I did a radio show in uh, in college 
And it was on Friday. Trey can come back. It was on Friday night. He wants to come back. I'll add, I'll add Trey Ruski back. But it was on Friday night at midnight. And you can imagine who listened for the state they were in on Friday night at midnight on the college campus. So every single caller I got was drunk. Every single one of them. And it got to the point where I didn't want to take calls anymore because nobody was coherent. Nobody made any sense. And I feel like that's happening here. I think because we start so late, and especially in the East Coast, which is three hours later, the only people we're going to have up are drunks. So I, I wish it wasn't like that, but that's what happened. I can't get Trader Ruski on here. I keep trying to call him. It's not working. What a mess. Okay. Let's continue here. We're getting near the end of the World Series topics. These drunks caused me to lose my agenda where I'm... I've got to go find it again. I'm kind of on tilt here. All right. Uh, the, the poker. Here's a, here's a story with a happy ending. At least I think so. Poker Fraud Alert actually had an effect on something at the World Series, and it was an effect that was a good effect. It was a positive effect. Oh, I thought it was a, the Legionnaire's disease. Well, that might be still coming. It, it takes a little time for symptoms to show. I have been I have been adventurous, and I've been using ice from their ice machine. I've oh. been brushing teeth with their water. No, no, I meant I meant that uh, PFA brought it there. Oh no, no, but I, I can, uh, maybe it was brought to me. So, the previous episode of this show, Brandon came on and told us that there were some very, very obnoxious vendors. Now, keep in mind these vendors are not World Series employees; they pay money to have booths in the World Series that these obnoxious vendors were constantly stopping him in the hallway and very aggressively demanding he listen to them about whatever they're trying to sell. One guy even wouldn't let him leave until he promised to come back and talk to him later. So he said it was like being in Tijuana on a public beach with how many people would come to him. And Don't he, ever go to Phuket, Thailand. Huh? Yeah, I've been Couldn't, there. Too. You I've, would not be able to handle it. I've been to Phuket, Thailand. Many years well, then ago. you know what I'm talking yeah, about. The do. girls are like sharks. Yes. So like, I mean, obnoxious. I never thought that I would be annoyed and trying to get away from women chasing me. But Jesus <laughs> Christ, were they irritating? Trader Risky's back, by the way. Oh, good. I'm back. What's up, guys? Yeah. So you've been chased around by those women in Phuket, there, Trader Risky? Have not been there yet. Oh, okay. Yeah, looking forward to getting there. Well, if you ever want to feel, know what it feels like to be chum thrown into a water full of sharks, go to Phuket, Thailand. <laughs> okay, so he, so there's, these vendors at the World Series, they they were, and Brandon told us this last week, they were very aggressive with him. He's just trying to walk through the hallway to the events he's playing, and they just won't leave him alone. And he showed no interest in talking to them. They would jump out from the side of the hallway and, and demand his attention and, and be very aggressive. And he said, you know, this shouldn't be happening. And I agreed. Even worse, he said the massage girls, who have been there for many, many years, the same company providing the massages. Again, these are not World Series employees, but they have a contract with the World Series to provide the massage there. These girls are allowed to walk around the tournament area 
so guys can see them and say, hey, I'd like a massage. But what they were doing is something they should not be doing. They were actually tapping Brandon on the shoulder. And they did this in three different events he was in. Three out of three at that time. Tapped him on the shoulder and said, would you like a massage? And thinking back after the show, I remembered that they actually did this to me a few times last year. Not every event, but I remember it happened last year, too. So this should not be happening. Girls giving these massages, you, it's very clear they're there. You can see them around. You should talk to them if you want a massage. They should not be asking you if you want one. And what I found especially happening to me was like I'd, I'd glance even slightly in their direction. And I don't mean like I'm staring at their ass or something and they see me and they think I'm looking at them to get a massage. I mean, like, I, I'm just kind of staring off in some direction, but not directly at them or even close to directly at them. And they take that as a license to run over it. You want a massage? So it was very annoying. But Brandon said it was worse than ever this year. As it happened to three out of three times, actually he was not even facing them. And they came up and tapped him on the shoulder and asked him while at the poker table in a world series bracelet event. So I said, I am going to let Seth Polanski know about this and give him my suggestion of what to do. Because this is unacceptable. Even if if these are not World Series employees, they should have to respect a certain code of conduct in how they treat the players. So I said this. I wrote this to Seth on June 8th. I wrote this to him uh, less than 24 hours after the Poker Fraud at Radio Show last week. Hi, Seth. I have not yet been at the World Series of Poker. I'll be arriving this weekend. However, I was told by a close friend about a disturbing situation he repeat, he repeatedly experienced there, which I feel needs to be addressed. First off, I would like to commend the World Series of Poker for running very smoothly this year. Everyone has told me the staff has done a great job thus far. Well, everyone except Luke Vrabel. Uh, however, the third-party vendors at the World Series of Poker have become an issue. According to my friend Brandon Gerson, a longtime poker player and World Series of Poker veteran, the people in the hallway booths have become unacceptably aggressive, accosting people walking by and demanding their attention. In some cases, they have been blocking people's way and demanding, promise you'll come back and talk to me on break. I feel that these vendors should be told never to make first contact with people walking by, as most are in a hurry to get to their events on time, and that they should only interact with players who are clearly showing an interest to talk to them first. However, even worse are the massage girls. Brandon reported that at all three events he's played, massage girls have tapped him on the shoulder while at the table and asked if he wanted a massage. This is definitely a distraction as well as a violation of the player's personal space. Players in World Series of Poker events should never be bothered while at the table, aside from matters directly pertaining to the running tournament. I can tell you from my experience last year, while I was not hassled by the massage girls, actually I was, I didn't remember, uh, this is apparently a new practice in 2017, I also dealt with the over-aggressive hallway vendors. However, Brandon reported to me that the hallway vendors are far worse this year than last year. I would like to suggest that the hallway vendors are told not to initiate contact with players walking by and that the massage girls should be told not to initiate contact with any player at any tournament table. I am happy to put you in contact with Brandon if you'd like to to talk to him about it. Thank you for your time and consideration. So he wrote back that he was surprised to hear about the massage girls because that's been the same company they've used for 13 years and they've never had this problem before. But that despite that, he was going to contact the owner of the company and the top manager at that company and make sure that it's understood what is expected of how they treat the players there and that there's been complaints. He also acknowledged that the hallway vendors, that they do have a problem. That he is aware of that one. The, the massage girls, that was the first he'd heard of it. The, hall, the hallway vendors, he said, uh, yes, that's another story. 
He said, we've had these issues before with them, and I'll get to this to the right people to address. So he wrote that on uh, June 8th. And I thought, hmm, I wonder if they're really going to take this seriously or if he's just writing this to me, but they're not going to really try very hard to stop this. So I figured the proof will be in the pudding. The proof will be when I show up there and walk through the hallway a number of times myself and play a World Series event for some length of time and see if I'm bothered. Well, I'm happy to report that in numerous walkings up and down the hallways of the tournament area of the Rio, I have been bothered by hallway vendors a grand total of zero point zero times. They have not bothered me once. It's totally different than last year, and especially different the way than the way Brandon described it last week. So clearly, rules have been handed down to these vendors about how they can do how they can act. They are much much less aggressive than they were in previous years, and I'm sure that's because of our report. Furthermore. The massage girls kept their distance and did not bother me at all during my more than 13 hours of play at the $1,500 Limit Hold'em event, which I unfortunately bubbled. So, it looks like this is a success that what was a big problem at the beginning of the World Series with these vendors has been completely corrected and the World Series must have really made it clear to them that this will not be tolerated. So... Props to them for that. They've done a, a very good job reining in the aggression of these vendors. So, a, a, a good story about the World Series here. And while we're on that roll, let me give another good review of something at the World Series. The King's Lounge at the World Series of Poker. That is a high-limit area in the pavilion room, a new thing for this year where they have kind of walled off, but it's not walls that prevent you from walking in and out. You can walk in there and out of there very easily, and anyone can. It's, it's not restricted in any way. But it's a, it's a high-limit area that's been walled off in the corner of the pavilion room, and it's made to look like its own high-limit room that caters to like you know, higher-end players. And it's a much it's a much nicer environment in there, and there's, uh, there's it's got its own separate bar. It's got TVs up there. It's it's kind of like its own little separate place within a big place, the World Series Pavilion Room. And it's got its own list of games, even though it's right next to the regular cash game section. It really feels like it's worlds away. So it, it's a much more pleasant place to be. I had heard that it was like an elevated thing. It's not. It's not elevated at all. It's just they, they put walls around a certain area of the pavilion room. Uh, it is sponsored by King's Casino. That's why it's called the King's Lounge, which is a European casino. So I believe that's where the money came from to build this thing. However, the employees there are all uh, World Series employees but it's called the King's Lounge. And I liked it. I haven't played in there yet. I got on the list for the 75-150 Omaha 8 or better game. It was a long list. I didn't have the patience to wait for it, so I just left. But uh, I look forward to playing there, and I, I think it is a nice area for high-limit players. Before, it was just 
if you played high limit cash at the World Series, you were just crammed into those cash area tables. There is a little area that they tried to separate, but it still looked very crowded and very busy and very distracting. So I think this is a much nicer place to play. And a uh, good job on that being set up, even if they weren't the ones paying for it. It's good that this exists this year. And uh, so far, it looks pretty good to me. I want to let you guys know about some status matches involving total rewards, which is, of course, the player's card program for Caesars. If you play at the World Series of Poker, you have to have a total rewards card. Total rewards has four levels. Gold is the bottom level. You get that for signing up. Platinum is the one above that. Then diamond, then seven stars. Platinum is pretty useless. Doesn't really get you very much, except for the free parking. Diamond is the level that starts to be worth having to where you can get uh, a number of things that are worthwhile, including no resort fees. And then uh, seven stars uh, is what you get the most of. In fact, that's the best base benefits of any rewards program of any casino in the country. So I want to talk about some status messages, uh, status matches here, which can allow you to get higher tier cards without having to do anything other than go through the match process. There's, there's two different status matches I want to talk about. The first one is something that was announced, but not very well communicated, and, and the details they gave were wrong, <laughs> involving matching cards for other casinos. And Brandon mentioned this, I think it was last week on the show, and I looked into it further. And I posted a very extensive list of other properties where you could match your card and get diamond at Caesars. Now, I'm not going to read this whole thing, but you can find it if you go to VegasCasinoTalk.com. That's VegasCasinoTalk.com, which is another site I run. And go to the Total Rewards and MLife section. You can see there's a thread called Get Automatic Diamond Status at Total Rewards Property Through Status Match. If you go read that thread, you can see if you if your higher limit card at one of many casinos and casino groups around the U.S. will qualify to get you free diamond at Caesars without playing a penny with them until January 31st, 2018. So it's something you should definitely do if you're thinking you might want to visit a Caesars property. Now, keep in mind, if you become diamond through a status match, you're not going to get free play offers. You're not going to get free room offers. You're not going to get free food offers. You're not going to get free show offers. You're not going to get that stuff. But what you are going to get are the base diamond benefits, which include free parking, no resort fees, access to the diamond lounges, uh, special lines for the restaurants, check-in, and casino, a special registration room at the World Series of Poker, uh, and then... Uh, a discount on Norwegian cruises is usually like 15 to 17%. They say 20, but it's not really. And then a 20% discount at the casino gift shops, which isn't a huge big deal, a huge deal but, you know, something. So th- those are the diamond base benefits. So th- these aren't super lucrative benefits, but they're nice to have, especially if you visit Caesar's properties. And if you can get it for free, why not? So there's a big list of properties in Arizona, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, Mississippi, Missouri, Nevada, 
New Jersey, Ohio, Oklahoma, and Pennsylvania, where if you have an upper tier card at these other properties, that you can get them to you can get any Caesar's property to give you a diamond card absolutely for free without any play. Now, Caesars does have a little website or a section of their website on totalrewards.com where you could see this, but it's not easy to find. And the information is incomplete and incorrect. <laughs> so, so I actually made a new version of the information they provided and gave, gave you a lot more and, and corrected their own mistakes. I, I should really work for Caesars. They should hire me to do this stuff. So if you want to see the actual list of properties that you can get a status match from, then go to that VegasCasinoTalk.com Total Rewards and MLife section, and you can find that thread. Very quickly, though, I will tell you the casino groups involved. If you're MGM M, if you have an MGM M Life card, if you're platinum or noir, you can become a Caesar's Diamond. If you have a Stations Boarding Pass card, if you're president or chairman, you can get Diamond. If you have a Marquee Rewards card, if you're what's called executive producer or icon, not Brian Mikon the icon, but just icon, then you can be a Diamond. If you're part of the B Connected program, Emerald will get you a Diamond at Caesars. Trop Advantage, which does not have to do with Tropicana at Vegas, but has to do with Tropicana everywhere else. Platinum or Black will get you that, or get you Diamond. If you A My Choice property, if you're Preferred, Elite, or Owner's Club, then you'll get a Diamond at Caesars. And if, you're, if you have a 24K Select card, which is the Golden Nugget and a few others associated with the Golden Nugget, if you're Chairman or Elite, then you'll get a Diamond card. There are a number of independent, independent casinos as well. So it's not just these groups. I just listed all the group ones because it's easy to list those. I'm not going to list every individual casino. You'll see that on my post that I'm talking about. If you're having trouble finding this post, you can text me, 775-372-8355. I'll direct you directly to it. But there's also a list of independent casinos and their cards that will be matched to Diamond. Now, this doesn't go two ways. So if you have a Diamond Caesars card, you can't go to these casinos and then get their upper tier cards. The only one that does that, apparently, is 24K casinos, like Golden Nugget. Everybody else won't do that, to my knowledge. But this is a way you can get Diamond very easily if you have a high card at one of these other listed properties. So you might as well do it. Second, there's another status match thing, and this one does go two ways. Wyndham Hotels. Uh, have Trader Risky, have you stayed at a Wyndham Hotel? Uh-oh. Not for a long, not long for a long time. time. What, what about you, uh, Calwatt? You ever stay at Wyndham? I have, but it's been a while. Yeah, me too. I haven't stayed in a while, but uh, nevertheless, it's a, it's a it's a chain. It's not a huge chain like like Hilton or IHG or Starwood, but it's it's a chain. And uh, if you have, for some reason, a Diamond Wyndham card for staying at Wyndham Wyndham often. You can automatically get a total rewards diamond card without even visiting any properties. You can do this all online. 
Furthermore, if you have a Platinum Wyndham card, you can get Total Rewards Platinum. But you may say, well, how many people likely have a Platinum or Diamond Wyndham card? It's not a huge change. Probably not many people have that, and that's probably true. But it goes the other way. If you have a Platinum Total Rewards card, then you can get Wyndham Platinum. Again, just by doing it all online. You don't have to leave your house. And if you're a Diamond or Seven Stars at Total Rewards, you can become a Wyndham Diamond simply by going to those links online. So what do you get for being a Wyndham Diamond? Uh, you get things like uh, uh, a welcome amenity when you when you visit a, a Wyndham property, a suite upgrade if available, free Wi-Fi, a uh, preferred room. You get an early check-in and late check-out. Uh, you you can even get a free upgraded Avis and budget rent a car if you show that you have a Wyndham Diamond. So the, you know are these uh, spectacular perks? No, but are are they nice to have if you're staying at a Wyndham? The, the early check in, the late check out, the the free Wi Fi, the suite if it's available. Yeah, in fact, it's I found traveling it's very nice to have a high tier card at a property group. It, it really makes a lot of difference. You really can get them to do a lot of things they normally wouldn't do for someone with a lower card. You can get upgrades, sometimes even double upgrades. I got this great suite at the Marriott Marquis in New York City for the price of a regular room, thanks to a double upgrade I got from being a, a Marriott Gold. So that, that's the thing to do these days, is to get these cards and not not by getting them by staying at the place 50 nights a year or whatever is required but by doing it through status matches or or getting credit cards that entitle you to these uh, high statuses so here's one you can get for nothing you don't need a credit card all you need is a total rewards diamond or or seven stars and you can get uh, a Wyndham diamond you may wonder okay so how do i do it well i have the whole process explained actually uh, total rewards has a site explaining this as well but uh, I bet you're shocked that it's very confusing and hard to follow. <laughs> so my description is very clear and easy to follow. So again, if you go to VegasCasinoTalk.com, go to Total Rewards M Life forum on there, you'll see the thread about the Total Rewards and Wyndham status match, and you can do everything online. You don't have to leave your home, and you too can become a Wyndham Diamond. And I'm doing it. I'm, I'm spending my time doing it, so you can too. So those are things I feel you guys should know about, and I always like people to hear about these things because it's uh, it can be useful. And even though I haven't stayed in, is, is that a sorry, Jeff? Is that a Wyndham hotel that's like in Vegas off the Strip? Yes, there there it's is a, one. Yeah, I've got a client that like stays there every time and swears by it. Yeah, there, there's one there, and there's one right by Commerce. Oh, there as well. Oh, yeah. that's right. Yep. Yeah. So it's it's uh, it's useful to have, and in fact, sometimes if I have a high card at a certain property group, then I'll look more at staying at one of those properties, knowing that I'll get these additional perks. I'll, whereas I, I may have ignored them before, and now I'll say, well, you know, now now they're in the running because now I get these additional perks. There, right? look, I may get a suite upgrade, I may get this, I may get that, I can check out late. It's always good to have these upper tier cards. That's really the way to travel now in uh, in 2017. So. One last thing that we'll talk about tonight. Skill-based gaming. 
What is that? What is skill-based gaming? And I'm not talking about being a skilled poker player. I'm not talking about being a skilled blackjack player or uh, an advantage player of a different type that beats casinos. I'm not talking about all that. I'm talking about what casinos call skill-based gaming, and they're installing skill-based games. And this is a new. This is th- where we're talking about the the midget toss. Yes, th- this is a new thing that they're that they're bringing to casinos, or they're trying to to appeal to millennials because millennials have not been warm to slot machines. They haven't been warm to video poker, and that's usually a large portion of casinos' gaming income. It comes from the machines, and when the machines are not appealing to the younger demographic, they start to worry, okay, well, what if these people get older and they're still not into that? That will be a problem for us in the future. So we've got to attack this problem now. We've got to start appealing to the younger people now. Uh, Otherwise, our bread and butter, the machines, are are going to become basically ignored once the current machine players die off and the young people become middle-aged and old and they're not interested in playing them anymore. So we've, we've got to nip this in the bud here. So... One idea that they've come up with, and they took this from the increasing popularity of e-gaming, is to bring in what's known as uh, skill-based gaming machines, where you're still gambling, you're still gambling against the house, but now instead of just pressing a button and letting the real spin and just win because you, you happen to get lucky, now you're actually playing some kind of game that requires skill. Usually it's some form of like a video game. There's even like a Space Invaders one that they just uh, put uh, somewhere in Atlantic City. So these are being tried on an experimental basis in that uh, they put them in. They see how they're doing. If they make enough money for the casino where after whatever licensing fee they're paying to the, the provider of his machines, if it's worth having them there, then they keep them. Otherwise, they get rid of them. Now, I have a little bit of, of conflicting news here because I read one article which said that they've taken out the skill-based games from all the Caesars properties, and that was dated June 10th. And then I read another article, this was in the Las Vegas Review-Journal, dated June 8th, that they just brought a Space Invaders skill game to Atlantic City, at Caesars Atlantic City. So I don't understand. I don't understand. Like, like, how could they have just brought the Caesars in days ago and they took them all out? So I'm not sure what happened here. Maybe they even removed all the skill-based games and replaced them with these Space Invaders, uh, different type of skill-based games, whatever, but it's not that important. Whether they're still there or not doesn't really matter. What does matter is the house edge on this game, or these games. What do you guys think the house edge on the average skill-based game is and keep in mind that the house edge for one of the better video poker games is like around one percent. For the worst video poker games, it tends to be uh, two to four uh, percent. For blackjack, it tends to range between uh, zero point something to two percent. Uh, I'm going to shoot for the moon and say ten percent. And what, what do you think, Trader Ruski? Uh, I'm going to say that there's I'm- just. They're just trying to rape these guys. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say five to six, but I'm kind of leaning. I, I kind of agree with Cal Watt. It's new. They're probably trying to squeeze you as much as possible. 
Well, you guys are both incorrect. The house edge on these skill-based games, according to this one article I read on PressOfAtlanticCity.com, is 17%. So... I knew they were going to rape him. I just didn't know they were going to go for the back door. Wow. <laughs> so, so, so I think this is how you explain it. That they are probably so afraid of someone becoming good at these games that uh, they, they, can't, they have to disallow the possibility that someone could become good enough to beat them. Because imagine, you know, take the Space Invaders one, for example. Imagine some space invaders whiz says, oh, perfect, finally, my, my, my 40 years of playing space invaders are finally going to pay off. Finally, I, I, can, I can actually make money from it. And, and he comes to, and even if it's not identical to, to the original space invaders, you know, it's, it's along the same concept, and he gets excellent at it and just crushes them and just, just lives in that machine all day and all night and just rapes the machine. So... It, they must have something in there where, uh, at some point, it's got to become so impossible to succeed that there's no way you can score high enough to have a house edge. This is this is just my guess, but I, I, I have to think this is true. And, and I'm even not involving gambling. I used to play video games in the '80s, where you'd get up to a certain level, and it was just so hard. Uh, I, I couldn't imagine anyone beating it. And in fact, I, I've, I run these games now on emulators, and where you can you, know, you you can skip up right right up to the level without having to put in the time getting there, and, and you give yourself un- unlimited lives and all that. And still, sometimes I can't get past those levels because they're just so impossibly hard. So I have to imagine they did something similar here, where just no human being can be skillful enough to score high enough to be positive expectation on those machines. So, so where does the 17% come in? Well, they, they have to have a range where the person feels like, as they're getting better, they're not losing money as fast. So the, the concept is when you first play, you kind of suck, and, and you're, you're going to lose money quickly. But as you get better, uh, it, it starts to get closer and closer to making money. Now, I've never played one of these. I don't understand how they work and how you win money at them. Or because It wouldn't make sense if someone played every single time that they'd lose money, then people wouldn't want to keep playing. But uh, maybe it is that way. Maybe it's the hope of, of one day eclipsing the, the point where you can make money. You know, like, for example, maybe you put in $5 in the machine and then you play. And then if you get to a certain score, you know, it gives you money back to pay, depending on what score you get. And you think, OK, well, if I just get past this score one day, I'll, I'll get back more than I put into it. Maybe that's what people are thinking. I, I don't exactly know. I've never played one. But. Uh, clearly, Caesars and the slot manufacturer—they're—they're they're aware of the fact that someone could stomp on them really hard if the machines were beatable, given enough skill. So, I think it becomes a range where it goes from just people having just an absolutely horrible edge, worse than seventeen percent, for the casino, all the way up to yeah, maybe ninety-five percent. Yeah, maybe it becomes a five percent house edge, maybe four percent house edge. If if you if you're really really good at the game, still where you're not getting close enough to where you're going to beat it, but to where it feels like you're making progress. I, I bet that's something like what they were doing and why the edge is so high because you've you've got to make progress from the beginning. But 
from this article in Press of Atlantic City, they took them out because they just weren't making enough money. Which, to me, would make sense because I don't see the appeal of these. Because, okay, think of how people get good at video games. When you play a video game for the first time you're not familiar with, you suck. You're, you're never good on the first shot. No one is good the first time they play a video game of, of, a, of a certain type. And then and that applies to just about everything in life, right? Yeah, and, and then and then you and then yeah. you if you, if you're interested in the game, you go. Oh, this is a fun game. I you know I sucked the first time, but I bet if I keep playing, I'll get better. Then you play over and over again, and you start to get better and better, and eventually be, you become good, or, or sometimes you know really really good at the game. So the difference is with traditional video games, the cost of improving from terrible to really good is not very high. It's either zero if you own the game on your console or computer, uh, or minimal if you're playing it in an arcade and putting in the quarter to a dollar each time. So there, there's not a high cost in getting good. But if you're gambling on how well you're going to do, and you're getting crushed, and, and just, you know, the casino is just beating you out of big money each time because you can't... Uh, because you, you, you're in the process of getting better, no one's going to put up with that. Like, I can't see how that's going to appeal to people that they every time they're playing, they're just losing so much money just with a hope that one day they'll get better and be able to win money. I, I just don't see that appealing to people enough. It seems like it's too expensive to get good. And I think it would just frustrate people. So I have to imagine millennials will try it. It'll seem hard. They'll lose pretty fast. And they'll just go, oh my God, this, this just seems like it's going to be so many times I'll have to keep feeding money into this machine before I can get to the point where I feel I can compete. Even if they don't realize that they probably can't beat it long term, even if they think that one day they can become good enough, it's just going to seem like such a Herculean task to do, they won't do it. That's just my guess. I haven't done any analysis on this. I haven't uh, read up on all this that much. There's not that inf- much information online about it. But the important things to me are that it has an eye-popping 17% house edge. And, and the fact that they're already removing a lot of these because they're not doing well, I, I, th- I think huh. they, I think they're just not understanding the market as well as they think they do. So, uh, by the way, millennials so people weren't interested in games that were negative EV, so they introduced something even worse. <laughs> And they're surprised that people don't like it. Yeah, that's the problem. They, they, okay. they, they think the slots are just boring or the, or the millennials, maybe you know they want to feel like they have more of a chance to win rather than just the, letting it spin and, and they know they're going to lose every time. But I understand where they're trying to go with it. But the, the problem is, this is not, for the reasons I stated, this just doesn't seem like the solution. And I, I think the best way they could do this here is if... Uh, if they had skill-based games where you could play against each other, which, I mean, maybe they do. I, I don't know enough about it, but if they had games where people in the casino could play each other and the casino just took a rake similar to poker, that maybe could take off. Where, But but again, you have to think that the people who are not good at the game wouldn't even think of challenging someone who is. Like, who would be that stupid? But at least there you could understand to where the casino could make money and to where people could believe they could make money, much like in poker. There's a lot of people who believe they could make money long-term playing poker when in reality they really can't. But everyone has this dream. Now, now how cynical does the guy have to be that is rigging into that the 17% edge? <laughs> you know, I mean, they must know what the edge is in the other games that they offer. 
how cynical is that guy got to be? Like, ah, yeah, you know what? Fuck these guys. You know, I mean, that that's really is such a huge edge. That's just a big middle finger. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's it's horrible. Let me, let me get the exact quote here. Yeah, it, it says, unlike traditional games of chance, skill-based games pay players based on their skill, although their payout formula, they return about 83 cents on every dollar spent, is consistent with slot machines. That's not even true. A lot, a lot of slot machines are much better than that. So, uh, slot machines, I, what are they? I, I think what's more common with us, like 90, 91%, 92%, that, that, that's, that's more common. There's, there's slots that are much worse, but that, that, that's kind of more common. Uh, 83% is a horrible payout. So yeah, Slot machines are where all the zombies go before they die. <laughs> I mean, I, I walk through there, and I, occasionally you'll see, like, you know, some drunk people having fun, but for the most part, it's just people that have wheeled up their hover around and are, you know, just pumping money in and pressing buttons. Yeah, it's. I, I never understood the appeal to just sit there for a long period of time, just going spin, 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 spin. You're, you're not making any decisions. If you win, there's, you've done nothing to earn it other than just dumb luck. Uh, the edge is high against you, but. Uh, some people like them. Like, for example, I'll tell you a person. Hey, man, that, lots of people buy lotto tickets, too. There's no sense in that either. At least the lotto. Crazy. You, I know. But you know what's also funny about these slots? A lot of them are not going to pay you, like, a life-changing amount of money if you get the best prize. At least the lotto, you get this just massive prize if you're the unusually lucky winner to get it. Or Yeah, but I, I mean, Druff, I'm more likely to be raped by a gang of roving Swedish supermodels tomorrow than I am to win the lottery. Oh, of course. You know, I mean, the odds are just so bad. But at least there's still the dream. But, but when when the best prize in a certain slot machine is $2,000, I mean, why why are you bothering? <laughs> if that's the best case scenario, yeah, is you're going to yeah. win $2,000, okay, that's nice to win, but you're not going to, that's not going to. Aha, but if the slot machine pays off, that means you have more money to put into the slot machines. <laughs> Right? I mean, well, I, I bet you very like few Vegas of these people vacation. walk away. It's just going to be like Vegas vacation, you know? <laughs> they can have all the games. <laughs> the yeah. tourists come into town. They're jonesing for any action possible. Yeah. It, and what, what, one guy who likes slot machines that surprises me, there's a guy who writes a newsletter called Seven Stars Insider. If you go to sevenstarsinsider.com, a lot of good information about the Seven Stars program and Total Rewards in general. He 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 uh, updates. He does a newsletter every month. He has updated news as as he's coming up with it. It's a very good site, and the guy is is clearly very smart. And and in fact, Caesar should hire him. He points out all kinds of fail and mistakes they make all the time. If they had this guy in in their quality control for Total Rewards, the things would be a lot different. But despite that. The reason he has interest in Seven Stars in the first place is he is a Seven Stars member, and he earns it every year by playing slots. That's all he plays. And that just doesn't strike me. I mean, he is an older guy, so I know slots appeal much more to the older generations for whatever reason. And I, I don't know if slots appeal to old people because that's what they liked as they were get, you know, when they were younger and they just stuck with it over the years, or if there's something about slots that appeal to old people to where today's middle-aged people when they get old will like slots so i i don't know i've 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 never really even understood the appeal and like i can understand the video poker appeal but not slots at least video poker you're making some decisions 
If it's lots, you're making no decisions. It's just spin, 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 spin. And not only that, you're you just spin and then it just lands. There's not even any kind of drama. Like with with video poker, okay, you get you get dealt four to the royal. Okay, there there's some fun. There's some drama in holding those four cards and then hitting draw, and then seeing what pops up. Here, slots is like, okay, spin, spin, spin. Oh, you won big. Spin, spin, spin. Oh, I lost. I lost. I lost. Oh, I won small. I won big. Okay, that's, that's, uh, that's what a slot machine is. So when you do win, it just hits you out of nowhere. It's not even like there's some drama where you're on the way to winning, but not quite there, which video poker does have. So that's, that's it. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm out of stuff to talk about. Uh, thank you for... Calwat, thank you, Trader Ruski, for joining us. Uh, I'll have to work again on Skype and try to get the damn thing working with incoming phone calls, which I thought I had solved last week, but apparently not. So I have to try to <laughs> try to duplicate what's happening. This is becoming a full time job. It is. I, Just I spent, trying to get Skype to work is becoming a full time job. I, I spent hours last week on on researching this, and I thought I had I came up with an answer. And even though I I have we we apparently did fix the problem where you couldn't hear sound effects. I still have the problem with taking phone calls, so it's, it's terrible, but you may have a question now. When is radio next week? Will it be on Wednesday, June 21st? Or will it not be? Well, I hope... Drew, I've got a question. When is radio next week? That's a fine question. All right. I hope it will not be on June 21st. I hope on June 21st I am at the final table of the 10K Limit Hold'em event. I'm at the final you table. You better be, man. I got a piece. I got a piece, and I'm I'm holding your feet to the fire on this. I hope I'm at the final table. The final AAA. table or nothing. I, I hope I'm there, and I hope yep. I'm saying. I hope I'm saying to myself, you know what? Th- this stupid bubble I had uh, last week—that's so trivial now. Who cares about my stupid bubble at the 1500 instead of a min cash? Who gives a crap? I'm at the final table of the 10K. In fact, I, I'm the chip leader at the final table of the 10K. And yeah, so screw the 1500. That, that's what I hope I'm going to be saying on Wednesday of next week. But if, if that dream does not come true, if I instead have the heartache of busting that event. On... No, 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 Druff. I want you to take a page out of that Choice Center thing <laughs> and tell me what your intention is. What is your intention, Druff? Okay. My intention. Say my intention. Go ahead. Yeah. My intention is to win the 10K Limit Hold'em event and to get Amanda Leatherman to pay attention to me again. <laughs> so, I don't know if it's like wishes. I don't know if you're allowed to, but all right. So anyway, that that's what's going on next week. And there's also a chance, if even if I'm not at that final table, there's also a chance that I will not be available to do radio on the 21st if I am uh, driving that day, which I might be. I might be uh, hightailing it out of town on the 21st, in which case I won't be able to do the radio. So I am thinking it, it's just safer to uh, – we'll play it by ear. The, the radio may be on the 20th on Tuesday. That's if I really brick that event. The radio may be on Wednesday the 21st, and the radio may be on Thursday the 22nd. So I will announce on Twitter uh, shortly after I play the event, or while I'm still in 
the event, hopefully, what the schedule for radio will be. But it will be at some point next week. We're not going to skip next week. We just uh, have to adjust the day. So, and Jeff, I'm leaving for I'm leaving for Vegas tomorrow. Oh. I was actually driving back from San Francisco at the beginning of the call, and now I'm home, and then I'm heading back. You're always Vegas driving tomorrow. somewhere, Trader Ruski. Yes. Yeah, you know, it's been a busy week. Always. But. I'm never going to make like a slushy bet with you because you'll be like, oh, I'm already on my way there. <laughs> I'm going right, <laughs> yeah. going right by right now. I'm passing and by. I'm my, All right, I'll just, my, I'll my just pull right over. Oh, you're playing your first senior event. Now, you just turned 50? Yep. Oh, I just talked about this at the – listen to this one. I, I was – okay, so there's, there's one other person I, I got to talk to at the – 1500 limit event. A guy, uh, he was the 25th place finisher at the 2004 main event. His name is Davin Anderson. And he also, uh, he ended up cashing this 1500. But he, he used to play on Poker Stars as the best 247. And, uh, and I remember I met him in person in 2004. And then shortly after I met him in person, I guess I brought him good luck. He got uh, 25, 25th place in the main event that year, the year Raymer won. But but then he kind of disappeared and fell out of poker, and I hadn't even thought of him for many many years. And then I saw he was at my second day table, so I didn't say anything to him at first about it. But then he he saw my head and shoulders bottle the card protector, and he says, "Wait a minute, there was this guy on Poker Stars that used to have that." And he goes, "Is it possible?" I said, "Yep, I'm who you think I am." He goes, "Oh my god, I can't believe it!" So so we started talking and reminiscing about po- the old days on Poker Stars. But uh, where was I going to witness? See now, now I've, I don't remember where I'm going with this now. <laughs> what were we saying? Wow. Senior, senior event, right? Oh, the senior event. Thank you, thank you, Trader Ruski. That's why we keep you around here. That was it. So, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So you lost your train of thought and forgot about the senior event? Yes. I think that qualifies you for the senior event. I should. Event. I, should, I was right, going to say, you might be right there. I, you know? I, I, I should apply for a waiver to where they can give me a chance to play, too. Well, especially when you hear this story. So so anyway, this guy is a few years older than me. I wasn't even sure if he was 50 yet. It was, he looked like he was close, whether he was there or not. I didn't remember how old he was back then, but now he looked like he was near 50. But but he told me that uh, you know soon he'll be able to play it. And and he's really looking forward to it. Then I said, "Well, yeah, I hate to tell you, but it's going to be mainly like fifty-year-olds at your table. You're, you're going to picture you're going to sit down. It's going to be you and like a bunch of eighty-year-olds, but it's not going to be. That's at the super seniors event. The regular seniors, it's all these fifty-year-olds who think that they're being so clever because they're going to play the seniors event against all these old people. And then it's like all fifty-year-olds. And so then, then a, a conversation spawned at the table: Are there really fifty-year-olds who are good at poker? And I started explaining: Yes, there are. And so, so like I was, I was explaining. Yeah, there are a lot of them. Yeah. So I was explaining that to everybody. That and I said, I said, with that said, I'm, I'm still going to play it because more of who isn't there because you don't have the like these young internet hotshots there. Uh, like the, the absence of those guys makes the event good, but uh, at the same time, you're not going to be with like a, a bunch of like old senile guys who don't know what they're doing. So you're going to be with a lot of. It might be good from a uh, like uh, Terrence Chan might like that. I mean, I would imagine the super seniors might be a little bit pokey in terms of how quickly things are done. That, that's true. Maybe maybe too slow. So so we had that discussion. So anyway, I, I talked about you know, how I'm going to play it. Uh, uh, so sometimes too. anyway, he says he says to me, 
So when I was saying that there's good 50 year olds there, he says to me, so, 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 okay. So, so are you over 50? And I said, oh, are people actually asking me if I'm over 50 at this point? Like, like he, <laughs> yes, he was basing it because I seem to be very, uh, very much defending the ability of 50 year olds to play poker. And and that was why he thought I was I was fifty because I, I it seemed almost like I would be offended to think that fifty year olds couldn't play poker. However, you need to rationalize it, bro. <laughs> I I was hoping it was going to be the other way. Like, what you're going to play the seniors event in not too long? I can't picture that. But no, it was it was the other way. Like, oh, are you are you, able, are you able to play it now? But I I can play it in five years. I will play it in five years, and. I probably will delude myself into still believing I'm going to sit down with with really old people, and then get there and see Trader Ruski types and go, "God oh, damn it, I knew it." And it, well, it's, and it starts at 10 a.m., which is like, I well, that, that, that get there around one. Well, that's yes, good for seniors, though. If seniors get up early, I know, but it's you know, I don't consider myself a senior. Yeah, I know you're you not know, a real senior. I just got senior. my AARP card in the mail. <laughs> you know, I, I heard you can actually join AARP before 50. And that's just a, like a guideline, but not a rule. And if you want to get their benefits, you actually can join them before fifty. So, no, I'm, I'm sure if you have sixteen dollars, you can join. Yeah, that's what I heard. I heard you don't have to be fifty, and that if you want those AARP discounts, you can get them. But from what I found, they tend to be the same discount in most places as AAA, so there's not really a point. But you know, yeah, but they, it's so cheap. It's like I didn't do it. Because I refuse to do it out of principle, but you know, between <laughs> Costco and, and AAA, you know. so, so out of principle, like you didn't want to join the AARP yeah. and think oh, yourself. I, as- saw, I saw the envelope. I'm like, this better fucking say resident on it. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you just you just don't want to admit you're old yet. You just want it to still exactly, feel young. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it is going to feel weird that. In five years, I'll be in the seniors event, and I even told my parents that. So, how do you feel about the fact that in five years that uh, your son is going to be in the seniors event? Is, is that going to feel good? That makes you feel yeah. real old when when, when, exactly. you're, when, when your kid, who, who you, you know you think of as being so young, is is in a seniors event, and you go, "Well, if he's a senior, what am I?" So, now by the time Benjamin can play the seniors event, I will be eighty nine years old. If I'm still alive, so. Have you thought about getting ben- Benjamin on track for the first 11 year old 400 800 limit player? <laughs> that's right. We got we got to break the record. I've got five years left. I've got, I've got to find a cruise that that spreads a high game like that and uh, get him ready. It's true. Uh, Benjamin is, is very excited this year about me playing here and about me winning a bracelet and. Uh, I thought about that as I was getting uh, deeper in this 1500 limit hold'em, but yet never had any chips. I said, I wonder how Benjamin would feel about a min cash. <laughs> I'll ask, did you want to brace it, Daddy? I said, no, but I min cashed despite having a short stack the whole way. I don't think he'll be that impressed. As long as you're mucking the seven deuce. Yeah. Right? That's one of his, that's one of his key moves. No, no, it was six deuce. He told, he went very, when he was very young years ago, when he was, you know, much younger, he was watching me play on, on Bodog or Bovada and, and said, uh, I said, oh, it's it's a six and a two. You should throw that away. I said, wow, how did you know that? That's correct. (laughs) So, yeah. uh, So, 
Good luck to you and the seniors event. It's a very big field event. They get thousands of people. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, I'm. Yeah, that is my intention to play that. But uh, if not, there's other ones. So, what what day are you coming in for that? I'm coming in tomorrow. Oh, okay. I got some work to catch up on, but I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll text when I'm in town. Now, I don't want you to we'll say definitely get together. Make any suggestion of where it is in case you have a guest. Don't don't say it. But I am leaving the Rio tomorrow. I I am packing up and leaving. I, I'm taking myself and my potential legionnaire's disease elsewhere oh my god you're spreading it to other casinos yes yes so i i'm taking my entire being somewhere else starting tomorrow i'm going to uh, the only thing i'll say is i'm going to a nicer place i'll be i have a nicer room than a nicer hotel it will not be at the rio so it will be a little inconvenient but uh you know that's the price you pay and then, then I will return to the Rio after I, I've been at that other place for a little bit of time. And uh, then if, if for whatever reason I need a room after the 21st, then I'm going to be out of luck because I have no reservation anywhere. But I'm, I'm planning to uh, leave Vegas on the 21st or hopefully the 22nd. If, if, if Hopefully I, I make the final table and win the 10K event. And then at that point, I'll be too tired to leave, and I'll need to find some hotel room at the last minute with my new bracelet at the 10K Limit Hold'em event and uh, stay overnight and drive on the 22nd. But uh, otherwise, uh, I probably will be leaving on the 21st, but then I'll be back here on the 26th, again at the Rio, for uh, my second round of World Series preliminary events. And hopefully one of these will be a deep run. Hopefully, I'm. The one thing I can say about my fifteen hundred bubble, I was thinking about it. Like I was trying to think, okay, well, how annoying does this rank on other like annoying World Series things I've had recently? So, I was comparing it to last year. Last year, I had two very frustrating things. Frustrating thing number one was also at the fifteen hundred limit hold'em event where I was the chip leader with forty two left and went out fortieth, which is just horrible. And then the second annoying thing was a week later at the 10K Limit Hold'em where I got a horrible starting table. Despite that, became the chip leader midday one, and then an hour later was out again without cashing. So I thought, you know, which is worse? that One of those two things or, or this bubbling of the 1500 Limit Hold'em? And I said, you know what? Last year was actually worse because last year with 42 left and I was the chip leader, I really pictured myself as winning the thing. I really, I, I, I wasn't so delusional to think I had it locked down or anything. I knew there's a lot that could happen, but I was feeling like really good, like, okay, this is going to be it. This is the year I'm going to do it. And then just to collapse like that and be out so fast was just shocking. And same with the, the 10K limit hold'em. I wanted that one really badly. I got it for this great start, and then an hour later it's gone. And I didn't even cash didn't come close to cash. So that was very frustrating, especially what had happened a week before at the 1500. So this 1500 bubbling, bubbling is never fun, but at the at least I can say I never was doing well. I was never sitting there like happy and thinking, okay, I'm going to kick ass on this one. Okay, I'm going to win this one. I was always thinking like, I got to prevent from busting. I've got to prevent from busting. Like all I was thinking about is preventing busting. I was never at the point where I could sit on a lot of chips and think about what may happen. The whole time is don't bust, don't bust, don't bust. So, since I was never doing well, I never had high hopes. And 
therefore my high hopes were never dashed. The only really thing that got dashed was thinking I was going to cash, and I didn't cash. But I never thought I was getting that far. Choice Center may give me a hard time for thinking that way, but that's that's really what I felt in this event. I just could not get anything going. So in that way, it wasn't all that disappointing, but bubbling always sucks. But anyway, I'll forget all that very fast if I do well in one of these subsequent events. I, I just need one. I don't even need, like, like two great events. I, I just need one. Just one. I'm sure you'll feel the same way if you do really well in the seniors event. Absolutely. It only takes one. Yeah. So... That's what I'm hoping here. There's a lot of. It was frustrating, but I go. There's, there's a lot of events left to play. There was just one event, and uh, it was only a 1500. And I'm moving forward. And uh, even though I got nothing for it, at least I can think. Look, I got crap cards. I, I was never doing well, and still I almost cashed. Still, I, ca- I came a hair away from cashing, despite uh, really not getting anything to work with. So uh, I, I can at least say that and say maybe when I get some better cards at one of these other events, I can I can do more with it. So I've, it's, uh look forward to trying. Uh, Trader Risky, I'd uh, like to see you when you're out here. And uh, Absolutely. In Calwatt, no uh, Vegas trips? Doesn't look like it. Can't get the Asian people to meet you in Vegas? <laughs> No. <laughs> Throw it out there. No. Yeah, no, it's probably not happening this year. That's fine. We we can he can try to live vicariously through me and my bubbling, and Bart and his and his bubbling. Maybe maybe Cal, what's the problem? What? Look, look at this. There's a common denominator. There is. So so I'm associated with you, and I stone bubbled the 1500 limit hold'em. Bart is associated with you, and uh, he. Like second bubbled the the Raz event, the 10k Raz, and you thought he cashed when he didn't. But putting that aside, I mean, how do you know all these people that keep bubbling? Maybe you guys got to stop misplaying hands. Okay, I don't know. I think I think it could be some some kind of association that we're cursed in some way. It could be that it was like the reverse curse. Eric Crane, also known as Jack's Poker, he's been running super well in everything lately. He won a million dollars playing daily fantasy sports. And he's, he's just done. He's just been charmed lately. And when former uh, community member Reggie Man Michael Reed was uh, the chip leader of the fifteen hundred limit hold'em event this year, or yeah, within the last few days, first on you know, chip leader day one, chip leader of most of day two. Uh, I found out that he was that Jack's uh, poker had a piece of him. So I said, "Ah, it makes sense. The right guy backed him. He's, he's using the lucky money, and it stayed lucky until until he went out 14. That wasn't that lucky, but better than me. A lot better than me." Well, hopefully the Calwatt pattern is you both bubbled and you both won a bracelet. Yes, that's then. Then I'll take it all yeah. back. Then I'll, then I'll apologize and say say to Calwatt, you know what? You were the difference this year because. Uh, You've been active on radio since after last year's World Series, and that made the difference. Yes, yes, I got out to a bad start, but the only thing that matters is now. Now I have my second bracelet, and it's all thanks to you. Okay, well, that's all for tonight. That's all for this week, and I apologize for a lot of drunken phone calls here. 
and for the inability for people to call the show. And wait, hold on, I'm gonna stop this. Can you guys hear me talking over the music, or does it sound terrible? A little bit. Yeah, it sounded a little funky. God, I hate Skype. Okay, so I'll try to get the Skype thing working a little bit better. It's it's most of it's beyond my control, to be honest. But I try to see. Yeah, I can't hear you. I, I try. I try to see what I can do. I can hear you at least. But I try to do what I can to tweak or uh, assist in making this work better. This is Microsoft that is finest, everybody. Yes. Yeah, don't blame me. It's Microsoft's fault. We'll be back sometime next week. Check the Twitter. Twitter.com slash PokerFraudAlert for announcements. Or you can look at the Poker Fraud Alert Flying Stupidity Forum. Something will be announced there. But keep in mind, it won't be announced until... My 10K Limit Hold'em event is either over or going on longer than I could have ever dreamed. But there will be a show next week. I'll I'll make sure there's a show next week. And there will be a show the following week and the week after that and the week after that. We are not skipping shows here during the World Series. We're bringing it to you every night. So thank you for listening. Thank you, Mac Lance, for coming on. Thank you, Cal Watt and Trader Ruski, for co-hosting this show. This was broadcast from a lovely room in the Rio Hotel, a fine Legionnaires establishment, which I will be checking out of tomorrow. But not leaving Vegas, just leaving this hotel. That is all for tonight. If any of you guys see me around uh, the World Series, you can come say hello. That's all. Good night. And shalom. Shalom.